Okay, good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Planning Commission hearing for Thursday, March 9th, 2023. To enable public participation, SFGovTV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live and we will receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. Each speaker will be allowed up to three minutes and when you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. We will take public comment from persons in City Hall first and then open up the remote access lines. For those persons participating via WebEx, please raise your hand when the public comment is called for, um, for the item you're interested in speaking to. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, you need to call 415-655-0001 and enter access code 2596. 775-2190, then press pound and pound again. Wait for the item you are interested in speaking to and for public comment to be announced. To, to comment, you must enter star three uh, to raise your hand. And once you raise your hand, you will hear a prompt saying that you have raised your hand to ask a question, please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear that you are unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. Best, best practices are to call from a quiet location and please mute the volume on your television or computer. For those attending in person, please line up on the screen side of the room or to your right. Please speak clearly and slowly and if you care to state your name for the record. Finally, I'll ask that we silence any mobile devices that may sound off during these proceedings. And if you're not submitting your public comment, to please keep your conversations to the barest minimum. And if you need to have a conversation or take a phone call, to step outside of these chambers. I'd like to take roll at this time. Commission President Tanner? Here. Commissioner Moore? Here. Commissioner Braun? Here. Commissioner Diamond? Here. Commissioner Imperial? Here. Uh, we do expect Commissioners Koppel and Ruiz to be absent today. First on your agenda, cons Commissioners, is consideration of items proposed for continuance. At the time of issuance, there were no items proposed to be continued, but we did receive a late request to continue item 9 under your regular calendar for case number 2019-023037 ENV for the waterfront, waterfront Plan Final Environmental Impact Report Certification one week to March 16th, 2023. So we should take public comment on that request for continuance. Any member of the public that wishes to comment on the continuance proposed for item nine for the waterfront plan environmental impact report. Seeing none, public comment on the continuance calendar is closed and it is now before you commissioners. Commissioner Diamond? Just a point of clarification, if we're continuing item nine, which is the EIR, don't we also need to continue all the items under 10? Um, the intent today is only to continue the certification, but to still continue with the initiations. And I did speak with staff about this. Um, they, they would recommend and support us doing the initiation and then having the EIR come back next week. Um, and so I think that's all right to at least hear part of it and, and move it today, but obviously that's the discretion of the commission. I don't know if staff want to address the um, 
proposal to separate the EAR and the certification of the plan, or the initiation of the plan, rather. Ray, Deputy Director of uh, Planning and Environment at the Port, and we're supportive of separating the two items. Could you provide a little uh, elaboration on how you see them separated um, being fine and kind of what the schedule or sequencing might look like? Sure, I think uh, just as you had outlined um, that uh, we do the introduction for the general plan and zoning today and then come back next week and uh, certify the adoption of the EIR. Do you have any other questions, Commissioner Diamond? Can I get confirmation from the city attorney's office that this is an acceptable way to proceed? Can you speak up a little bit, um, Commissioner yes, Diamond? Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Sorry about that. Um, still adjusting to the microphone and what you can hear and what I can hear. Um, could I get confirmation from the city attorney um, that it is uh, legally permissible to initiate the general plan amendment without having previously certified the EIR? Sure. Um, Deputy City Attorney Austin Yang, Commissioner Diamond. Um, <clears throat> the initiation itself is just that. It's a resolution of intend to initiate the actual general plan um, amendment will not be approved until a later date um, I believe no sooner than 60 days from now so it is permissible to have the initiation hear the initiation today certify the EIR at a later date but that must happen before you actually approve the general plan amendment thank you thank you is there a motion on continuing the EIR Yes, I'll move to continue item nine. Second. Thank you, commissioners, on that motion. Then to continue item nine to March 16th, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So move, commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero. Commissioners, that will place us under your consent your consent calendar. All matters listed here under constituted consent calendar are considered to be routine by the Planning Commission and may be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the Commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the Commission, the public, or staff so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item at this or a future hearing. Um, at this time, I want to call, before we call the items, I want to call on Commissioner Moore, who has, a, I think, a yeah. comment. I informed Commission Secretary that I would like to um, vote separately on item 101 California. I personally believe it requires a larger policy discussion. It does not necessarily require staff presentation, but I will vote no against what's in front of us. I can explain, but for the time being, in an abbreviated manner, I will not support the um, request under item 101. Sorry, thank you. Commissioner Imperial? Um, Commissioner Moore, would you rather take it out, uh, out of the um, consent and be put in the regular can calendars to hear your... Um... You can call it on consent separately, uh, and then I will vote no. Uh, okay. So uh, just call it just as a separate item. Uh, okay. Very good, Commissioners. Item 1, case number 2022-009200, CUA. For the property at 101 California Street, a conditional use authorization. Item 2, case number 2021-010355-CUA-3435-Cesar Chavez Street, a conditional use authorization. 
and item three, case number 2022-012040 CUA for the property at 3979 24th Street, a conditional use authorization. As you just heard, we will be taking up item one separately, um, but still remain under the consent calendar unless a member of the public or staff so requests it shall be removed uh, and heard uh, under the regular calendar. So we should open up public comment for any member of the public that would like either of these three items taken off of consent and heard um, under the regular calendar at today's hearing. Seeing no member of the public in the chambers coming forward, we'll go to our remote caller. This is Sue Hester and Pete Buttle. Um, I understand what Commissioner Moore asked for is basically to be heard on that item. So I suggest the only permissible issue is to push this item back down off the consent calendar and everything else can be a consent item. That's weird what you're doing. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Um... I'll just defer to the city attorney's office. I did not hear Commissioner Moore request that there be a hearing. She's just asking for it to be called separately under the consent calendar in order for her to vote differently than she would for the other two items on consent. I believe that the caller just requested to have this heard separately, Jonas, so I think we should treat it as a separate item. We can do that. I didn't, I didn't hear. Ms. Hester requesting that it be heard separately. She was trying to clarify Commissioner Moore's desire, but if that's the way, uh, we, we can handle it that way. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, very good, Ms. Hester. Uh, we will consider it under the regular calendar. Um, through the chair, do you want to have it heard first on the, under the regular calendar or at the end of the regular calendar? Um, I think we will hear it. Well, we'll see how things go because I do want to start 100 Broadway as close to 2 o'clock as we can. And so I think it's a little bit, you know, maybe after that. But I, we could get to it before. And so that's where. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take much time. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it um, first then. Very good. Uh, commissioners, that will leave you with items 2 and 3 under your consent calendar. Is there a motion on the consent calendar? Commissioner Imperial. Move to approve items 2 and 3. Second. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, on that motion to approve items two and three on consent, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So move, commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero, and we will hear item one first on the regular calendar. Uh, commissioners, that will place us under commission matters for item four, the land acknowledgement. Thank you. the page in the agenda the Planning Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula as the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions the Ramatushaloni have never ceded lost nor forgotten their responsibilities to the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory as guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatushaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Thank you. 
Thank you. Item five, consideration of adoption draft minutes for February 23rd, 2023. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on their minutes. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three. Seeing no additional or no requests to speak, public comment is closed and the minutes are now before you, commissioners. Commissioner Braun. Move to adopt the minutes. Second. Thank you, commissioners. On that motion to adopt the minutes, Commissioner Braun. Aye. Commissioner Diamond. Aye. Commissioner Imperial. Aye. Commissioner Moore. Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner. Aye. So move, commissioners. That motion passes unanimously five to zero, placing us under item six, commission comments and questions. Uh, thank you all. Um, I just want to bring to your attention an email that I believe you received today inviting us to a training for equity-minded decision-making for commissioners. There are two sessions. They are identical sessions, so you should choose one session to attend. You don't need to go to both. Wednesday, May 3rd from 9 a.m. to noon, and then Thursday, May 18th from 9 a.m. to noon. These are virtual sessions that will be held online. So um, please, I think, let Jonas know if you'd like to attend, and then the department will uh, make sure that we can arrange for that. There is a limit to each session, so if you are interested, probably sign up sooner than later. Indeed, and, and this is sort of a, a follow-up. I, I believe Commissioners Moore and Koppel were already attended an equity training, what? so I, it would probably be unnecessary for you to go to this one, but if, again, if you, if you decided to, I'm not telling you not to, but Great. it's really geared, the invitation is more for our newer commissioners. Great, thank you. Commissioner Diamond? I just wanted to give a shout out um, to the entities that organized the free tulip giveaway in Union Square on Saturday. I happened to be in that area for reasons unrelated to the free tulip giveaway and was just astonished by the amount of joy um, that was in Union Square. Not only were people lined up five or six deep entirely encircling the square uh, in order to get 15 free tulips. But everywhere I walked downtown, people were walking around with bouquets of tulips. Uh, and this was in damp, wet weather, clearly lighting up the spirit. <laughs> the restaurants were packed. The stores were packed. And it seemed um, that it was worth bringing it to everybody's note because we just had a presentation on downtown and how one of the ways we need to think about downtown is how we use events in order to attract people who will then shop, hopefully, or have a coffee. And Saturday was like the most perfect example of how that could actually work. And just personally, it was just so much fun to see Union Square alive and vibrant and you know filled with very, very happy people with their bouquets of tulips. Wonderful. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. And yeah, that's, that's so wonderful. Commissioner Moore. Another example for uh, civic cohesiveness, for something which brightens your day. I listened to the historic preservation meeting on March 1st, and there was a remarkable presentation on New Deal historic context statement 1933 to 1943. And I hope that this commission will very carefully listen to that statement. And if uh, Secretary Ionin would be so kind, uh, have these commissioners receive a copy of the report. It is inspirational what the city did at that time, what the resources are, and I think we all should organize a tour and experience that together. Because those are the small elements, mostly we don't know about them, which creates the civic cohesiveness that we need at this time where things seem very weak and very frayed. 
So I strongly encourage you and my kudos to historic preservation. It was a remarkable uh, day when this particular thing happened. That's great. And um, I think last week when they reported, they said it was so good that it should be made into a book, the report. So um, you rarely hear that about things that are staff report items. So um, uh, well, I think I'll look forward to, to reading that. President Tanner, as you added, if you listen to the presentation, there was also the first building for historic uh, designation, which relied on racial and social equity. That was the first, that is 2041 Larkin Street a church around the corner from where I live, and I immediately ran down there to look at it and also carefully listen to the history. That was a first for historic preservation. I hope that we can follow quickly with doing something similar. That's wonderful. Thank you, Commissioner Moore. I'll just suggest that uh, if you'd like to receive a hard copy, yes. we'd be happy to print it out for you. It is already available online um, through the agenda from the Historic Preservation Commission. Which we don't have. If you could send the link, that would be helpful. Certainly. I don't see any other commissioner hands up. Thank you all. Okay, very good. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, we can move on to department matters. Item 7, director's announcements. Good afternoon, commissioners. Just to piggyback on Commissioner Diamond's comment, uh, that was in part sponsored by the Union Square Association, and I think they felt strongly that it was a success as well. But they would like to come at some point and talk to us, the commission, not just about the work. We are doing work with them you know, zoning-related work, but they are obviously have a broader focus and an economic development focus, so we will calendar them, uh, you know, working with, the, with, with President Tanner to come and talk to the commission about their overall efforts. Yeah, I think we'd welcome that for sure. Okay. Um, item 8, review of past events at the Board of Supervisors. I don't have a report for the Board of Appeals and the Historic Preservation Commission did not meet yesterday. <coughs> Uh, good afternoon, Commissioners Aaron Starr, Manager of Legislative Affairs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this week, the Land Use Committee considered the Code Enforcement Ordinance sponsored by Supervisor Ronan. Commissioners, you heard this item on January 19th and voted to approve the legislation with modifications. Your, modifi your recommended modifications were to, one, require the department to record notice of violations where a penalty will be imposed against the property's title instead of requiring the department to serve notices to new property owners when titles are transferred. Two, add language to state that the one-time um, fines of either 250,000 for loss of residential units or up to 500,000 for damage of loss to a struck structure fine is triggered when a notice of violation is issued. Three, uh, remove the five-year prohibition on construction for violations. Uh, four, amend the ordinance so that adding more than three units would be subject to the $250,000 fine instead of, act, um, instead of only two units. And finally, to encourage the Board of Supervisors to consider a lower limit from the proposed $50,000 minimum amount that the Board of Appeals may lower um, illegal demolitions or additions of residential units cases uh, that are appealed to them. Uh, Supervisor running incorporated all but one of the commission's modifications for the committee to consider. Uh, the modification that she did not take uh, being the final recommendation to lower the limit that the Board of Appeals may assess uh, for illegal demolition cases. Uh, there was little discussion among the committee members and only one public commenter who was in favor of the proposed ordinance. The committee voted unanimously to send the item to the full board with a positive recommendation. Um, and the state-mandated accessory dwelling unit controls, uh, which you heard a long, long, long time ago, um, was also on the agenda but was continued to March 13th. 
Um, and then at the full board this week, uh, the Village SUD, sponsored by the mayor, uh, passed its first read, and the initiation of landmark designation for the Colombo Market Arch, which just starts the uh, landmark de designation process, was adopted. And that's all I have for you today. Thanks. Seeing no questions from commissioners, we can move on to general public comment. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission, except agenda items. With respect to agenda items, your opportunity to address the commission will be afforded when the item is reached in the meeting. Each member of the public may address the commission for up to three minutes, and when the number of spe speakers exceed the 15-minute limit, general public comment may be moved to the end of the agenda. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission. Please come forward if you're in the chambers. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, general public comment is closed and we can move on to your regular calendar. Um, item one on consent was pulled off and we'll take up that matter now for case number 2022-0092000 CUA. For the property at 101 California Street, a conditional use authorization. Commissioner Moore, I believe you did not request a report from staff. And so uh, to expedite matters, I will call public comment for this matter. Um, Jonas, really quick, we did have one additional um, addition to the conditions of approval that we wanted to just read into the record, but we can do that now or later. I well, would, so let's, let's do, do it now. now. Yeah, let's do it now before comment. And just, just, I want to introduce Dakota, too, because it's the first time he's been here in kind of an odd case. But to, to <laughs> Dakota Speecher joined us uh, in current planning as a planner one in June, in June 2022. Uh, prior to joining the department, he interned for the cities of Valmonte and West Hollywood, focusing on development review and economic development. Originally, he's from Davis, uh, but spent the last few, year, few years in Southern California working on political campaigns nonprofits and completing his master's of urban and regional planning from Cal Poly Pomona. So welcome Dakota. Thank, Thank you, you, Director Hillis, uh, Dakota Speecher, planning staff. Um, the condition we would like to add um, that was omitted from the original uh, conditions of approval is standard TDR conditions. Um, apart from that, uh, standard conditions apply. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Aaron, should we also hear from the project sponsor if they'd like to say anything? Absolutely. Project sponsor. Uh, you have five-minute presentation. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Justin Zucker from Rubin Juniors and Rose. Um, since this item was on consent, I will keep it short. If there's any questions, we're available. Thank you. Okay, again, members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. Ms. Hester, I don't think you intended to, but I'll call you out one more time. Seeing no request to speak, Commissioners, public comment is closed, and this matter is now before you. Commissioner Moore. Uh, I'd like to briefly summarize uh, my concerns about this particular application. Uh, at a time where we have ample vacant office space uh, and there is a decline in large office users occupying substantial amounts of square footage, uh, using of what KIF was carefully crafted many years ago for ground floor animation and ground floor transparency. Ms. Moore, uh, Commissioner Moore, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you just for one moment. Excuse me, folks that are entering the room, if you could do so quietly, please. Thank you. Commissioner Moore, if you want to continue. Um, the uh, 
downtown uh, ground floor uh, rules were uh, crafted very carefully to create a continuous animated ground floor environment for downtown. The fact that we have retail vacancies is not necessarily for me personally an open door to say that office of which we have 20% vacancy is now the next contender for the space. Uh, the uh, 101 California is a demanding building. It stands among other high rises. Some of them with more or less success have kept their ground floors open. This ground floor has been vacant for a long time and the question uh, arises is the owner of the building uh, doing something that doesn't quite work because in all directions there are small interesting retail establishments. Some of them have survived, some of them have shut it down. I do not believe that this is the time to change, uh, to change the protection of ground floor uh, spaces in downtown to be retail or creatively pop-up retail or arts-related uh, animating uses. Uh, I, at this moment, believe that there is ample of larger uh, office gathering spaces. There is, for example, a conference center-type use on the uh, retail upper retail level of the Empagadero, which I have used for years. Large law offices hold gatherings for giving lectures and gatherings there. Uh, we are not short of large gathering space, and I do believe that large gathering spaces are not occupied every day. It will just be another blank facade, except we have blocked out the ability for retail to find its way back into a more vibrant downtown. Those are my objections. I have worked on this for many, many years, decades, to really see that we are very carefully treating our ground floor transparency issues, and at this particular point, for that reason, I will not be able uh, to support of what's being asked here. Thank, Thank you. you. Commissioner Imperial? I do have a question to the project sponsor because what um, in, our, in, the, in, in, our, in the recommendation, it looks like um, it can be also used uh, for non-retail sales and services. So um, I know it's in front of us for cha changing it to a general office use, but it looks like there may be some potential for non um, non-retail sales and service uses in the future. So, um, so yeah. So I guess that's um, I guess that's my question in regards to the use of the general office. How long it's going to be? I mean, what are the projections or um, what are the plans of the the developer in terms of the and. Of and yeah. Maybe just to quickly answer part of the question before um, the sponsor responds, um, non-retail sales and services is the land use classification for office. We call it casually general office, but the planning code considers general office as non-retail sales and service. So it's two and of the same. It means the same thing. So, I mean, he can certainly answer the rest of the question, but that is what it means. Thank you. Again, to those who are entering the chamber and sitting here, if you can please keep your conversations to a minimum or none. If you do need to have a conversation, please step into the hallway. And we do have an overflow room. Mr. Ayana, where is the overflow room located? The Northern Light Court. The Northern Light Court on the first floor. So if you want to have a conversation but still know what's happening in the chamber, please go to the first floor to the North Light Court, and you can continue your conversation there and see what's happening here. Since we're making that comment now, it does appear as though we're starting to reach our capacity. If you don't have a seat in the chamber, you will have to exit and view in the Northern Light Court. 
And I'm just going to pause here. On could, the first floor. Could our interpretation staff translate what we're saying? Um, we're going to pause kind of this item so that we can make sure folks are hearing what we need to do in terms of direction. Translation services, could we get that translated? What we need to translate is that um, we need people, if they're coming in here, to not have conversations. If they can't find a seat, to go to the first floor, the north light court, where there's an overflow room where they can view what's happening here. Um, and come in when their item is is up and when they have chance to give public comment. Okay, uh, Tausin 給大家可以留在那裡,那裡有屏幕可以大家看到的,那裡有屏幕可以大家看到的。所以如果你們需要坐位,可以落樓下一樓,有個房給大家可以在那裡聽會的。Thank you. Do we have another other, another languages that we have up for interpretation? If you could also interpret, that would be welcome. Thank you. Again, to those persons standing in the doorway, we'll need you to exit if you cannot find a seat and go to the north light court on the first floor or to take a seat where there are seats remaining. Thank you. We just can't block the door um, and make sure that we have the right capacity in the room. Okay, we'll return to this item. Commissioner Imperial, did you have your question answered? I'm sorry. Not yet. I think he's going to ask. Okay, thank you. <laughs> We're bringing you back to where we are. Thank you for that clarification, Ms. Wadi. And that's exactly what it is, is that it's technically considered an office use since would, the conference center would be uh, accessory to the office uses up above. Uh, that said, this would be a conference center serving the tenants in the building and others that would have a connection there. I, I did want to just highlight one thing that was sort of brought up earlier in terms of what the landlord has been doing and whether there's what I'll call a holdout for a greener grass maybe. Uh, and that's really not the case here. The landlord's really worked very hard to try to keep these spaces occupied. The prior tenants, two of them, the, for the space itself, the frozen yogurt, Yopi, uh, and Plant Cafe next door received number of months of free rent, even with free rent. They could not survive, and that's why they left. And it, it's sort of a changing dynamic, as uh, Commissioner Diamond pointed out, with the downtown retail changing and increased foot traffic is what's going to help us. And we're hopeful that with the drawing of conferences and meetings that will bring increased foot traffic to this stretch of Pine Street, which has had uh, vacancy along the entire block for quite some time at this period. Okay, okay. thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Diamond? So uh, I, I believe Commissioner Moore raises a really important policy question, um, which is many, many years of work went into designing a downtown that had offices above and retail down below so that um, the streets would say vibrant and lively and safe because the rise on the street and these places stayed open further into the evening. Um, but that's not happening right now, and we've got vacant stores. And so for me, the decision is right now, would I rather have a vacant storefront um, or the conference center? 
And yes, I'm sure there's space to do a conference center up above in the building or in some other building, but I think I'd still rather have the conference center on the street so that there is eyes on the street and people who are walking the streets to frequent the other retail that's in the area. And I would like um, staff to confirm one way or the other. If we allow for this change, does it preclude the use of re retail at this site in the future? No. No, okay. and actually going, if they wanted to go back to retail in the future, it would be very easy. It would be an over-the-counter permit since it's principally permitted. Okay. Um, am I miss, staff recommended uh, that we go forward? Yeah. Am I missing anything in the way I just sort of enunciated my thinking about this? Or do you have anything you want to respond to Commissioner Moore's, you know, really valid concern about how we think about the street space in this time of... Absolutely. You know. And I think, you know, the important thing is these do require conditional uses. And we do take that very seriously. Um, we look at you know, we've historically, even during the boom times, have had still some conditional uses for these types of uses, and we really do look at them on a case-by-case. -case. I think this is the first one that's really um, broached onto the north of market side in the most recent past, um, but I think our calculus was the same as yours on this, is um, we do take the ground floor retail really, really seriously, but right now we're in a really unusual time, and we rather get something that can bring foot traffic <clears throat> than nothing. Um, this is by no means precedent setting that the next one will also receive our support. Um, so we are being very, very cautious with how we look at these, but we just felt at this moment in time, uh, again, something bringing foot traffic. We need something to be the catalyst to bring people in, and it's a little of this chicken and the egg, but the retail is much harder to support if we don't have other uses coming there. So. Right. I think that's sort of the position we took on this. So thank, thank you. you. So to those, sorry, to those who've just entered, if you can please find a seat, or if you cannot, go to the first floor, the North Light Court. We cannot have people blocking the doorway. Thank you. So find a seat in the room, and if you cannot, you'll need to go to the first floor, North Light Court. Commissioner Diamond. Move to approve. Uh, there are still uh, people on the roster here. Yeah. Uh, I'll second the motion speak. for approval, but we'll go to Commissioner Braun, and then I'll make some comments as well. Yeah, Commissioner I Braun? Have my name up. Time, please. Okay, well, um, I'm going to call on Commissioner Braun first since he hasn't spoken, and then we can come back to you. Um, I, I just wanted, wanted to add that I, I am very um, sympathetic to uh, the need to maintain an active ground floor retail space, and that uh, I'm totally understanding Commissioner Moore's point about the effort that's gone into crafting a downtown that's, that has these uses in the ground floor and, and um, that we're not deadening the sidewalk level. Uh, it's good to hear that this is not considered to be precedent setting, that it's very easy to change this back. Uh, I think that, you know, if this starts to happen more frequently where we're losing the retail spaces or restaurant spaces on the ground floor in downtown, it would be helpful to have an understanding of sort of the broader mix of ground floor uses within that block or the surrounding blocks to just make sure that we're considering the overall balance of what's actually an active ground floor use versus situations where it might be more of a dead streetscape and less, you know, less of a foot traffic generator. Um, but given the limited impact of this one, uh, I'm viewing it as a one-off. I, I could vote to approve this time. Thank you. I'll just say my second is because it, in particular it's a conference center use. I think if it was just cubicles in an office, I would not be supportive of this project. I don't think that's the kind of activity we need. I do think conferences and spaces where people are gathering together for specific purposes is part of the future of what folks will be using our business district for. And so to have that amenity, I think, is pretty important. Commissioner Moore? 
Uh, I am not trying here to convince anybody. Uh, I believe that the city has other venues that require our very, very succinct report, uh, support. For example, the Moscone Convention Center would be a great place. It has small rooms, different sizes, all the infrastructure for larger gatherings to support them for a venue like this. Uh, this particular downtown location, aside from the fact that these types of events don't happen very often, uh, will just be another empty storefront in the at the time when it's not being used by the events that are being uh, uh, sought to, to take place here. So that is my comment, and uh, I will uh, not approve the thing. Thank you. Commissioner Diamond? Uh, Commissioner Tanner, your comment raised one question for me that I'd like staff to clarify. We are approving this for a conference center, right? They can't use it for general office space without coming back here or not? The land use that's being approved is general office. Um, the plans, though, that are before you that are part of the approval, the Exhibit B approval does show it as conference. Um, so part of anytime somebody makes a change to a, an approval that you guys have made, it requires the zoning administrator to um, take a look at it and see if it's in general conformity. So I think if you are approving it with that intention, that it's for this sort of active gathering space, um, that puts a little more meat on it of it being a significant change should they deviate from that type of a use within the office. Do, do we need to add that as a condition? Because that is the basis upon sure. which I'm approving that would this. Be, that would be helpful to belt and suspenders at, sure. Okay. Um, would you like to amend your motion? Uh, project, question to the project sponsor. Do you have an, obje an objection to our clarification that if we do approve this, it's for the use as a conference center and not for general office space? No, that's fine. And just had one comment, uh, if I could have the overhead with regard to the uh, availability of other spaces nearby. We did a quick survey, and I know Yelp is not the uh, end-all, be-all of the best survey, but in terms of looking for conference centers nearby, there really aren't that many others that are nearby. The ones that are are co-working spaces, and those aren't geared towards larger meeting gathering spaces. And while I appreciate the Moscone Center is relatively a walking distance, they come, and the hotels that are in walking distance, they have large facilities at a larger scale. We're talking 500,000 people, and the room rental fees are significant. Significant. Great, thank you. Okay, so can I just amend my motion to make clear that this is an approval for this space to be used as a conference center? And perhaps adding the TDR conditions of approval that were read into the record by yeah. staff. Yes. I will second that motion. I'm sorry, Commissioner Diamond, I was slightly distracted because I was just getting clarity from the city attorney's office. What was the, the amended condition? that we are granting approval for this space to be used as a conference center. I, I believe it may be appropriate to have that listed as a finding um, as opposed to a condition of approval and noting that the con that exhibit B is being conditioned in that space configuration, uh, but the finding that you are, you are approving a, a, a conference center as opposed to sort of a subcategory of general Perhaps office. Perhaps it's a finding uh, that we are approving a conference center as, as uh, demonstrated in Exhibit B mm -hmm. and so to be configured. Yes. And also adding the TDR conditions. I'm going to silence any mobile devices that are sounding off during these proceedings, please. Can you turn that off? Thank you. And then also the TDR conditions of approval that staff um, presented. Commissioner Moore, did you have your hand to speak again? No, I did not have anything else to say.
Very good, commissioners. Sorry, I'm just trying to get this down. So there's a motion that has been seconded to approve <clears throat> with conditions as amended by staff to include the TDR standard condition of approval and adding a finding that the approval the commission is making today is for a conference center in the configuration detailed in exhibit B. I'm gonna ask that you silence that, please. On that motion, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Moore? No. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, commissioners, that motion passes four to one with Commissioner Moore voting against. So everyone who's here, if you think you silenced your phone, just check. It doesn't take but two seconds just to check and make sure your phone does not ring. You can put on silent, you can put on airplane mode, um, whatever you need to do so we can, aren't distracted by ringing cell phones. Thank you. Very good, commissioners. That'll place us under your regular calendar. And actually, Mr. Ionan, can we have someone translate or two people translate the request to silence mobile devices? Sure. That would be um, excellent. I'll Sorry, ask the translators to please translate to silence your mobile devices and that you need to find a seat and you cannot stand in front of the door. You're causing a fire hazard. There is an overflow room on the first floor in the North Light Court. Thank you, Mr. Snyder. If you can let them um, use the microphone. Uh, 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 Lupinego 然后如果是没有委托,可以有热流,热流有个IPEN模,你可以向我的向真的,我点。Thank you. Thank you to our transportation staff. We appreciate that. Indeed. Commissioners, that'll place us again under your regular calendar. Item 9 has been continued one week on items 10 A, B, and C for case numbers 2019-023037 GPA, PCA, and MAP for the waterfront plan related general plan amendments, uh, general plan amendment initiation, planning code, text amendment initiation, and zoning map amendment initiation. Sure. Uh, thank you, commissioners. Uh, Matt Snyder, department staff. Um, I think we're going to use the overhead uh, since we had a, um, some technical difficulties getting the slide presentation to you. Um, just very quickly, I'm here with uh, Lily Langlois, also from the citywide division team, and David Abupre. We understand you have a patched agenda, so we're going to kind of go through our, uh, our presentation quickly for you. Um, we're going to give you sort of a broad overview of the general plan amendments, the planning code amendments to planning code section 240, and then one cleanup map amendment. Uh, but before uh, David Bupre of the of the San Francisco Port will provide uh, a brief overview of the waterfront plan itself. Thank you. 
Thank you, Matt. Again, David Bupre, Deputy Director of the Port. I actually pinch hitting for Diane Oshima. Um, <laughs> wanted to provide the commission with a brief overview of the history of the waterfront plan and what we've done to update it since the original adoption in 1997. Uh, so this shows the seven and a half miles of waterfront jurisdiction that's under the jurisdiction of the Port Commission. Uh, and just a reminder that the Port Commission does have authority over these uh, lands through the adoption of our separate uh, independent waterfront plan and the uh, alignment of the general plan will be to align with and have be consistent with the waterfront plan. So a lot of projects that come out of the waterfront plan may come to the planning commission, but there are a lot more that just have are under the discretion of the port commission. Uh, next slide, please. So in 1990, Proposition H required the port to develop a waterfront plan. That went through a seven-year process to arrive at it. Um, the, the plan focused on prioritizing maritime uses, but also allowing a mix of other uses along the waterfront. It, uh, Prop H does not uh, pr prohibits hotels on the piers and within 100 feet of the shoreline. Um, subsequent to that 1997 adoption, the general plan was adopt, uh, amended and adopted along with the planning code in 1998. And an outcome of that was development of a waterfront design advisory committee uh, that reviews the uh, new development designs along the waterfront, which uh, Commissioner Moore is very familiar with and represents the planning commission on that waterfront design advisory committee. Uh, next slide, please. So in 2016, the Port Commission directed port staff to update the plan. Uh, between 1997 and 2016, it had been amended several times for in individual projects, but not looked at comprehensively. The port set up a 30-member working group and worked over three years to develop 160 unanimous policy recommendations. Um, and since then, we've been working on the environmental review uh, for that, which we hope to be back for um, approval next week. Uh, next slide, please. So at a very high level, uh, uh, the, the updated plan, now we're calling the waterfront plan, uh, continues with the same priorities and goals as the original plan. Uh, but add some new goal policies to include integrating equity and inclusion along the waterfront in all of our projects, uh, recognizing the Blue Greenway and the planning we've done for our open space system to continue the Bay Trail from Mission Creek to the county line to the south, um, recognize the need for multimodal transportation and enhance connections to the waterfront and from the region uh, across the bay through the ferries, and then also to make certain that we're a financially strong port. Uh, and with that, I'll turn it back over to Matt, but I also wanted to thank Matt and Lily and also uh, City Attorney Peter Vlanich, who provided a lot of support and help in getting us to the point we're at today. Thank you. Thank you, David. Um, and just before I continue, I just, uh, just uh, the uh, resolutions that we had in your packet um, made a uh, made a whereas regarding CEQA being completed at this hearing um, uh, because that's now changed and the, the uh, you're being forwarded the hard copies of the slide presentation in the back of that uh, is a revised uh, whereas clause regarding the CEQA that just indicates that that will occur prior to approval. Okay. 
So as a part of the waterfront plan um, and wanting to make sure that uh, it aligns with the general plan, uh, the planning, planning staff along with port staff did a thorough analysis and audit of the general plan uh, to make sure um, each of the elements and relevant area plans were in alignment for us uh, and in, in determining, and in, I'm sorry, let me find the right page. And for those relevant area plan and elements planning also look beyond the waterfront plan to see what other changes in legislation or planning processes occurred since the respective elements were last updated and provided uh, further supported updates. And then where appropriate staff look to update language around inclusion, sustainability and resilience. So in looking at the elements and the area plans, uh, for those elements that were currently um, in the uh, planning department's work program, the ports um, uh, committed to working with planning staff is as those were being uh, reworked and being brought before you that they were being uh, consistent with the new waterfront plan. Uh, the elements that were not in our work program included the recreation and open space element and the two area plans along the waterfront, the northeastern waterfront plan and the central waterfront plan also needed updates. And I'll describe these very quickly for you. For the northeastern waterfront area plan, uh, just as a quick reminder, this was one of our first area plans originally established in 1967, uh, largely to uh, assure ongoing maritime uses along that portion of the waterfront and to uh, look at um, the incursion of potentially uh, denser development from the adjacent neighborhoods, uh, namely downtown. Um, it was substantially updated in 1998 with the adoption of the 1997 uh, waterfront land use update. Um, the, um, as you may have noticed, your packets were fairly thick, so um, the, uh, the amendments I would describe as, as extensive, but not necessarily um, significant. Uh, that is to say, uh, what we're looking to do is make amendments um, that are reflected in other planning efforts, most, most significantly here, the waterfront plan, but again, as I just mentioned, um, in, other, in other planning processes and legislation that has occurred since these plans were last updated. So a lot of the discussion, I would say probably 75% of the amendments is just reflective of the fact that so much has occurred uh, during the, along the waterfront since this was last approved, um, from Jefferson Street improvements all the way down to the ballpark. Um, there were some other amendments, just very quickly. Um, th there was an ex extension of the transportation chapter in the waterfront plan. So uh, language in, in, the, uh, in the area plan was updated, uh, was updated to be consistent with that. Um, there was no resilience or, uh, um, or um, sea level rise language in the area plan being 20 years old, so we made sure that that was also addressed. Uh, we had a language um, to, be more, uh, to be more consistent about equity. Um, and then also we removed some objectives and policies regarding the private development that occurred in South Beast and Rincon Point. Uh, these areas are actually now within the East Soma area plan and not within the boundaries of this area plan. Uh, the Central Waterfront Plan, real quickly, this was approved um, in 2008 as a part of the Eastern Neighborhoods. As a quick reminder, um, sort of the objectives of this plan was uh, to make sure that some of that land was preserved for PDR while opening up other portions of the land for mixed-use development and make sure that that happened appropriately. Uh, similar to the Northeastern Waterfront Plan, a lot of the updates here are just reflective of the development that has occurred since this was last approved. 
uh, perhaps most significantly the Pier 70 and the uh, Petrero Power Station Development Agreement approvals, and then that is ongoing. Um, other things that are reflective in these amendments is the, the publication of the, um, of the Islaus Creek Southeast Mobility Adaption Study, um, along with other work that MTA has been doing um, ongoing and similar to the Central Waterfront Plan, excuse me, the Northeastern Waterfront Plan, we added language regarding resilience throughout where it was lacking. Um, the recreation and open space element, uh, similarly, amendments here largely reflect changes in development um, with some references to updated policy uh, documents. Um, um, again, this is an example of the, of the Pier 70 in Protero Power Station development agreements, the open space that occurred with that, other developments that have occurred that recreation, the recreation and open, excuse me, Rec and Park uh, Department is, is working on, including the India Basin Shoreline um, open space project. Also, just references to other uh, policy documents, such as the city's climate action plan, have been updated. Okay, and the other portion, another element of these amendments are the planning code text amendments, specifically around uh, planning code section 240, uh, which, is, uh, which addresses the waterfront special use district. Um, essentially, what planning code section 240 did more than anything else, it had established the, uh, the waterfront, um, excuse me, the waterfront design advisory review committee and created some sub uh, special use districts and, and required port properties within those districts to be um, subject to review under this design review committee. Uh, the major thing that we're doing with this amendment is we're creating a fourth special use district uh, for the southern uh, properties, port properties, and, and subjecting them to this design review process as well. And the final, um, the final element of uh, these administrative updates is just uh, one uh, zoning map amendment cleanup. Um, this is regarding Block 31 and Ancestors Block 3941, um, which, con which, uh, con which contains several private enterprises. Um, this, this parcel was somehow uh, inadvertently uh, rezoned to P, which creates um, these, these, these uh, uses as non-conforming. This simply reverts it back to an M1 zoning district which enables these projects to continue as uh, conforming uses. And just real quickly, again, uh, before you today is just to initiate these amendments, not to approve them for the general plan, as I described, planning code section 240 and the zoning maps, uh, creating the special use district and then doing that one cleanup that I just mentioned, um, and also to schedule the adoption of the hearing on or after um, April 13th. As I mentioned, I, I provided some, some cleanup language regarding the CEQA um, that um, we ask you to incorporate into your resolution if you so desire to, initi to initiate. Um, thank you. This concludes my presentation, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Mr. Schneider. I just want to make another announcement. If you are standing in the door, cannot find a seat, there is an overflow room on the ground floor, which is in the North Light Court. Again, if you cannot find a seat, you need to take a seat on the North Light Court. Ma'am, do you have a question? So we So ma'am, okay, thank you Miss. Um what we'll do when the item is not up yet, the item will be up later on today on our agenda and so folks will be able to hear when we are interpreting that part of the meeting. They'll be able to hear that. So again, people cannot stand in the door if they don't want to stand in the hallway, they need to go to the ground floor, the North Light Court and then they'll be able to hear We'll interpret when the item is being called, and we'll use the microphone here. So if they're listening and watching, they will hear the interpreters interpret downstairs when that time is here. Because someone called the service to come up here and deal with the 
The sheriff is helping us to keep the door clear because it's a fire hazard if the door is blocked. We can't have the door blocked and we can't be beyond our capacity. Um, if there is any interpretation staff that the sheriff's has, I don't know if they have any sheriffs that speak Mandarin or Cantonese that can be dispatched here or if our interpretation staff can help a little bit in the hallway, we would appreciate that. Okay, well, I can't, ma'am, we'll I can't, it, I can't monitor what the sheriffs are doing, and I, all we can do is monitor this room, and hopefully the sheriffs can understand and help direct people to, again, the ground floor, the North Light Court is where that's, they need to go. That's a little bit out of our control, ma'am, and, and it would be very helpful if you just dis relayed that information to your seniors, that there are chairs, they can view, when it's time for them for public comment, they can come back upstairs, so they're not standing in the hallway. Okay, it would be very helpful the if you did that. The overflow room is the ground floor, the North Lake Court. We're gonna move on from this, but I do wanna just make sure you understand it's the ground floor, North Lake Court, and for those standing in the doorway, we'll need you either to go to the ground floor or in the hallway, we, we need to make sure we're maintaining this room at its capacity, so. Sir, you can't stand in the doorway. The person's in the door, person you're still by the door, person standing in the corner, I'm talking and looking at you. You have to either go to the ground floor uh, or the North Lake Court or find a seat in the room if there are any seats available. Thank you. Sir, you can't stand in front of the doorway. Thank you. Well, you they just cleared out that area. We can't, if you can't have, if you don't have a seat, you're gonna have to go to the North Light Court. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you commissioners and thank you members of the public uh, for your patience. Uh, we will now, I believe, go to public comment on this item. Indeed. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on the waterfront planned related amendments to the general plan, planning code, and zoning map amendments. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand. Is there any member of the public in the chambers that wants to speak to the waterfront plan? Seeing none, we'll go to our remote caller. Uh, this is Sue Hester. I request that you continue to set up not to April 13th, but to Sunday after April 13th. April 13th is a massive hearing with the HPC on nighttime management use in the Castro. And you're gonna have all the things around the Castro Theater that day. And so that day is not the day to continue this item to and I suggest- Ms. Hester, I'm gonna interrupt you just for a second. We are not continuing this matter to April 13th. The request for to was for to initiate and schedule a hearing on or after April 13th. We will not be scheduling this schedule on April 13th. On or after. Right, well, it will not be scheduled on April 13th. I guarantee you that. It's very confusing when it's on the agenda that way. Um, I suggest it can be continued to a date specific or after that. Thank you very much. It's very confusing. Okay, last call for public comment on the waterfront plan. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed, and these amendments are now before you. Thank you, I wanna thank staff, thank you to Port uh, for bringing this forward. Certainly, as Mr. Snyder said, uh, extensive uh, reach that this updates have, covering a lot of ground um, in a lot of parts of our general plan. I did wanna also thank staff. Um, I know there was endeavoring to bring the EIR here, but it was not able to be done. I just wanna confirm on these um, 
the resolution that's been amended. Uh, in kind of the opening statement that's bold, it also still says including environmental findings, and should that also be struck in, um, from the record on, I believe it's on pages, the first page, the third page, and the fifth page. I'm going to look to the, I believe so, but I'm going to look to the city attorney to just I can show confirm. you, Mr. Yang, if you're... Um, that's correct, President Tanner. The, the resolution and motion would not make any findings, environmental findings, so I would suggest deleting that phrase. Okay, great. Um, I don't have any questions. I do look forward to continuing to review the item as it moves its way towards us for the adoption hearing, so I would uh, be interested in motions to initiate the amendments to general plan, planning code, and zoning map, and schedule an adoption hearing for on or after April 13th, 2023. Commissioner Braun and then Commissioner Moore. Yes, uh, I just have two quick comments. Um, I mean, first of all, I just want to say I'm, I'm glad to see that this is a great opportunity to update, to take to take the fact that the port, the waterfront plan is happening and to update a lot of our pretty dated um, area plans that we have. So it's good to see that this, is, this has been uh, sort of leveraged as a bigger opportunity. Um, just one very small comment to uh, staff, and maybe I'll pass along to Director Hills when he's back, but um, it would be helpful in the, in the packet to have the maps that were part of the walkthrough during the presentation today. I know that this body, you know, we are familiar with the planning code and our area plans, but at the same time, it would be nice to just have them all included in one place uh, rather than having to kind of read and then go and, you know, dig up the boundaries. So just, just one, one little point that might be more helpful in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Moore? Uh, I just want to put to the record that I am not uh, representing the planning department on the WAC. Uh, I joined the WAC prior to becoming a planning commissioner, and so the two things don't have anything to do with each other. However, it is a wonderful position to be in to really watch two incredibly powerful departments create this plan, and it's their shine. Uh, I uh, sit here smiling. Uh, I've seen this work for 17 years or more now evolving, and uh, it has a lot of depth and is inspiring each time uh, something else comes along. So uh, I, uh, have, it has my full support and it has my full trust that this is the best uh, of San Francisco planning and waterfront planning. Great. I need to make use of proper words. <laughs> <laughs> Commissioner Moore, would you consider that a motion? Yes. Okay, I'll second that motion, uh, including the amendments uh, read into record by staff today, striking the environmental findings from the resolution. Indeed, commissioners, there is a motion that has been seconded to initiate, as amended by staff, including uh, the reference to including environmental findings in the title of each resolution um, and scheduling hearing on or after April 13th, 2023. We will not be scheduling the hearing on April 13th. It will be after April 13th. Thank I you. I suppose unless the Castro withdraws their application. <laughs> Um, uh, Mr. Iona, before we go to the vote, I do see someone with their hand up online, and I know it's just been a little, sometimes we have people who are late and not sure if they're for this item or the next item. Sure, we'll take that caller now. Go ahead, caller. Mr. Gubaladze. Mr. Gubaladze, are you calling to submit testimony on the waterfront plan?
Last chance, Mr. Gubaladze, for the waterfront can plant. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hi, sorry, I was just having trouble connecting to the audio and I couldn't hear you. So this is regarding the dispenser that's opening, right? Okay, we're, we're not taking public comment on that matter yet. Okay, commissioners, um, with that, there is a motion that has been seconded. Uh, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, commissioners. A motion passes unanimously five to zero. And will place us on item 11 for case number 2022-007758-CUA for the property at 281 Madison Street, a conditional use authorization. Good afternoon, President Tanner, Vice President Moore, and members of the Commission. My name is Vincent Page, Planning Department staff. The project before you is a request for conditional use authorization pursuant to Planning Code Sections 209.1, 303, and 317 to legalize the tantamount to demolition of a single-family home located at 281 Madison Street within the Excelsior neighborhood of Supervisorial District 11. On January 15, 2020, Building Permit Application Number 2017-0630-0869 was issued to allow a vertical and horizontal addition at the subject property. <clears throat> in the field, work exceeded approvals and resulted in the removal of 74% of the building's horizontal elements and 83.6% of the vertical envelope elements. This amount of removal constitutes a residential demolition pursuant to Section 317B2C. The proposal would not change the design of the project that the department approved in 2019. The project would result in the construction of a three-story, 2,949 square foot, five-bedroom single-family dwelling with more than 800 square feet of open space and exposure on the front and rear of the building. The proposal is consistent with the controls of the RH1 zoning district and if approved, would abate a violation of the planning code. In conclusion, the department finds the project to be necessary, desirable, and compatible with the surrounding neighborhood and consistent with the goals and objectives and policies of the general plan. Um, one extra condition of approval that was not included in the original staff report was um, sent to you all on Wednesday and is included in um, the updated draft motion. This concludes my presentation and I'm available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Page. Project sponsor, you have a five minute presentation. Uh, hello, Commissioners. I'm David Cumby, the architect for uh, 281 Madison. Um, Mr. Page has provided a thorough kind of breakdown of how we got to this point. I just want to give you a little more detail project history. Um, the 2017 permit was made under the previous property owner, a married couple with no children. Uh, they carried it through the process, got it approved, and fully intended to build the project. But due to changes in their personal lives, they had to sell the property. The current owners, David and Michelle Green, are here today. They have five children. Uh, so we had to make some plan changes to accommodate their family. Uh, we did an over-the-counter revision permit uh, to increase the bedroom count to five bedrooms. We also had we also made some other measures to save money, but um, the height, setbacks, everything else is exactly the same as the 2017 approval. And as you heard, uh, once construction began, we exceeded the uh, the permitted demo on site. Um, David and Michelle are, they're obviously not property developers. They, they managed to find a property in the city that can fit their family with five children. 
Um, so we hope that you'll uh, approve the conditional use and allow their construction to proceed and we're available to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes project sponsors presentation. We should open up public comment. Members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. You need to come forward if you're in the chambers. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand. Seeing no members of the public in the chambers coming forward, let's go to our remote callers. Mr. Phelan. Hello, my name is Ryan Phelan. I live at 275 Madison Street, adjacent to the north of 281. Uh, my wife and I bought the property uh, about six months ago uh, to live and raise our seven-year-old child and plan to retire here. We have two primary concerns regarding the plan for 281, which will have a material impact on our future quality of life and <coughs> enjoyment of our home in the future and property value, we believe. The height of the proposed construction will cast a shadow across our backyard and into the backyard of 269, which is adjacent to us on the other side, much of the year. This will negatively impact the health of our garden and our enjoyment of our backyard. Um, we'd like to see the height reduced. Uh, the other issue we have is um, roof decks on the second and third level will have direct visibility into our bedrooms uh, through windows in the rear of our house. Um, we would like the planned decks to be removed or altered to preserve our privacy. Thank you. Oh, hi. Good afternoon. It's Georgia Shoes. Um, I sent my email in on Monday and I made my points there if you read them. I mean, I think it's interesting that there were three sets of uh, calcs uh, throughout the process. Um, I guess I, I don't understand why, after all this time, I mean, this, I know it was back in 2017, but it's a continuing thing that the, the, the staff, as long as you have demo calcs, has to seem like they have to, it's like pulling teeth to get them out of the project sponsors. It seems like they should be submitted right away when this project has a certain scope. Uh, I really do appreciate that these calcs, even though they were the wrong calcs, we're on the 311. That's extremely unusual, and I think it should be there for projects that have a scope like this, so the neighbors can have some understanding of what's going on uh, on the 311, since most neighbors don't make a public records request or even know about the pen. Um, so it's interesting to me that you've had a whole bunch of these projects. Uh, they're even most a lot of them were outside of Noe Valley, beyond what was called epicenter of tantamount to demolition. Um, I don't know. I wonder how many more there've been. Uh, you know, people have filed complaints, or I haven't filed complaints, and um, how many have not come to your attention, uh, even in this unfortunate matter after the fact. Um, and I guess the other thing is, I, I guess I just want to know about how, how is this determined to be tantamount to demolition? I mean. I know the staff and enforcement works really hard. They go out and they look at a project, but there's a technology that can be used uh, at, the, at, either at the front end, hopefully, before it gets to this, to determine how much is going to be removed. And um, uh, it's not just a delivery technology to deliver plans. And my understanding is that Bluebeam could do the work for everybody pretty easily. And um, 
prevent some of these problems and maybe create a situation where more housing is preserved, more of the housing is preserved, uh, which was the intent of Section 317 when it was put in um, in 2008-2009. And I still think that it would be useful if the caps were adjusted to avoid situations like this. So, you know, I'm kind of rambling here with this, and I apologize, but um, it's confusing, that, to say the least, as Ms. Hester would say, it's confusing. Thanks a lot. Bye. Last call for public Good comment. afternoon. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Good afternoon, commissioners. This is Ozzy around with San Francisco Land Use Coalition. Um, I just want to bring up your attention that this is not, this has been going on in the past four or five weeks, every week, almost every week, you get one of these tantamount to demolitions that come to you. And I'm not calling, you know, to advocate for changing the demo calculations. But I think we have a bigger problem than demo calculations. And whether or not the owners have four kids and they need more space is not material to this issue. The issue is non-compliance with what the city approved for this owner to build. And if you are going to approve the plan today and you are going to approve the conditional use authorization, you're basically leaving the door open for people to continue doing this. So um, people can get their entitlement basically, and go beyond the scope and come back and ask for forgiveness. This has been going on for the past four weeks. So I am urging you to take a look at this situation and see if it is sustainable. This has got nothing to do with demo calculations. This is a matter of compliance, and it's a matter of people being able to break the law with impunity. And I, you know, just stunned for the project sponsor to get up there and talking about people having four kids. I'm sure these people didn't end up with four kids yesterday. You know, when they applied for the permit, they did have the four kids. And it's not about people's kids, it's about compliance with the law. And that's all we can ask for and that's all we can hope for. So we, I urge you to reject this conditional use authorization. And if you are approving it, at least, penalize the, the people who actually broke the law. Thank you. Okay, last call for public comment. You need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. If you're in the chambers, please come forward. Seeing no additional requests to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed and this matter is now before you. Thank you. Commissioners, I'll start by saying I am supportive of this project. I think it's another example of the challenges of our demo calculations, which is a very unique San Francisco thing that we've developed. It's hard to comply with. We've heard testimony previously about how it works or how it's supposed to work, and hopefully there are some uh, new things in place that Ms. Wadi has informed us of that DBI does pre-building inspections with folks to inform them of the need to call if there are any infield changes but I don't see this substantially changing the previous um, approval, um, and I would hope that we can support this project. With that, I'll call on Commissioner Moore, then Imperial and Braun. Uh, I would consider this project the least egregious project we have seen in a long time. Uh, I would want to ask the architect uh, to come and ask a few questions for me. Uh, you designed the original project for the previous family, a childless family, uh, a, a design that encompassed 2,295 uh, square feet. Is that correct? 
I'm sorry, you said, did, did I design the original project? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. Uh, so you, st you stood by the, this particular building, and you're bringing it forward now with a reduction of 40 square feet or something like that to construct a 2,959 square foot building. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I like uh, the audience, people who called in, to acknowledge that this is not a tantamount uh, demolition because to build a mega mansion and get away with it. This is, I think, most likely an honest error. Uh, particularly, we have an architect stand by his work, uh, which we in many cases don't have. Uh, we have something later where we don't even have an architect. So what I leave that just as a snide comment here. Uh, uh, I appreciate of what you have trying to do. Uh, we do acknowledge that, uh, unfortunately, our demo calculations leave a lot to be desired. Uh, and I don't think uh, we can resolve that here. Uh, and uh, there's nothing to be penalized in this particular project except to support that the family is redesigning the project to ha accommodate five children. That is the only thing I hear. I looked at the plans very carefully. They're very thoughtfully presented. I like to be the commission to be aware of that. And again, I like to compare that to other projects who don't do that as thoughtfully uh, and uh, just express my support for the project. Thank you Great. for Thank clarifying you. the sizing of the project now Great. and then. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioner Imperial? Yeah. Um, even though I understand that this is less than um, 3,000 square feet in terms of the, the changes, um, yes, this is not a big mansion. However, um, in terms of, again, this, this is the pattern that I, we're still seeing every, every week. Um, again, it seems like there are issues now that I'm seeing as well that a previous owner then having a new owner and then, again, the, the demolition or the the calculation and demolition, it's out of compliance. Um, I still find this, um, even though this is not a big project, but the pattern that I'm seeing every week is still a concern to me. Um, and so again, I'm not questioning the intent of the project sponsor, but at this, at the end of the day too, we're giving the entitlement and then it may be for sale. Um, and so that, that is my, usually my question when it comes to, when we have issues of legalizing a tantamount demolition, is that how, is this really going to house a family? Because again, it's, um, it can be for sale. And I don't want the planning commission to be used as, a, you know, just a process for entitlements and not people being housed in there. Um, so, you know, in, in this way, yes, I, you know, I, I don't see that this is a big project, but it's still a pattern that I think we need to be reminded of um, in terms of the legalizing of the tantamount demolition. Thank you. Commissioner Braun? Yes, um, I mean, I, I do, uh, I am okay with approving uh, this item, I do agree that, I mean, we're essentially looking at a single family home that's gonna be a single family home. Design doesn't change that significantly and it does not seem to be that, like any sort of egregious or intentional um, exceeding of the demolition calculations just to build some sort of large home and get away with it. Uh, I do have a question for staff that's not, not quite, it's related to this item, but um, I'm curious, uh, this might actually be more for Ms. Wadi, I'm not sure, but um, 
you know, we have been seeing a lot of these items come forward where they've exceeded uh, the demolition that was allowed. And I'm wondering if this pattern is because we're sort of working through a, a, a moment in time where we have kind of a backlog of these items, or are we actually seeing a surge in legitimate complaints coming forward because there seems to be more activity happening with, with exceeding the demolition calcs? Sure. I, I think part of it is that we're working through these diligently, um, and we've realigned some staffing, and I think we're actually you know, following up and making sure that we can move these through the process. Um, this one, I believe, was issued a, a bit more recently than some of the others that you've seen. So this one was issued um, in 2021 at some point in time, which is much more recent. A lot of the ones that you've seen previously are permits that might have been issued back in 2017, 20, 2018, or even earlier than that. Um, so there's often a little bit of an issue, but I think the you know the real crux of the the problem, in, in my opinion at least, and, and what we're continuing to see, is that the tantamount to demolition calculations really expect that people have figured out how they're going to put their building together at a site permit level of review, where we don't require structural plans to be developed yet. Um, site permit plans intentionally do not have structural plans developed yet. It's to get through schematics, and then they submit structural plans later. Uh, and that is where we see the disconnect. Usually the disconnect is either um, something different gets submitted as structural drawings that reflect a different scope of demolition than what's in the site permit, and those don't get sort of caught and remedied during the plan check um, at, at DBI, which is an issue that hopefully we're working on. And um, I think what um, Ms. Shudish was mentioning is there is, when we do digital plan checks, there's an easy overlay tool to be able to identify where there are those deltas in, in demolition. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the other big issue is the, the tried and true one that we, we hear over and over as much as the Department of Building Inspection is going out there and doing a pre-site inspection um, and articulating to the contractor, you know, if you find dry rot, stop, call us first. Uh, I think practically speaking, um, that's where often the disconnect happens is that most of the ones that you've seen lately, not all of them, but most of them, there's been some sort of um, uh, damaged part of the structure that was intended to be retained um, that is allowed to be removed, but you, have, you can only remove it without penalty if you go through that right protocol. Um, and a lot of folks sort of jump the gun and just remove it because they maybe have their demolition crew out on the site. Um, and I think that's, uh, we're seeing, so there's a couple different ways where we're seeing this go awry. Um, what I would say in terms of punchline, I think this was um, something that President Tanner was getting at. As part of our housing element implementation, um, demolition policy is on the table. Um, and we are um, planning on really looking at this wholesale. I think we would agree. I think this is a failed policy. Um, it's not achieving the objectives. And so we do intend to come back to you with a more robust discussion in general about demolitions, what their purpose is, and what um, perhaps a better policy would be. So um, we do have that flagged, um, and we'll be moving that forward um, sooner rather than later as part of housing element implementation. Ms. Vardy, could you please explain that most of these things are complaint-based, so it's not just kind of all of a sudden we're discovering it. Mm -hmm. Since it is complaint-based, many things may still fall between the cracks because only if somebody notices it is it being brought forward. Yeah, I, I would say a good number of them are complaint-based. The other scenarios are when the, maybe an inspector goes out and observes Clearly. that it, it's beyond rather than getting called in advance of doing the work. So I would say those are the two primary methods, yes. Sure, okay. Yeah, I, um, I just wanted to kind of explore the idea a little bit more that there's a, a surge in this happening and it sounds like there's a lot of different pieces that need to be teased out and I'm glad that we're gonna be revisiting the policy itself soon. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Uh, Commissioner Diamond. 
A few comments. I will add my voice to the chorus that the policy needs revisiting. We already talked about this in the past, and I know it's coming up, um, but our policies ought to be straightforward and easily implementable and recognize the way industries work and not come up with a policy that flies in the face of the reality of older houses that have mold and dry rot and need to be demolished, and people don't know that until they get on site. Because this process spends way too much time, uh, staff time, commission time, contractor time, you know, and project sponsor time, getting to a result that we need to uh, figure out how to get these houses built faster. So yes, I know I'm adding my voice to the chorus, uh, but the faster we move on that, the better. Uh, second, um, so I believe our job is to focus on the use, not the user. So while it's entirely possible, maybe even probable, um, that this family of five may not live there for very long, the fact is we're producing a house that will be suitable for a large family. So if it's not this family, um, some other family with many children uh, can live there. So it doesn't bother me um, that uh, we have no way of knowing um, whether this family will stay or not, because we have no idea with any approval we give. Um, and that's why we focus on the use, not the user. Mm -hmm. So with that, I would move to approve. Second. Seeing no further deliberation, commissioners, there is a motion that has been seconded to approve this matter with conditions on that motion. Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. Commission President Tanner. Aye. So move, Commissioners. A motion passes unanimously, five to zero. And if I understand correctly, Commissioners, well, we're going to take a sh brief break hold on. and then hold on one, one moment, Mr. Secretary. I'm just going to make a few announcements and then we'll maybe head to the recess. So we're going to call 100 Broadway next. So some of you are here for the 100 Broadway hearing. We're going to call that next. What we are going to do is we're going to take a brief recess in a moment. So if you want to come interpretation staff to the microphone, we're going to need some interpretation of what I'm saying. Indeed. Please. So if the chan uh, We're going to take up 100 Broadway next, but we're going to take a brief recess. But I need you to translate right. what I'm saying um, in between. Thank you. During that recess, what I need people to do, if you would like to have simultaneous translation, you need to get a headset over here to hear what is being translated. If you would like a headset during this recess, please get, if everyone can please be quiet right now, we are not on recess. This hearing is still being conducted. And for those who are in the overflow room, if anyone is there, you will be, be made available to come here to provide your testimony when it is time for public comment. We advise those who are here, once you've given your public comment, if you can make space by leaving the chamber so other folks can come in to make their public comment, that will make space for everyone who'd like to participate. So again, if you are in the overflow room, you will be able to come here to give your public comment. And then when you finish your comment, if you can please leave to make space for others, we would appreciate that and they would as well. 
啊，咁咧就係到啊公眾評論嘅時間啦。啊，咁如果你哋係需要發言嘅話咧，就係可以嚟呢度係誒發言啦。啊，咁但係咧，如果你哋係咧係誒講完之後咧，啊就請你哋咧係去翻另外嗰個誒房房間嗰度。誒，咁就係咧誒可以咧係俾嘅位置咧係俾而家現場嘅人咧係作呢個公眾發言嘅。Great, thank you. Do we need to interpret again? We have. Can, please, Three languages. Three languages. Yes. Okay. So I don't even remember everything I said, but I think it's if you we're going to take a break. We're going to take 100 Broadway. Please get simultaneous translation headsets. If you're downstairs, you'll be able to come up when you've submitted your testimony. Please exit to make space for another public commenter. 对对，如果有需要翻译的话，有翻译翻译机呢，就在这儿哈，你可以自己来拿。啊，休息完的之呃之后呢，在一楼的，如果需要发言的，可以到我们这个四楼来发言。哎，好，谢谢。Thank you. You'll repeat that. Uh, if, if folks, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to take up 100 Broadway. And then if they can get headsets for simultaneous translation during the break, when they've given their comments, if they can please exit to make space for others to enter, we would appreciate that. 講我其實咧，就跳出以前揀啊，跳出放完誒之後咧，我就講要建議啊 ，Broadway 百老匯界依八號零個樓零個樓頂，開始咧跳出嚟時咧，如果你係需要翻譯嘅話咧，你就聽佢零個海領，你就可以去呼個依空嗰年間咧，我就可以你就聽 all 佢嘅翻譯嘅啦。啊，講你如果你係係公意見嘅話咧，啊，年間你係公意見咧，係公按照你嘅意見之後咧，你就。聽你離開佢嘅房間，依面咧我眼要開燃氣追，嚇講咧你講完之後咧就出去啊，啱眼眼咧然要機會誒吐來佢個響，好奇剛開而發言，講你明白啦嗎 ？Thank you. Okay, with that we are going to take a five-minute recess and we will be back to begin hearing on 100 Broadway. 講我佢先到。TV, San Francisco Government Television.
This hearing is coming to order. If you need to have a conversation, please go into the hallway. Again, the hearing is coming to order. If you need to have a conversation, you need to exit this room and go into the hallway. Okay, I think we got that one. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, good afternoon and welcome back. Uh, commissioners, we left off under your regular calendar, but, but we are going to be moving to our special 2 p.m. calendar for item number 14, case number 2022-005154-DRP-02 for the property at 100 Broadway Street. It's going to be a second here, Nick. Um, we received a request to interpret this item into Cantonese, Mandarin, and Taoshanese. We expect a large number of people submitting public comment. Therefore, we have arranged for an overflow room to accommodate everyone interested in this item. Uh, if you cannot find a seat, you will need to wait in the wait outside or in the overflow area in the North Light Court. Or what is the room? Or we have a we have accommodated room 408 until about 4:15. We are requesting your assistance in managing this volume. For those persons in the chambers, after you have submitted your comments, we ask that you voluntarily exit the chambers to allow for those outside to come in and submit their testimony. For real-time interpretation, headsets are available on the table by the door. For the benefit of the interpreters, I request we all speak clearly and slowly to allow for translation in real time. When it is time for public comment, I will ask for you to line up on the screen side of the room to your right, and for those uh, remote to raise their hand, again via WebEx or star three. So for clarity's sake, because I know many people may not know these procedures, but for discretionary review cases that are considered by the Planning Commission, after being introduced by the Commission Secretary, shall be considered by the Commission in the following order. One, a thorough description of the issue by staff. Two, a presentation by the DR requester. Three, testimony by members of the public. And then DR requesters are provided a two-minute rebuttal. Project sponsors are provided a two-minute rebuttal. And the chair may impose limits on appearances um, and time, which today members of the public will be provided with a two-minute rebuttal. Okay. Um, but most importantly, the commission must take DR in order to disapprove or modify a building permit application that is before them under discretionary review. A failed motion to take DR results in a project that is approved as proposed. And therefore, it would need four votes to take DR to disapprove or four votes to take DR and approve with conditions of approval. I will now ask that this information be translated into Cantonese, Mandarin, and Taishanese. Okay. 
誒項目十四誒個案號碼二零二二零零五一五四 DRP 零二一八號 Broadway 呢個項目咧係會有廣東話、國語同埋台山話嘅翻譯。我哋係預計咧今日嘅會議咧係有好多人咧參加嘅，所以咧我哋係安排咗一個額外嘅房間，係俾與會嘅人士咧啊係參加。如果咧你哋喺場內場內咧揾唔到位置嘅話咧，你哋可以咧係去誒額外個房間四零八同埋四一五嗰度係誒誒聽呢個嘅會議嘅。咁誒，我係要求咧你哋係配合誒今次誒嘅人流啦，因為有好多人係參加啦。咁現場發言嘅人士咧，佢哋發言完之後咧，就請你哋咧係離開個市政廳，咁就係以便咧就係誒其他人咧係入呢個市政廳裏邊咧就係進行發言嘅。誒咁誒，我哋喺嗰個台上邊咧係亦都係有提供呢一個嘅翻譯機咧，係俾你哋係聽翻譯嘅。為咗咧係誒方便啊呢一個嘅翻譯咧誒，我請求咧你哋係發言嘅時候咧係要講得清楚啲同埋慢啲，係以便翻譯員咧係可以作呢一個實時嘅翻譯。咁到咗啊呢一個嘅公眾評論嘅時間啦，誒誒喺現場發言嘅人咧誒佢哋咧可以喺電視嘅屏幕底下咧就係排隊誒咁就係等候發言。咁如果咧係喺誒網上誒發言嘅人咧，佢哋可以係透過 Webex 啦，誒咁就然後咧誒亦都係係可以係舉手係發言嘅。誒有啲人咧，佢哋係未必咧係知道誒呢個嘅規劃誒委員會佢哋審理誒呢一個酌情審查嘅規則啦。咁我而家咧就會講一下誒呢個嘅規則。誒規劃委員會咧。誒審理誒酌查嘅時候啦，誒委員嘅秘書咧就會先係介紹呢個個個案啦，然後委員會咧就會係跟隨呢個以下嘅程序咧係作考慮。誒第一就係由呢一個嘅董事誒或者係呢一個嘅員工嘅成員係對個案嘅問題作一個詳盡嘅描述。誒第二誒 D.R. 咧誒嘅請求者咧嘅團隊係包括佢哋嘅設計師啦、誒律師啦同埋指定嘅人員、工程師同埋係係誒加急嘅人員啦，或者係其他嘅諮詢員。誒佢哋咧每一個嘅陳述嘅誒時間咧係唔可以超過五分鐘。誒支持啊！呢一個嘅誒 D.R. 嗰一方面嘅公眾人士咧，佢哋嘅誒發言嘅時間咧係唔可以超過三分鐘。項目誒贊助嘅團隊啦，係包括啊呢一個嘅贊助人啦，誒同埋啊佢嘅設計師啦、誒律師啦、誒指定嘅人員啦、工程師同埋係呢一個加急嘅人員啦。誒佢哋嘅發言嘅時間咧係唔可以超過五分鐘。如果咧有好多個 D.R. 嘅誒請求者係發言嘅話咧，陳述嘅時間咧係可以延長至十分鐘嘅。支持項目誒公眾嘅誒人士啦，發言嘅時間係唔可以超過三分鐘。D.D.R. 嘅請求者同埋佢指定嘅人員咧，可以有兩分鐘嘅時間咧係作係反駁陳述。項目贊助人或者佢指定嘅人咧，可以有兩分鐘作反駁嘅陳述。
主席或者係代理主席咧，可以對公眾人士啊嘅發言嘅時間咧，係作出一個限制啊，否則咧啊呢一個嘅酌情處理嘅公聽會誒嘅程序咧，佢哋係有權咧係作一個嘅調整。根據全權審理條例底下啦，委員會係必須咧係受理呢個 D.R. 誒嘅聽證啦，然後先可以咧就係誒決定啊呢一個誒決定或者係否決啊呢一個嘅建築誒牌照嘅許可證誒或者對呢個建築牌照嘅許可證咧係作出修改。如果係動議失敗嘅話咧，係會導致呢個項目咧係按呢個提議咧而係得到批准嘅好，这是项目十四啊，案件号二零二二之零零五幺五四 DRP 零二，百老汇街一百号。我们收到了将此项目翻译成广东话、普通话和台山话的要求。我们现在预计呢，将会有大量的、很多的呃公众的提意见的啊。因此呢，我们会安排了一个一楼的一个呃更大的空间，如。呃，如果是您的这里没有空间的话，请到楼下一楼去哦。呃，呃，谢谢大家合作哈。那在会议室的人员呢？你们需呃要提出评论后呢，请到呃自愿的离开哦，可以到呃楼下到会议室去，呃，以便外面的人可以再进来啊发言。呃，如果是要同需要。OK， 所以为啊、呃，如果是要同意需要同意呃呃同步口译的呢，耳机呢就是在左边的桌子上，哎，然后如果呃希望呢大家配合一下啊，发言的时候呢讲话清楚一点，慢一点，呃，以便我们这翻译。当到了公众发言的时候呢，我们会要求啊您在到这个呃右手边的屏幕这里要排队。Please be quiet when you're entering the chamber. Please be quiet when you're entering the chamber. Thank you. If you need to have a conversation, please remain in the hallway. 如果要谈话，请到外面去哦。谢谢。关于规划委员会啊审议的这个审查案件呢，我们委员会啊秘书介绍之后呢，我们会将以下的顺序进行审查。第一呢，呃，主管呢或者工作人员。对题呃问题这个此议题的进行呃描述，然后呢，这个申呃第二要求的团队呢，包括这些呃他们的代表啊、律师啊、建筑师啊、工程师啊、推动者啊等，还有顾问哈、哦，他们呢会进行五分钟的发言，然后呢支持呃对起项呃呃项目发言者团队也是一样五分钟。最后呢，只所以所有的公共发言的话，只有一分钟的时间的哈。我们到最后，对，只有一分钟的时间哦。嗯
，然后呢，我们有人会必须要进行呃审查，才能呃驳回、修改、提交在这个审查下面的呃建筑许可申请。未能进行这个审查的话，这个异动呢会将导致该项目按照提议获得批准。那我们现在要求呢，将所有的呃语言的呃翻译成呢普通话、广东话，还有这个台上话。好，谢谢。頭先咧就係開始係涉事個項目，佢個項目個號碼咧，案件個號碼咧都係二零二二零零五一五四 DRP 零二，就係講佢個澳啊百樂匯街一百號嚟嘅樓嘅，啊嗰外咧，我佢個項目咧就小學好要求，都係話有提供廣東話、普通話同埋海山話嘅翻譯。嗰外咧有二界咧會要好然咧係嚟嚟來改係誒依意見嘅，所以咧我都安排依個。叻硬安排依個依個咩佢個房唔夠捱，所以咧我都係誒安排另外要叻個房間。啊，如果你係搬屋佢或者冇位嘅話咧，你到學外面啱話跟佢佢個四零八號室，或跟嚟四二五號室去嚟硬。講完咧就聽你咧就係幫忙控制控制佢嘅燃料啊。只話按佢個位誒和佢個房佢單然咧，如果你呢陣間係提供意見之後咧，啊講你講你講完之後咧，我我哋要求你係啊到我離開啊佢個房，佢咧就啱外面啊，我最啱嚟單然咧係要機會入來係係講劇嘅意見啦。啊，何何咧？同時咧，啊，江野嘅嗯，同同時咧，我係係供啊佢嘅休日嘅。如果你係需要海山馬翻譯嘅，咁你就可以去寧個海寧呼個呢件去向海山馬翻譯，或者你江華又好，啊普華又好 ，OK。咁唯一嘅翻譯翻譯嘅人咧，就係啊我你江野嘅時候咧，唔該你咧，就係慢慢講，講下聽錯啲，講咧發譯員咧講講可以即係聽。楚嗰同埋尊確嗰紅嚟翻譯，嗰日係誒講呢間你提供意見嘅時候咧，啊都麻煩你，我要消病渠室啊排隊，我佢個誒熒幕壓領排隊等候，誒安呢嘅時候咧，我就會喊你來噶啦。啊，講我頭先咧都係為即係將佢咧咧誒建民局會議咧團部係翻譯成誒廣東話、普普通話同埋海山話嘅。啊，呢間案外係。但係呢，佢先要講嘅，佢嘅啊器具係幾好多啊，佢嘅啊特定審查佢嘅啊位咧啊，都係要佢嘅委員會嘅啊 B B C 係介紹佢嘅案件啊，之後咧就會見住，佢先我講呢，以你向嚟承對去到，阿姨就係要公司委公公司或者係佢佢係嘅職員介紹佢依個啊案件嘅門牌啊，當依個。長曬嘅啊描述，然之後咧，佢嘅要求佢嘅即停審查啊，佢嗰個會啊，佢佢嘅你睇行會咧啊，包括佢嘅設計數啊、律數啊，或者佢資源嘅經驗啊、工程數啊，或者咪其他嘅誒顧問啊，嗰嗰佢每每一經驗咧都可以講五分鐘。之後咧，就支持佢嘅即停審查，佢咧啊公眾啊出來啊係講。講咧就係誒係兩分鐘
誒之後咧誒見住咧就係誒贊誒佢個贊助誒佢個羅女嘅包嗰個佢嘅誒誒項目嘅百贊助佢嘅項誒佢嘅項目嘅贊助演誒日輪嗰劇光，其他設計路啊、路路啦、啊工程路啦，或者其他其他嘅顧問啊，可以其可以嚟講，其實可以講五分鐘每一個人可以講五分鐘。如果要可能係係話最對我係加時間嘅話，誒至我係必二十分鐘劇光嘅啫。佢支持佢咧項目，佢嘅誒公眾咧。又可以發言，但係咧超唔超過一分鐘。啊，佢哋嘅誒 DR 都係佢嘅誒即即停審查嘅要求者，或者係佢指引嘅言開要兩分鐘去度翻播項目嘅贊助言，或者或者指引嘅言又可以翻播，又係兩分鐘。啊，之後咧佢嘅誒主席或者外聯主席可以將佢嘅話講。誒講話佢嘅時間誒嘅限制，可能佢頭先就係喺叫要叫演同埋情況結合演。嗰之後咧，嚟講完之後咧，就見佢誒佢嘅審查後嚟誒嘅嘅企業，佢嘅委員會咧依然係照例誒佢嘅誒即停誒審查，可講可以係發專許證或者係做小改嘅。如果佢嘅用意用意係失敗嘅話咧。啊，可能都係唔派樽噶啦。啊，如果係容易係啊通過嗰度通過啦，嗰咧唔係唔係醫生咧係，如果係係去即係要即係嚴肅嚟計咧，要啲後票。啊，如果係啲要啲後票係容易嘅，嗰佢就通過；唔啲後票翻去嘅，嗰度唔通過。嗰係嗰啦。Thank you very much. I appreciate everyone's patience in advance. Mr. Foster. Can I actually just say one more thing? This does not need to be translated, but for the benefit of those who don't need translation, we are going to be doing one minute of public comment. This is an interest of the obviously extreme interest in this topic and our translation services, which we want to thank our interpreters who are with us until six. We want to make sure we can hear and understand all the testimony from everyone who wants to give testimony today. So we'll be doing one minute of public comment that was already interpreted, but I wanted to make sure the commissioners know and for those uh, who are English speaking to know we'll be doing one minute of public comment. Again, if you are standing by the door, you cannot stand by the door. You need to find a seat or go into the hallway. Thank you. Good afternoon, President Tanner, Vice President. Sorry, Moore. yes, that's you to sir. That's in front of the door. I'm talking to you. You cannot be in front of the door. You need to find a seat or go into the hallway. Thank you. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Nick Foster, Department Staff. So the item before you represents two public-initiated requests for discretionary review of Building Permit Application 2022-0331-1283 for the proposed project located at 100 Broadway. This project involves a change of use from office use to cannabis retail use. Uh, converting about 9,600 square feet on the ground floor and basement levels to cannabis retail use. The project would convert about 6,700 square feet on the ground floor uh, to specifically retail floor area, inclusive of a consumption lounge not visible from the public, as well as about 2,800 square feet of storage and accessory floor area uh, serving the underlying cannabis use in the basement level. Uh, the balance of the basement level, as well as floors two and three, would remain as office use as they are today, uh, the last legal use. Those total about 15,000 square feet. Uh, the subject building is an existing three-story over basement office building located at the corner of Broadway and Front Street within the C2 zoning district within supervisorial district number three. Uh, cannabis retail use is principally permitted at this subject location. And the project does meet all the strict locational requirements of the planning code, inclusive of the 600-foot rule. 
The closest K through 12 school is John Yeehaw Chin Elementary School, located at 350 Broadway, which is about 300, excuse me, 735 feet away from the subject property. Uh, the nearest cannabis retailer is the, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, the Aggrieved Elk LLC, located at 615 Sansom Street, which is about 1,000 feet from the pro uh, subject property. So as I mentioned, in total, two uh, requests for discretionary review were received by the department during the 30-day notification period, which is otherwise known as the 311 period. Concerns raised by the first DR requester include, number one, a negative impacts, in, negative impacts to ex existing childcare facilities, residents, and offices within the vicinity to the project site. Number two, uh, increases in air pollution. Number three, increase in criminal activity. And number four, the creation of, quote, ghost community, end quote, with the introduction of cannabis retail business at the subject property. The first DR requester has submitted a petition that garnered over 200 signatories in opposition to the proposed project. The second DR requester noted very similar concerns regarding the proximity of the proposed cannabis retail use to childcare centers. The second DR requester specifically proposed that the licensed childcare center should be part of the 600 foot radius. Uh, the two childcare centers uh, that staff identified where Kaiming Head Start, located at 820 uh, Battery Street, which is about 120 feet from the subject property, and then uh, Tung Lock Early Childhood Learning Center, loaded, located at 75 Vallejo Street, which is about th 230 feet from the uh, subject property. Uh, lastly, so in regarding public comment, the department uh, has actually only received one letter from the Barber Coast Neighborhood Association expressing effectively no position on the project. Um, Nick, Nick, I'm gonna interrupt you. They're trying to translate in real time. Just if you could slow it down. Oh, sure. Oh, I'd, I'd, sure. <laughs> just to slow it down. Sure. They're, Sorry, they're I speak to fast. Translate it in real time. Yeah. Uh, since the notice of the public hearing was issued, and uh, through today's hearing, the department has received a total of four emails in support and only two letters in opposition to the proposed project. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Ayonan just handed out a memo that I also emailed you a couple hours ago. Thank you. <laughs> in real time, um, basically adding additional conditions of approval that you normally would see uh, through a conditional use authorization request. That is not what's before you. It's a discretionary review request. So this would align so you have an apples apples comparison between conditions of approval being posed unilaterally and universally across the slate amongst all cannabis retail projects and the project sponsor is supportive of those additional conditions of approval. Those would be uh, conditions on the building permit application, not a separate exhibit A conditions of approval because again, you don't have a conditional use before you. Um, so by virtue of adding those conditions of approval, we have to make one tweak to the recommendation to you as a commission. We said do not take DR. By virtue of you accepting those conditions and imposing them on the building permit application, but technically speaking, you need to take DR with modifications and, and impose those conditions of approval. It's sort of a technicality in nature, but I just want to make sure you get that, get that right. Um, that said, the department still stands behind this project. We recommend uh, taking DR and approving with conditions. The uh, department finds the, proje the project furthers the city's goal of effectively regulating cannabis retail into a legal regulated market. And again, it's principally permitted at the subject property. Um, that concludes my presentation and I'm available for any questions and apologize for speaking so quickly. Thank you, uh, Mr. Foster, DR requester. You have a five minute presentation. DR requester. Oh.
sorry, the feed is a little delayed, so I didn't get the, the it's all right. <laughs> I know it's difficult. All right. Um, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Andy Chu, and I'm the executive director of the Chinatown YMCA, uh, and we operate the Tongluk Early Childhood um, Child Care Center that's located at 75 Broadway. So thanks for your time today to address some of our concerns. Um, our priority has always been to provide a safe environment for our little ones um, and to our families. And we believe that the opening of the retail cannabis store will negatively impact our efforts uh, to do so. Uh, we opened the center in September 2021 uh, as part of the overall development of Broadway Cove, which I think a lot of you guys should know about, and I'm sure this commission voted on it. I'll touch on that a little bit later on. Um, I, I believe that the proposed business will negatively impact us and our children because uh, first off, uh, right now we have 40 children. We will cap off at 57 once we get enrolled. Uh, over two-thirds of them walk to our center on a daily basis. And um, we think that with uh, the store being so close to, to our center that uh, there could be some issues there. Uh, the second point is that we do have an outdoor play area. And uh, even though the play area is enclosed and secured by a fence, um, our concern is that customers who may leave the set business might walk by and might light up or you know, whatever it may be uh, that they purchased uh, and that that may, in essence, um, impact some of the kids that are there. Uh, I know some may say then that, well, San Francisco doesn't have, you know, you can't, you can't eat or consume or smoke cannabis in public spaces, but I think each and every one of us in this room have walked our streets of San Francisco, and we've seen it, and we smell it. So, of course, our issue is that, right? Um, and thirdly, our, for us to run a, a safe site, essentially, is to reduce risk. Um, I've read through the information. I've met Mr. Men, uh, Mr. Mendelson. I think his plans are great. I just think that for it to be so close to our center, there's just no guarantees. And as an operator, and I've been in youth development for 20 years, we want to reduce that risk, right? And um, I think that there's more that can be done in, in, in that regards uh, if this winds up being passing. I, I've read the plans, and they mentioned about being 50 feet, you know, that they would patrol. I'm not worried about 50 feet in front of their store. I'm worried about 50 feet in front of our center, right? And that extends, I think someone mentioned 230 feet or so away. Kaiming is even closer, and I think they'll talk later on. Um, Regarding Broadway Cove, I mean, Broadway Cove is 125 apartments for families. Uh, like I said, I think you guys are familiar. And um, third of those units are occupied by people that move from Portrayal Hill. We know this because the Chantal YMCA also um, engages the residents in that building by being the residential um, service provider, right? And so obviously, I think they're gonna have their, their time later on. Um, I do remember a few years back, you know, um, when there was a groundbreaking for Broadway Cove, right? I think it was July 2019. Uh, city official after city official saying, what a great plan this is going to be. There's going to be 125 affordable, uh, affordable un units in terms of housing, a child care center on the ground floor, how great that is. No one at that time mentioned, right, that a couple years later, there might be a cannabis shop opening across the street. So I wonder kind of what that sentiment would have been at that time, right? If that, if that was the plan. I mean, maybe you don't build this thing. So in closing, I mean, everything can just very well work out, right? Nothing could ever happen, or it could be the other way. 
we, we may have problems. For me to operate a safe childcare site, I, I'd like to not to operate on maybe and want to try to reduce as much risk as possible. There's a certain point I think that there's, um, for us, I, I'm not saying you guys aren't placing the kids and the families first. I know this is a very tough job. What we do know is the state law, the state law allows it, the city law allows it, and in essence, this is on your laps. And I hope that you guys will be able to support the children and our families by not voting to approve this proposal. Thanks for your time. Thank you. We do ask people to refrain from applause during the hearing. So if you want to use your jazz hands, you can um, use that to show your um, support. Are you part for of the comments. DR requesters team? Yes, with uh, WCA. Wait. Are you with the okay. first DR requester or the second requester? Yes, second. You're the second yeah. DR requester. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Susanna Lam on behalf of Kaiming Children's Center. Thank you for opportunity to speak. We serve 45 young Excuse children. Me. Can we from pause zero for a second? Five. Can we get her to talk a little oh. bit closer to the microphone? Okay, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, should I start? Okay. You yeah. Go ahead, start over. Yeah, I'll, start, restart, I'll restart, restart your time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Susanna Lam on behalf of Kaiming Children's Center. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. We serve 45 young children from zero to five. If a dispensary cannot be near a school, it shouldn't be near I'm, to a childcare center. I'm sorry, I just, I just want to clarify. The, the first DR requester is Jonathan Sum. Right, so you were with the previous speaker. Yes. Okay, you had 30 seconds remaining. Okay. okay. Um, if a dispensary, uh, if a dispensary cannot be near a school, it shouldn't be near a childcare center. Childcare center are school for young children. Young children's lungs and brains are less developed than those of the school age children. And this location is directly adjacent to our center. Within two childcare centers, within a block of this location. And this should be taken into consideration. Thank you. Thank you, okay. So then, Second DR requester, you have five minutes. So this is Jonathan Sun? Yes. Representing Jonathan Sun, right? SFGov, can we go to the overhead, please? Good afternoon, everyone and the commissioners. This is Xiaochuan Senpin, authorized by Jonathan Sun, uh, one of the hearing applicants. Represent our Broadway community um, present the objection statement. Firstly, I must be emphasized that. Ma'am, I'm going to pause your time, but it's very difficult. If you don't touch this part, just touch the arm. Okay, wait a moment, please. It yeah. must be emphasized that we are not opposed, opposed to the medical use of marijuana. It, we just protest that the store is such closely located next to our children and residents' building. And please see these photos. We can see there is air wind. It's over our children's head. And also we can see another one is also faced to our backyard. And 
please see this one. This is climbing school and um, playground. And this air vent is so close to this playground. It's within almost 20 feet. And we can see the climbing school's children, they're playing here. And let's see this big picture here. This is, this is Broadway, 810 Battery Street, Broadway. And uh, this is Building A, Building B, and Building C. And we can see from the air, we can see this is climbing school playground. It's so close, this is 100 Broadway. It's so close to this marijuana center. And this is tunnel preschool. And also, all of them is within one block. It's less than 100 feet. So our Broadway building, 810 Battery Street, 825 front, 850 front, 255 Broadway, and Kaiming School, and Tong Lord Preschool, we have almost 815 people. And the children and women account for about 63%. And the seniors, is, seniors account for 32%. And we all know that marijuana specialty, where we saw so many marijuana users come to our community. And the reaction to smoking marijuana varies from person to person or excitement, or anxiety, or panic, or panic, or unconsciousness, or uncomfortable behavior, and may even have aggressive behaviors. And these aggressive behaviors may bring anxiety, fear, and panic to children and residents. And other unsafe incidents, such as robbery, and attacking pedestrians and smart cars, etc. So, and we not mention about the exhaust of marijuana um, affect people. Uh, some, uh, it may bring some allergies, respiratory system diseases, and also increase the risks for pregnant women. So, the marijuana store is not the problem. The problem is the location selected. 100 Broadway project sponsor and our two governing departments, they made a mistake. One, we can check that uh, this is website on the OOC department, San Francisco Office of Cannabis. We can see there's an instruction tell people how to step by step apply for the permit. And this is the step five. Meet with your neighbors. You should, you should write a good labor policy. That's, that's a requirement. And also please say this one. You should labor outreach meetings but there's no, and write your good labor policy for cannabis business, there's no. And you should, actually the sponsor should must describe how business interacts with us. 
So 100 Broadway project sponsor violated two adapted regulation under Ooh. Article 16 of the police code. Thank you, ma'am. One is 1609, good policy, and another one is community outreach. Okay. okay, just one minute, please. No, you have extra time, you'll have a two-minute rebuttal. Project sponsor, you have a 10-minute presentation. Another thing is... Ma'am, that's your time. We're going to close your microphone. You have two minutes it. later on. Thank you. Okay. Project well, sponsor, you have a 10-minute presentation. I'm so sorry about that, but I have to say that... Ma'am, ma'am, if, if, you, you if you insist on continuing, I'm going to have to call the sheriff to have you escorted out of the room. Ma'am, I don't want to call the sheriff. This hearing is going into recess. We are going into recess. We are not going to continue the hearing at this point. We will call the sheriff. Thank you. Commissioners, please leave the dais. TV, San Francisco Government Television. Okay, we left off on the project sponsor presentation and you have 10 minutes. All members of the Planning Commission, thank you for your time today. Uh, my name is Lawrence Michelson. I'm the project sponsor at 100 Broadway. Um, SFGov, can we go to the computer? 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to go ahead and uh, firstly address the uh, continuance from the last time uh, we had, which there were certain modifications that the health department wanted us to make in regards to the placement of the um, smoking and vaping uh, consumption lounge uh, from the upstairs to the downstairs with additional modifications of egress. Um, we went ahead and worked uh, directly with the DPH with uh, both uh, Mr. Obana um, and uh, Mr. Mohanad, and we were um, able to come up with a solution that fit the Department of Public Health's requirements. Um, following the Department of Public Health's changes and modifications to our plan, we then uh, went ahead and started working with the planning department to make the additional modifications necessary. Um, we took the time to um, go ahead and address those modifications. We worked closely with our architect, who is also here today, um, and we made those modif modifications um, um, where the planning department was able to sign off and um, feel that this was in, um, the, in compliance. Um, secondly, what I would also like to address was the uh, statements in regards to community outreach and our neighborhood good policy. Um, we sent out multiple notices. Um, if you can go ahead to the next slide. Uh, just to go one more. Back. Um, so on the first day when we went ahead and did the mailers, we sent out on April 4th. This was our pre-planning phase. Um, we invited the neighborhood for a VCO. Um, we actually have a list of all of the addresses that the mailers were sent to. Um, there are some people here who did receive that who were on our call following that. Um, we were requested there was some issue with the mailers um, um, from the mailing company um, that didn't get to every unit at the Broadway Cove. Um, Mr. David Chu from the YMCA had requested that I set up an in-person um, or video uh, conference with the neighborhood and the community that did not receive the um, notification. Um, I went ahead and made a presentation. I brought translator. Um, to translate multiple languages for the neighbors. Um, I was unfortunately asked to leave because um, it was unsafe for me to be there. Um, people were spitting on the floor, ripping up um, uh, sign-in sheets of the people who came, and it was a very hostile environment for myself as a presenter. Um, I spoke with Mr. Chu following that. Um, I actually spoke with him yesterday in regards to kind of, did I not have enough communication with the community, and did I do something wrong? And um, you know, we, we believe it was a, you know, an issue of the mailers, and I, I've been attempting to have multiple interactions. We also, um, for the CCDC, went ahead and um, had uh, Mr. Phil Lesser um, attend that meeting and give a better explanation of the project as well um, in regards to addressing the vent um, that was shown in the previous photos and diagrams. Um, we will be making sure in our MEP plan and in accordance with the DPH, there will be no smoke or marijuana or toxic fumes exhausted anywhere outside of that building downward towards 810 battery. Um, and we've also replied directly to multiple um, uh, questions and emails um, with um, Maggie Dong as part of the CCDC, um, as well as other neighbors who had very specific questions in regard to our neighborhood plan and our good neighbor policy. Um, we went ahead and addressed those, and also today with uh, um, the continued um, support of the planning department made some additional modifications to our good neighbor policy to make sure we included that our staff will not have the right or permission to smoke anywhere in and around the building um, up to excess of a thousand feet. Um, and I wanted to make sure I address that here today. Um, 
um, as well as the smoking vaping lounge. We know there are multiple high-rise buildings outside of these two adjacent buildings next to us that make up uh, thousands of residential units and thousands of residents in the area who are not allowed to smoke inside of their property due to um, uh, homeowner uh, guidelines and rules, um, as well as being uh, tenants in some of these buildings like the Gateway and the Barbary. Um, and so we wanted to go ahead and, you know, our um, benefit to the community was to make sure, as we heard, you know, and Mr. Chu's comments as well, there are people who are outside smoking marijuana in San Francisco. We all know as we walk by, we sometimes smell marijuana. We believe it was a vital part of our community plan to create a safe space for all of these residents that are not permitted to smoke inside of their personal homes, and they are cannabis consumers, to give them a, space, a safe place to smoke. Um, and you know, there uh, yet today, I, I don't believe, has been any crime outside of a smoking lounge due to the intoxication of marijuana. I believe maybe a heightened, you know, um, um, you know, maybe line at the pizza parlor or, you know, people usually are very hungry and kind of more settled down versus a bar where they come out sometimes more rowdy because alcohol is more of a, um, you know, di different type of inhibitor. Um, um, also, um, in, in regards to, um, you know, being too close to the proximity of a preschool, um, you know, children, you know, we, we, we believe or I believe um, in the, um, you know, under the K through 12, um, you know, some of them may know how to read, some of them may not know how to read. We don't plan to have any marijuana exposure or paraphernalia on the exterior of the building. So whether they can read or not read, they wouldn't know that it was cannabis explicitly inside of that building. Um, as well as the positioning of the store itself. We're not trying to promote on a street level. This is a cannabis store with major marijuana signs. We want to make sure to um, have it fit within the community. Um, you know, as of right now, this is a vacant building um, with, um, unfortunately, we, we, we clean it up and then we get graffiti sometimes. Um, there's a lot of uh, needles, empty bottles from different buildings. There's a lot of very, um, shady cars in front of that corner um, that do all kinds of acts. Um, we wanted to make sure that you know, by us patrolling the area, not just for ourselves, but for our community, we address those issues within our community and the community especially where we're going to be um, at 100 Broadway. Um, there are many dispensaries that have been approved um, today that are within closer proximity than ourselves and 175 feet that are sometimes even two doors down um, from current dispensaries. Um, and um, uh, additionally, there was uh, a couple questions um, that um, um, some, some, some members of the Planning Commission had had in, in, in regards to um, display and display cases and being seen from the street level. I wanted to go ahead and just point out that, you know, we want to be as flexible as possible with this process and really make sure the community feels comfortable with us there as a neighbor. Um, as you can see to the right right there, we have uh, prototype booths um, that we've created for this project. Um, as you see right there, the backing of our display cases are non-transparent. Um, you know, the signs are magnetic, removable. Um, the actual display cases are on wheels and casters. So if we are not happy with the position or there is exposure that we feel um, is street facing, we can go ahead and make those modifications within minutes by just rolling and moving those display cases to different positions of the store, as well as the back being completely um, in a black color. We were recommending that we possibly use some of that um, similar style of art, um, highlighting San Francisco, its beauty, 
um, you know, Golden Gate Bridge and really have that be the background of our displays. So as you know, community members, children may be walking by the street, they would see beautiful art that's non-cannabis related. Um, and they would not see inside a store that would have paraphernalia, marijuana, um, or a negative effect, in our opinion, on the community. Um, as well as just going back to the uh, primary complaint about the vent. Um, as you may know, the DPH and the MEP plans that are required to have a hermetically sealed um, smoking and vaping lounge, which will be at the full corner of the building, will have an exhaust that we will make sure will not be anywhere near where 810 battery is. If we have to spend additional money and run exhaust all the way out to the roof, it will, however, that exhaust, as it's going through different processes, goes through carbon, charcoal, multiple different types of filters to make sure there's no actual smell of that marijuana on the exterior of a building, unlike a cultivation center, which sometimes does have a lingering marijuana smell. Um, a lot of the people today are also smoking vapor pens, um, and, and those actually have a very minimal impact to the smell outside of the room or the area. Um, you know. I believe I addressed most of the comments in most of the complaints and most of the questions that um, our DR requesters have had today. I've been very open to taking any comment and being as um, open-minded to working with the community around me. And I understand, you know, principally, I'm never gonna convince that marijuana is okay or it's okay near where they feel is home. Um, all I ask is, you know, to give me the opportunity to work with the community. And if you have special requests and modifications, I would be happy to consider those and, and develop a better plan to make sure we're all happy. Um, I thank you, the time of the commission today, and um, thank you everybody who's here in support and in opposition. Thank you. Refrain from all right. Applause in the chamber. Um, I did actually, I just realized I wanted to make a disclosure, but there's so much happening that I forgot. I just wanted to say that I did meet with the project sponsor or speak with him by phone um, before this hearing. And I also met with several members of community organizations, Selena Chu, Hazel Lee, Leanna Louie, Forrest Liu, uh, Mr. Love Terrace, um, about the project. And they just relayed some of the comments and concerns that we've heard today and we heard in um, other correspondence. So thank you for that. Very good. Okay, so um, I'm going to ask the interpreters to come back to interpret this portion of my instructions. Uh, we're gonna open up public comment. Okay, oh. interpreters again are here present for Cantonese, Mandarin, and Taishanese. If you are in need of translation services, please submit your testimony in short intervals to allow interpreters to translate your testimony. Each speaker will be provided one minute. When you have 30 seconds remaining, you will hear a chime indicating your time is almost up. When your allotted time is reached, I will announce that your time is up and take the next person queued to speak. Queued to speak excuse me. We will take public comment from those persons at City Hall first and then open up the remote access line. For those persons calling in to submit their testimony, you need to call 415-655-0001 and enter access code 2596-775-2190, then press pound twice. So that's pound, pound. To comment, you must enter star three to raise your hand, and when you hear that you are unmuted, that is your indication to begin speaking. If you're joining us via WebEx, uh, you need to raise your hand using the icon for those persons attending in person. Please line up on the screen side of the room on your right. Please speak clearly and slowly, and if you care to, state your name for the record. 
I would again like to emphasize if you are in need of translation services, please submit your testimony in short intervals to allow the interpreters to translate your testimony. I'll now ask the uh, interpreters to translate that direction. Can I, am I good to go? No. No, no the interpreters are going to translate what he just said, as he just said. Uh 你的發言時間延結的時候需要輸入星號三舉手 Thank you. Uh 15650000输入代码25967755210然后输入井字号第二要发言的时候呢必须输出新号跟三以表示您举手当您听到提示号you Zai 
咁現場如果係佢有誒講講話、通講話或者係散話嘅翻譯嘅話咧，你係另有講話向嘅。咁希望你講話嘅時候咧，聽你個講話，越撩雲越撩雲，分開啊，有聽錯就講，咁以便我翻譯啦，可以聽你講嘅話讓同翻譯嘅。咁為嘅講話者咧，誒要一分鐘嘅時間。咁要三十秒嘅，即係那個時候咧，我會係聽嘅，要個耳聽個意思係聽你嘅。咁時間一後咧，我就會轉盤咧，你嘅時間啊後啦，咁到下一你講話將來講嘅。咁如果係誒開始，我會係先聽誒現場嘅觀眾先講，現場嘅觀眾先講話嘅。咁如果你係有誒講話，你就排一個 N C K 隔離啦排隊。咁後時咧就會一一啊輪流嚟嘅。咁我個阿葉。按話入來啊，有係出你嘅意見嘅話咧，你可以撥啱我嘅電話號碼：四一五六五五零零零一，是嘅密碼：二五九六七七五二一九零，然後撳兩輪嘅電號。咁你響歐誒話，以上話你個是嘅電影而解除嘅時候咧，你就可以開始講噶啦。咁我呢係上網嘅話咧，你係有我網上誒撳你嘅貴少嘅鍵嘅。咁現場嗰啲群眾咧，你嗰時可以嚟排隊。咁誒，如果你願意，你可以嚟講你嘅名啦。咁然後去簽你嘅光碼嘅。對呢度強有就係，如果你係需要翻譯服務嘅，聽你聽你嘅誒光碼咧，係翻譯流運，譯流運流光。咁啱我可以方便同你翻譯嘅。咁誒，對路我哋係嘅。Thank you. Okay. Public comment. Again, you each have one minute. Go ahead. Go ahead, ma'am. Oh, I need to speak English. Oh, hello. Ah, 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 everyone. Good morning. Ah, everyone. Good morning. I represent the Blue Battery. Ah, 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 battery. 保证金可以作为持续的健康责任承诺。呃，此外呢，就是呃，邻留好邻居那个他们大麻要求保证通风系统呢，不会从外面让我们闻到外面的大麻味道。反对上，不要翻译，不要翻译，对对，从这里好。Hello everyone. Um, so. 可以说啊，那么这在后头，你你是我我就直接翻译你这个讲吧。对对对。对，对。So the the government department and the uh the C is the marijuana management the permitting must uh must deposit a uh the funds for into a deposit into for this. And then every month there should be a, uh, a deposit also from uh, the revenue from this. And so we can actually uh, continue with the, uh, the monitoring of the, the health concerns. Yeah. 医院的设备是一样的，过滤后的空气比外面的更清洁、更健康。我们要求他们记录下来，并提供大麻店每屋顶每个通风口，至至至少有十几个。这里下面还有两个通风口来
呃呃定期的排气呃检测取样检测报告。等一下，等一下。对 ，So I I must I must remind everyone, uh, the the good neighbor policy that requires that the uh the exhaust must be monitored, and we need at least ten uh the uh the exhaust that can be they should be monitored. Thank you. Unfortunately, that is your time, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually to be ensure it's actually a mutual respect and fairness. Thank you. That is your time. Ah, ah, 不好意思，打扰一下下啊。哦，我知道。Thank you. Thank you. 就是说。Happy Thursday to everyone. Um, my name is Jeremy Bladis with Bladis Realty Company. And my family started one of the first commercial real estate firms in the city in 1922, over, over 100 years ago. And I'm here today because I was the broker responsible for leasing 100 Broadway to Lawrence Michelson, having successfully worked with Mr. Michelson for many years on previous deals. I can tell you that he is a good person and cares deeply for our city. For 100 Broadway, Larry has diligently and thoughtfully obtained all the permits necessary to obtain a marijuana dispensary at this location. His plan is to open a first-class high-end operation, which will be a benefit not only to the building but also to the community. As I understand, he will be have he will also have an office component component as well. Uh, Larry cares very deeply for the community and is making a big investment which will benefit the building and the neighborhood. Great. Uh, like, thank you, that is your time. Okay, I just want to say that I hope that you get your time, sir. Sure, thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is David Goldman, 50-year resident, 45-year homeowner in San Francisco. I'm the president of the Brownie Mary Democratic Club of San Francisco, a cannabis policy group. I'm here in support of the project. There is no empirical evidence that employees or Customers, patrons of any cannabis dispensary in San Francisco have caused any problems for the neighborhoods. I have known the team for several months and learned that Larry Michelson has been involved in the cannabis community for many years. He's an exemplar in the industry. The lounge will give a needed additional place for people to safely consume. I urge you to not take discretionary review and support this project. Thank you. My name is Josephine Zhao, and look at the room here. Look at the North Life Court overflow. This is enough. We have over 100 incubators, marijuana businesses, and cannabis retails in the city operating right now, and there are 140, 150 more in the pipeline. In a year or two, there will be more marijuana business than all the coffee shops combined. What is our city standing for? Look at these people that don't speak English. They make their time here in the rain. Where is their equity? I'm going to ask folks to refrain from clapping and cheering, please. Good afternoon, Commission. My name is Keith Arnoul. I'm here to support the project. I'm also a three-time cancer patient, um, and we need consumption lounges where patients can go and consume. 
and you know there's there's people that live in the apartments close to it and stuff and they can't consume in their apartment building so they could walk over and consume in this consumption lounge um you know and and, and a lot of the stuff that there's people are saying here scientifically is wrong i was treated at ucf medical center three different times they know i use cannabis cannabis helped save my life thank you I'm here to oppose uh, the project. I oppose to uh, open a marijuana store at uh, 100 Broadway. Oppose. Thank you. Those who are entering the room can please find your seats. Again, you need to be having a seat or be, be in the overflow room. Okay. Uh, my name is Tan Min Ying. Uh, yeah, I'm here uh, to oppose the project, and I'm opposed to uh, open a uh, uh, marijuana store at 100 uh, Broadway. Thank you. My name is Hazel Lee and Shanghai Association President. The development of the healthy and stable community must be a balance to all aspects, including economic, culture, education, healthy care, recreation, and art. The whole San Francisco already have a 200 plus cannabis stores and 300 plus waiting to prove we really need such cannabis store. Actually, in fact, a lot can order in the website, like just say one person say he's uh, legally to take place order at the website. Thank you. Give me a chance to speak. Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Marlene Tran. Like hundreds who are here, we oppose the marijuana dispensary at 100 Broadway, which is near several childcare facilities, and even the John Yee Hall School. I deeply care about the children and the youth in, you know, because I've been teaching in San Francisco for over 35 years. In the interest of time, may I ask in Chinese for those who oppose this application to raise their hands? Would you allow me to do that? Okay. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Rabbi Dr. Sophia Catherine uh, Woodley von Rothschild. Um, I want to remind you of one simple thing. Morals before money, people before money. And if we keep uh, going for uh, the quick fix and try to get these Dispensers going, in the end, it's going to hurt us very badly. 
and be live create a community with people with uh, brain problems and gum problems uh, in the long run. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Michael Cohn. I'm a 77-year-old senior, and I use cannabis as, as, as medicine for, for HIV disease. I just want to point out a couple of things that I think are important. This neighborhood needs more retail, and with retail, we want more street, sidewalk, uh, people on side to use the sidewalks and more sidewalk and pedestrian traffic. This will help that problem. We're having it many problems like this in, in the city, and it will improve the, this neighborhood. I am also very much in, in favor of this project because it will allow seniors and people who, who need medicine in the neighborhood. Many of these people are not able to take long trips, so it will be very much more convenient for them to, to use this dispensary. It will be very helpful. And uh, let me see. I just wanted to say that there is no room for ignorance, prejudice, or fear Thank when you, it sir. comes to medical cannabis, when it comes to cannabis or cannabis Thank you, patients. Thank you, sir. That is your time. Thank you so much. Okay,呃，Candice，thank um, uh, I live at uh, A10 uh, Broadway. Uh, I'm the resident of there, and I'm an ordinary uh, citizen. And I have a small wish. Uh, I want to live in an environment that is safe and also healthy. And I live in this community uh, almost about 10 years. And I love my uh, community. Um, I want uh, my community to have a safe and also a nice environment. And I'm really concerned about the safety uh, in my community. Uh, I wish everybody can, ha uh, can uh, live happily uh, here. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I learned about uh, there is a um, Can you pause the time? Can you pause the time? Uh, open, I'm uh, sorry, folks, we have to be quiet. If you cannot be quiet, we cannot conduct this hearing. When you are speaking, it makes it impossible to hear other people who are speaking. So please give them the same courtesy and respect that you would expect to have. Uh, Hold on. Please Thank you. Continue. Uh, let me continue. Yeah. 
Um, and and uh, let me continue, okay. Uh, so um, when I uh, heard uh, there's a Miranda store uh, open uh, in my uh, community, uh, even, uh, and this Miranda um, store is provide for smoking Miranda, sales Miranda, and also store Miranda. It's uh, uh, three, together three function for one Miranda store. Uh, I feel very fear. Uh, and also I have uh, anxiety, yeah, because uh, I know uh, a lot of uh, people, uh, if um, the Marana store open around my area will cause a lot of uh, negative uh, impact. And I don't understand why the, uh, why the uh, Marana uh, uh, Pam, store owner that's, want that's... to open a Marana store in that's, my community. That's the time, thank okay. you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Ngoa Hoa Noi, Hoi Ai Ma Em Toi Yip Pa Ho, Pa Ba Wei Ka. Yen Ku Fa Noi. Oh, sorry. Wrong language. Hello, everyone. My name is Shanglin Hu. I oppose to the opening of a marijuana store at 100 Broadway. I oppose to the opening of a cannabis store at 100 Broadway. My name is Wokei Fa. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Eileen Chen, and I oppose the, for the opening of a cannabis store at 100 Broadway. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hello, my name is Sui Hua Huang. I opposed uh, the opening of a cannabis store in Chinatown at 100 Broadway. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
你講咩話？你講咩話㗎？你你講台山啊？你講廣東話？講講國語。國語啊？我反對。哦。我反我我反對泰山麻釘。呀，我我反對。快點。我反對泰山麻釘。我反對泰山麻釘。I'm opposed to proposed location for marijuana retail. I'm opposed once again. The proposed location for marijuana retail. Hello. That's fine. Excuse me, folks. If you could keep the conversations to a minimum or take it outside, please. 唔好意思，請大家啊，如果你係要講嘢嘅，出去出邊講嚇。我講海鮮話。學西話 ，OK。我會相關。會相關。我翻去一百號，我按埋點強制學生多唔得。I oppose to the opening of a cannabis store at 100 Broadway. It's too close to the store and too close too close to the school and too close to the children. It's not possible. Thank you. Thank you. You 講咩話？你講咩話？講外省話。啲外省話 OK。Hi, Gao. I'm Lin Zhi. Hello, my last name is Chu. I'm going to go to the Chinese school. I absolutely oppose to the opening of a cannabis store in San Francisco near schools, elementary schools. I'm going to also ask that you silence your mobile devices, please. Good afternoon, Commissioners. I'm here in favor of, of approving the permit for Broadway. There's a number of reasons, but I'm going to focus on one that's not been addressed. Downtown San Francisco has North America's weakest pandemic re uh, recovery. We are ranked 62 out of 62 of the largest North American counties. The, sur the survey done by UC Berkeley says to survive in an era of remote work, downtowns need to diversify their economic activity and, and land uses. The slow recovery of our downtown has dire implications on the city budget. Projected $728 million deficit over the next two fiscal years, not to mention the impacts on BART and Muni and transit agencies. Without businesses, we don't have a large enough tax base to fund the social services, parks, libraries, and schools that we're all talking about in the other necessities. The city also suffers from a large our high rate of property crime, downtown neighborhoods have some of the highest right, raw, raw counts of commercial burglaries. Uh, Supervisor Peskin has says that they're out of control. We have a business in front of us and a permit Thank that's you, legal and approved and will address all those issues. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Ho Min Tan. My name is Ho Min Tan. Yes. We have opened the store at the beginning of the store. The store has affected our I'm opposed to the opening of the, um, the cannabis store at 100 Broadway. This is not right. This is going to harm our next generation, harm our kids. It's not right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
我反對大麻煙害到我們的社會,害害我們的細路的身體健康,我反對。I oppose to the opening of the cannabis store because it's harming the health of our children. Thank you. Hello, I'm Mokhanying. 我反對一百號博洛維開大麻店,影響我們後一代的子孫後代。Hi, my name is Kok Jing Ying. I'm here to oppose the uh, having the marijuana located at 100 Broadway. Uh, having the uh, cannabis dispensary, this will impact our next generations. I, I strongly oppose. Thank you. I'm opposed to the opening of the cannabis dispensary because it's uh, not good for the next generation for the children. Thank you. Thank you. 我是調味員,我翻了一百個去買麥煙,人人呢還是對個心內呢,個心內健康。I'm opposed to the opening of the uh, cannabis uh, dispensary because it's harming next generation's health. Thank you. Thank you. Afternoon, my name is Yeh Huang. I'm opposed to the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Li Hao Liu. Hi, my name is Li Hao Liu. I'm against Sanansi, 108 I'm opposed to the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway in San Francisco. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Again, please keep your conversations to a minimum or take them outside. We want to give everyone courtesy and respect and hear what they have to say. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm opposed to the opening um, of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. Thank you. Thank you. I'm opposed to the uh, cannabis dispensary. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm opposed to the opening of the cannabis uh, dispensary. It's not good for the children. I am strongly opposed it. Thank you. 
嗌李慧珍啊，我反李李俊。誒，我反對博洛維一百號重大麻反對反對。I'm opposed to the dis the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. Strongly against it. Thank you. Thank you. 大家好，我叫鐘麗華，我住喺八一零。Good morning。我個佢個大麻店咧開個窗咧，啱啱係同我個窗咧係隔離。我有一個二十個月個啊 baby 個 granddaughter， 仲有一個係呢兩日要出生個 baby。我咧就係 please please 要睇保護嗰啲小朋友同埋啲老人家，好簡單。佢開嗰啲店咧個窗啱啱係同我隔離。係一牆一個牆之隔 ，peace peace 保護小朋友。我有一個二十個。你叫咩名？我叫我叫張麗雲。My name is John Wei Wan. I live uh literally just uh next to that uh cannabis dispensary, and my windows the uh literally just facing directly with the cannabis store of windows. So we are facing directly each other. So I hope that you listen to us and not to allow this happen to protect our next generation and our elderly. Thank you. And I have a, I have a baby and I have a, a, a pregnant woman also about to deliver. I want them to live in a safe area. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello， 大家好。誒，台山啊。誒，我嘅名係邝淑怡。Good afternoon, my name is Kwang Shui. 誒，我住喺三藩市唐人街。I live in Chinatown, San Francisco. 誒，我為了社區嘅安全，為了社區嘅安全。For the safety of the community. 為了我哋咧後一代孫仔孫女嘅身體健康。For the gen next generation, our children, our kids, for their health. I For their health purposes, I am against the opening of the cannabis dispensary. Oppose it. I'm opposed. Thank you. Hello. I'm against um, to the opening of the cannabis dispensary. I'm opposed to it. I'm opposed to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Hui Jing Lui. I'm against the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Sito Chiu-Yan. I'm against the opening of the cannabis dispensary because it's going to harm my next generation, my kids, my next and next generations. Thank you. Thank you. 我係 name 係李志坤書。My name is Li Kuan Shu. 
I'm against the opening of the cannabis dispensary and 100 Broadway. I'm against it. Thank you. My name is Wang Hoko. I live in uh, Chinatown. The opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway is going to impact us, impact our next generation. I'm strongly against it. Thank you. My I've been against the um, marijuana, the opening of the cannabis dispensary. It's not good for the younger generation. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name is Chen Wu. My name is Chen Wu. I'm I'm against the consumption of marijuana. I'm against the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. It's not good for the children. It's not good for the kids. The kids should be protected. We should protect the kids' health. Thank you. Can, if this interpreter specifically, could you please reiterate for persons to please be quiet and turn off their phones? No, no, Sorry, no, no, to, no, to the general public. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's keep going. My name is Sally Hong. Yeah, I'm against the uh, opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. We should protect the kids' health and safety. Thank you. I'm here against the opening of the cannabis uh, dispensary. We should do something for the next generation. We should uh, protect their health and safety. Thank you. My name is Yingko Lang. 
，再對我哋大家個身體健康有好大嘅影響，同埋尤其是咧對我哋下一代嘅青少年更加冇利，同埋呢個外表身體健康。About the opening of the cannabis dispensary, I think it's going to impact the community and next generation. We should protect next generation's health and safety. Let's go against it. Thank you. My name is Shenyan Sito. I oppose the opening of the cannabis dispensary. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Dip Tang Chun. I oppose the opening of the cannabis dispensary. These kind of things is totally useless. It's not beneficial. Thank you. Hello, 大家好，我系 May Liu Jiao. Hello, everyone. My name is May Liu Jiao. 我翻到一百号去大麻店，布罗维嗰度。I oppose the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway because it affects our next generation, our children. And I oppose. I oppose because it affects the health of our next generation. Thank you. Hello everyone, my name is Lu Ai Liang. I oppose the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. Absolutely oppose. Thank you. My name is Han Han E Li. I oppose the opening of a cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. I have to protect our family. We have to protect our children. And I oppose. Hello everyone, my name is Yu Yu Wu. I oppose the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. This is for the good of the community and this is good for, and I oppose for the good of the community and for the good of the children. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Ho Chiu Ji. I 
and from uh, came to uh, uh, San Francisco to join this meeting to oppose to the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. And this is for uh, the health, for the for the sake of our children, for the sake of the health of our next generation. Thank you. Hello, my name is Mei Hong Li. Yeah. I oppose the opening of the cannabis store. This is uh, not a good uh, way. Um, this is called this cause harm to the community. Thank you. Hello, hello, my name is Chiu Li. I oppose the opening of the cannabis store at 100 Broadway, and I oppose, I strongly oppose for the opening of this kind of business in our community and in the United States. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Li Ying Guan. I came from Chinatown and on, uh, from Broadway, Chinatown. We absolutely oppose to the opening of the cannabis store at 100 Broadway. So for the safety of our community and for the health and safety of our, genera of our next generation, we absolutely opposed to the opening of the cannabis store in uh, one, at 100 Broadway. We oppose. We so I plead with the commissioners to please consider the input from our community, the input from our Chinese community in Chinatown, that we should not open this cannabis store in Chinatown area on the Broadway. Go 
So we plead with you all uh, today. Uh, we have over 200 uh, folks from Chinatown area. Uh, we are here to ask for your consideration for the health of the community, for the health of our children, for the safety of the community. And we ask you uh, not approve it, this uh, business because today we have a lot of seniors. We came here in, in canes in wheelchairs and in this inclement weather, we all came out to voice our opinion and some of them are 80 years old and some of them are 90 years old and we are all here to oppose to the opening of this cannabis business. Hope Thank for you. your consideration. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. Well, That's your well, time. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Yan Zhen Li. I live in Chinatown. I strongly oppose to the opening of the cannabis store at 100 Broadway. I strongly oppose to the opening of the cannabis store at 100 Broadway because it affects the health uh, and especially the health of our children. So therefore, I strongly oppose and absolutely oppose. I hope that the commissioner and also uh, the officials will support us in the uh, opposition of the cannabis dispensary. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Miu Chun Ye. My name, my English name is Mao Chung Ye. I came here for this to join this meeting on all because of the good and health of our next generation. That's all. And I oppose this project. Okay. Because this is caused too much harm to the folks, to the community. Folks, if we can refrain from applause. I'm gonna have to ask again, everyone, please, can you ask people to please refrain from clapping and applause? 啊,聽你各位,等一下,聽你各位,唔好喺度特拍掌,亦都唔好喺度做啦啦對下。Thank you,聽你。OK,來,我來。你叫咩名先?劉威鳳。My because it affects the children, it affects all three generations' health. Please silence your phones. If you have a phone that's ringing, please silence it or answer it. Sorry, hold on. Please silence your phones. Thank you. 
Hold on just one second. Could you, in all three languages, let the people oh, okay, in the sure, over, sure, sure. no, 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 let the people in the overflow rooms tell them to come to room 400, uh -huh. who okay. might be outside okay. or downstairs. I come here to uh, join this meeting uh, to express my opposition to the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. And this is because uh, for the health of the family and for the goodness of uh, our children. And for this, I absolutely and strongly oppose. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Please do not open the cannabis dispensary. I'm against it. Please, please consider and reconsider. Please do not approve it. Thank you. Strongly against the opening of the cannabis dispensary at 100 Broadway. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Fong Lao Wan. I'm against, I'm strongly against the opening of the cannabis dispensary. That's okay. it. Thank you. Hello, I'm against the opening of the uh, 100 Broadway uh, cannabis dispensary because it's going to affect the next generation, affect the health and the uh, kids. <laughs> Thank you. And they are my name is Lee Fang Wang. Today I joined the meeting and uh, I am opposed to the opening of the cannabis dispensary. Uh, 
I am hoping that the commissioners all um, the commissioners will consider uh, our opinions, our voices, and uh, please consider and disapproving the um, cannabis opening of the cannabis dispensary. I'm strongly against it, and I will fight until the end if it gets approved. My name is Madeline Trembley, and I am the Gateway Tenant Association President. I am here to basically share with you that many of our multicultural, very senior people are looking forward to this cannabis lounge for many, many different reasons, but mainly medicinal. We have made a lot of studies and in fact worked with many Chinese uh, doctors that have basically helped us with cannabis because cannabis called ma, and in fact in Chinese, has existed a very, very long time, almost 2,000 years. So we know a lot about cannabis. Um, the vote, uh, I mean, the law was accepted in 19, what was it, uh, 2006, by 74% of San Franciscans. Nothing Mr. Michelson has done is against the law. So we would be very, very grateful at the gateway that you take this in consideration. We are 1,256 homes. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm uh, Li Kuanying. I'm here, I'm here today to strongly oppose having the uh, cannabis dispensary open at 100 Broadway. I strongly oppose. This will harm our next generations. So strongly oppose. Thank you. Madam President, members of the commission staff, I'm Alec Bash. I used to work at planning 25 years ago for 25 years. I'm now a vice president for external matters at the Gateway Association. You've heard from our president, Madeline Trimley, already. We have many people who would really benefit from the consumption lounge there. They have reasons where they do not wish to use alcohol or other substances like that. I also chair our safety and security committee, and as, as was mentioned earlier, under 101 California Street, having more foot traffic, having more eyes on the street, all that helps bring safety to the area. We have a very active committee dealing with that. We work with other of the allied uh, the patrol forces that help at the Golden Gateway and the Gateway Commons, we sincerely believe that having guards in the area and having more lights and having more security cameras would be very helpful. We're working with the SF Safe program to bring a security camera program into our area, and we believe this would be a wonderful adjunct to it. Thank you. Thank you.
Hello, uh, my name is Selena Chu, and I'm here today um, because I want to let you know the uneducated, misinformed, and the racist that Ms. Tanner and you know mentioned last time. They're here again. They're, there might be some of them might be uneducated, but they know better what's right for the community, what's right for San Francisco, and unfortunately, it's too close to our schools, too close to services that serve our children. Um, a, a lady mentioned earlier the Chinese use uh, marijuana hemp for thousands of years. Yes, the Chinese Americans are out here to tell you it's too close. It's too close is ventilating into our children uh, spaces where children plays. This is not right. You have the um, um, you have the you have the power to protect all children, not only some children, but all children. It should not be only K to 12. It's all children that needs your protection. I grew up in the poverty. I know how it feels to not have Thank you, parents that is love your me. Time. You are here to, it's your responsibility. We, we beg you to please consider Thank you, that's your time. Thank you. Hi, my name's Winnie Fong. I'm a retired preschool teacher. I strongly oppose to open a marijuana store at 100 Broadway. That near schools and lots of children and youth around. In San Francisco, there are more marijuana school, I mean, uh, stores than grocery stores already. We don't need more. During the time I was, uh, I was teaching children, I had seen children were affected by their drugs from their time um, they were in their mom's uh, pre uh, pregnancy. Those children had poor concentration to learn, had uh, uh, bad temper and uncontrolled behavior. Since those children had poor social skill, they were n um, not really so happy most of the time. Most of the, t most of the people sitting in this room are um, against to open a uh, more uh, drugstore. Please help our next generation. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Sherry. I don't know why we are here against opposed this marijuana campus so many times. And you community, uh, commissioner don't care no matter how many people against it and opposed it. It seems like City Hall is holding this meeting because you want to, because you are going to rubber stamp this proposal. We feel that we are not hurt. We strongly oppose cannabis shop at 100 Broadway. According to CDC, marijuana is a schedule one narcotic. It is addictive and bad for our health. Please consider our speaking, okay? Thanks. Hi, commissioners. Uh, thank you for hearing us out today. Um, uh, my name is Lefteris Leftedu, and I represent the opposition, but I don't think it has to be an either or situation. I think we can work with the city, the dispensary owners, and the community. I think the community, the residents that live in these vicinities where the dispensaries are, we're like a barometer, a sensor perhaps, that gives you feedback and 
information that you can use in your decision. So maybe if we just kind of uh, increase the buffer zone or kept the dispensaries um, uh, like included pre-K and daycare centers in that 600 foot buffer zone, the residents would feel happier and you could still roll out the dispensaries, but in a more thoughtful and careful manner so that everyone is kind of content. Um, hope that helps. Thank you very much. Ma'am, it's not your time to speak yet. Your time to speak will be after we finish public comment. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Leanna Louie, and I'm here to strongly oppose the opening of a cannabis shop at 100 Broadway Street. Medical marijuana has been legal for many years, and so many Dispensaries are already available and you can order this online. Why do we need another one at 100 Broadway where it's so close to daycares and senior centers? U.S. commissioners represent the interests of San Franciscans and not that of special interests or that of the cannabis industry. You saw the amount of opposition here today, many of them 80, 90 years old. They have a hard time coming here, but they came here because it really matters to them. If you approve this application today, we have reason to believe that there might be secret money going around from the cannabis industry. It is not right to call us ignorant or claim that we're racist. We are not. We came here because of science and because of love. Scientifically speaking, CDC classify marijuana as a Schedule I narcotic. It is highly addictive substance. Thank you, it is the that gateway is of time. drugs. Vote no today. Thank you. I think we may have exhausted our chamber speakers. Oh. Unless, if there's Last anybody call for public comment uh, in the chambers. We do have some remote callers. Yeah. Any other member of the public in the chamber wishing to submit their testimony? Uh, I should be the Cantonese, okay, somebody Cantonese. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. My name is Yan Kim Kim. I oppose to open a marijuana store. Because why? That place is 那些學生就在出入,這個小學啊,這個小孩就出入,我覺得它是一個理由,我看看,所以我堅決反對。Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, because uh, uh, once the marijuana uh, store uh, open, uh, it uh, will affect the uh, uh, traffic uh, in this uh, area, and then for sure it will affect um, the student and also the uh, um, youth uh, here. Okay, thank you. I oppose to open the store. Thank you. Okay, 
If there are no more members of the public in the chambers wishing to submit their comments, let's go to our remote callers. Yes, this is Bram Goodwin. Uh, I'm a 40-year resident of San Francisco. I'm a senior. I'm a medical cannabis patient. And I support 100 Broadway. There are no other uh, cannabis stores that have consumption in the area. In fact, the only places we can legally do it is downtown. I would like to go to North Beach and be able to consume. Please say, please deny this and let this store open. Thank you. Hello, my name is Sam Patel. I've worked with Lawrence Michelson for many years and can speak to his character. He's a great community member and an excellent operator. As you have all heard from his presentation, he cares a great deal uh, for the safety and the concerns of the neighborhood. And for these reasons, I advocate for him. And it's my opinion you should approve this project. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jimmy. I'm in the position of opening the dispensary. I'm a parent of the kids that go to the daycare. Uh, I voice the uh, majority of the parents' uh, uh, um, opinion from the daycare, who, uh, and I hope that the, the democratic and decision will be made and people's uh, voice will be heard. I wanted to ch touch up on some of the benefits that were mentioned. Uh, which is, I think, up to dispute. Uh, you can clearly, you, all you have to do is pull up your phone right now and look at the cannabis stores and look at San Francisco's map and you will see that majority of them is in the Tenderloin, Tenderloin district, which we all know that needs uh, more work in terms of safety and diversity diversified in the neighborhood. So I don't think that's necessarily true that it will bring a lot of benefits. Uh, I am not opposing anybody opening any business, but it, it Thank you. That is your time. Hello there. Hello there, can you hear me? We certainly can. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, President Tanner, Vice President Moore, and all planning commissioners. My name is Chen Yin Lee, and I'm opposed to the 100 uh, Broadway project. Uh, the owners did attempt to have a good neighbor meeting, and seeing that they provided language support is false. They attempted to have a random individual less than preschool Chinese assist, which only resulted in disrespect and belittling against our community. And that was the cause of the hostility. We had no idea what they were saying. And while initially it seemed like a good faith effort in trying to connect with our community, on February 9th, a self-identified owner related to the 100 Broadway project decided the best way forward was to make a racist, language discriminating, xenophobic public comment against our community. This confirms to me that there was never really intention to have a good neighbor meeting, but really just to check us off in a box as shown in this PowerPoint. Given this information, I am fully opposed to having this racist, language discriminating, xenophobic business open in our community and urge commissioners to not allow them to do any business in our city. 
The Civil Rights Act of 1964 provides for equal access for limited English proficiency. The Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed in 1943, yet here we are still fighting for the right to participate in our government. Thank you, sir. That is your time. Hello? 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 Yes. Yes. I would like to make a public comment uh, opposed to the cannabis on 100 Broadway. Person Chinese audience 67.7-1. Any public notice that is mailed, post, or published by a city government should be written in plain, easily understood English. The notice should inform the resident of the proposed activity. But the notice with the word cannabis in the notice is not in plain, easily understood English. And the notice should inform the resident of the proposed activity, but it is not stated in the project activity for in the four language page. So it's violation of Sunshine Ordinance for public notice requirement 67.7-1. And also the preschool, childcare, center nearby, and school expertorium, et cetera, is just a couple blocks away from the site. So youth easily exposed to cannabis. So facility serving youth under 18 should be protected, should reinstate back to the old regulation. Be protected and should be reinstated back into 1,000 Thank you, but that is your time. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Oh, thank you. Hello. I, I live in this neighborhood. I suffer from an ailment that requires cannabis as, safe, as a safe alternative over, over harmful pharmaceuticals. I need access to my medicine. Contrary to some of the beliefs here, I believe this business will actually help keep our kids safer. The number one way that children gain access to cannabis is by finding it in their parents' home. This facility will give responsible adults a safe place outside of their homes to consume cannabis far away from their children, therefore creating a safer community for all of our kids. The fact is crime actually goes down in areas where these businesses exist. This retail operation will also create much-needed living wage jobs and help clean up our streets by eliminating black market activity and be a net positive for our community. This is an underserved part of San Francisco, and our residents overwhelmingly approve safe access. I urge you to respect the will of the voters and consider patients like myself who need this medicine and please approve this project. Thank you. Hello? Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. You're able to hear me? Thank you. Uh, I'm concerned about the violation of the Sunshine Ordinance uh, because uh, cannabis is a medical term, and it uh, isn't plain English. I believe it should have been marijuana. Also, the languages that were used in the public notice, despite the fact that they did use some uh, foreign languages, they didn't include, include the, the details of the activity, the planned activity in the foreign language, which is another violation of the Sunshine Ordinance. I'm concerned that there is already oversaturation. There's more than enough stores available in San Francisco to go around. And I'm also concerned that such a large demographic of um, the Asian population is seemingly being disregarded, especially during, and especially during the time when there's so much violence against Asians in general here in San Francisco. And it's alarming that somebody somehow stand alongside of this. It's, and a bit, it's, a, it's a bit abhorrent. So I think the, 
it should really be reviewed strongly. Thank you. That is your time. Hi there. My name is Carol Lundy, and I am a parent of a Tungloff preschooler. And the regulation states that no cannabis location should be opened within 600 feet of a school, which is K to 8. And I think that Larry has taken advantage of this loophole with these being preschools and not under the K to, K to 12 jurisdiction. And I think the regulation should be changed, that it should include preschools. But until that time, really opposed to this cannabis location. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hi, everyone. So I'm presenting. I'm the, I'm the parent of a child that goes to Tongnos Preschool. Um, I'm here to oppose this project because um, just seeing, like, I want to protect my kids and also just seeing how many um, seniors have been, like, stand up for their grandchildren because they're they are also the ones that go to pick up their kids, too. Um, just being seeing how many um, senior attack, um, I wonder like, well, this like this can be one of the reasons why they're so afraid and they get traumatized by just all those violence um, that has happened. And also being a parent of like the childcare, um, like kids that go to the childcare, like most of the teacher, I would say like 90% or 80, like almost 100% that teacher are females in the school, and I don't want them to be always be worried that they also need to watch the kids and also afraid that anything's going to happen right outside of the center, too. So Thank I'm you. here to oppose this. Of this neighborhood, an advocate for the responsible use of cannabis. I strongly believe that having a cannabis store at 100 Broadway in San Francisco would benefit both locals and visitors alike. Not only would it provide access to safe and regulated cannabis products, but it would also generate jobs and tax revenue for the city. Furthermore, it would help destigmatize the use of cannabis and promote education around responsible consumption. Overall, a cannabis store at 100 Broadway would be a valuable addition to our community, and I urge decision makers to seriously consider this proposal. Thank you. Hello,我想你所講中文啊。你講啊。啊,好啊。我想話呢,呢個我同你反對呢個,嗯,辦案案。同埋呢,係根據陽光條例呢,六十七點七一S1,誒,嗰個指政府呢,用嘅張貼
the government uh, supposed uh, to have the notice in uh, uh, other language, not only just the English. Yeah, so a lot of uh, people, they don't know uh, English. Uh, they have no idea about uh, this, uh, um, uh, this um, Miranda store. And also the language uh, on the notice they use is not, uh, uh, is not uh, um, official uh, language uh, for Marana. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a, like a general uh, uh, language. So a uh, lot of people, they don't know, uh, they don't understand uh, what uh, marijuana and cannabis uh, mean, and also they don't understand what the activity uh, around in this community. Thank you, that is your time. Yeah, uh, according uh, to the uh, government file, uh, actually there's uh, over 120 marijuana um, uh, store uh, in the city. Uh, I just don't understand why uh, our city needs so many marijuana uh, store is saturated. Go ahead, caller. Hello, caller. You want to submit your call or your testimony? Okay, let's take the next caller. Hello. Yes. Uh, I need to translate. Um 这个身心健康呢，正面临着种种的问题哈。那大麻店开在这个这个对面哈，我们家的对面哈，那这样哈，我是反对的哈。所以呢，呃，希望政府能够比较一下好处坏处哈，这样来慎重的决定哈。谢
don't like that they use the preschool daycare loopholes to choose this facility and the communication to said preschool was shady and not transparent to say the least. Thank you. Hello, I'd like to thank the commissioners for the time. Um, I, I would like to approve support my, for this application. It's obvious the city is suffering from very high commercial vacancies. This is an opportunity to approve the application for a legal business that's zoned appropriately. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't. It does exactly what the supervisors, Chamber of Commerce, and the mayor ask everyone to do, which is get everyone downtown, diversify the business environment, get workers back into the offices. I see no reason not to approve it. Thank you. Go ahead, caller. Let's go to the next caller. Hello, my name is Jane Gardner. I'm a lifelong resident uh, of the area, and uh, I absolutely approve uh, these applications. Um, uh, it's, it's a legal it's a legal business and uh, I also believe uh, diversification uh, in the area is needed um, and, and it's also very much needed for medical use I also happen to know Larry Michelson he's an outstanding person uh, very uh, high moral character uh, I uh, absolutely hope uh, that uh, you guys pass the application thank you very much Hi, my name is Lucia. Um, I am a resident of the San Francisco County and I'm calling in support for the 100 Broadway project. I've known and worked alongside Lawrence Michelson for 12 years in cannabis and can attest to his character, integrity, and the delivery of his word in all of his past, current, and future projects. Thank you. Hello? Yes. Yes. Looking for the record of cannabis office. There are over 120 cannabis stores citywide in the records already. Some of them is operating already and some in processing. So some district is oversaturated of cannabis store and some doesn't really have it, not very allocated geographically. So we understand that city needs revenue, not just by setting rules for items like hiring, security, and the site tracking ID for the entrance ID, petrol. Patrolling 50 feet only, something like that. But those rules really protecting the youth? Are those considering concerns and protection for the youth? And have concern on the youth and the side effect on people as well. In fact, many people are having habits from the odor of cannabis as well. And in fact, I'm one of them. Smelling on the street and even neighbor smoking, I have had it already. In fact, does the city really need those many cannabis stores for people who need to use it? Besides, people can do online ordering for cannabis if needed, besides current operating cannabis store. So, hope city will 
Thank you. That is your time. I'm calling in to support the uh, approval of 100 Broadway. I think that it's very important to have a safe place for medical marijuana to be consumed. I think that it's giving an opportunity for the community to have job openings um, and diversify the area. I am strongly in support of this and I genuinely hope this is passed. Yeah, hi, this is Patrick. I'm calling in support of 100 Broadway. Um, I think granting this permit is critical for the reestablishment of people coming downtown. Um, the pandemic's just destroyed that whole area, and this is one of the businesses that can help revitalize the downtown community. Thank you. Hello. Go ahead. Yes. Good afternoon. My name is Justina Perry, and I'm calling to share my support for 100 Broadway. It is essential that we have cannabis access safe for patients in the Broadway location, and I am in 100% support of this retail shop opening up. Thank you. Hi, um, as a member of this community, I strongly support this project and I believe that this project is going to create a positive impact for all of our members. I am a mother of two young children and I do sympathize with the concerns about protecting our youth. But the number one reason that I support this project is because by providing a safe space to consume, it's actually gonna protect our children and keep our children safe by keeping cannabis off the streets, out of their view and out of their hands. Besides being a mother, I'm a business professional and I work in a building that is right next door to an already existing dispensary. When that dispensary opened, I noticed that the entire block actually felt safer because of the increase in security, which deterred crime in the vicinity, and I strongly support this project. Thank you. Hello? Yes. How are you? Uh, Okay,你可以說。我想麻煩啲政府官員呢,將嗰啲學校啊,細路仔啊,嗰啲學兒所啊,有關嗰啲長所啊,服務嗰啲細路仔特發記下嘅呢,將佢劃分到規例呢,就
考慮商人個觀點同你去賺號賺錢個角度去睇，即係希望佢哋真係考慮對居民嗰個觀點去睇咯，即係嗰以佢哋官員個。OK， 你等一陣。So I understand that I, I am not here to oppose uh, marijuana, uh, marijuana dispensary or having uh, allowing the marijuana, but uh, I understand also there's a medical reason uh, needed for the marijuana. But the thing is, uh, in order to protect our youth, it's not just like having them to um, the distance away from 50 feet or something. That's not really protecting our uh, children and our youth. 你可以繼續。係啊，咁誒多謝佢考慮，咁同埋咧，佢真係嗰個誒新加坡年薪係六十七點七一啊 ，OK 係六十七點七一，唔係好高。誒，或者你講多次六十七點七 ，Can I ask her to emphasize again sixty seven point seven one? What she meant by that? It's a code section. Okay, so we're familiar. Okay, so. Okay, what they did also so so here again uh, hope you consider reconsider having the distance uh, extend the distance. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Austin Stewart. I'm a neighbor of 100 Broadway uh, and I strongly support this application for cannabis use. I've known Lawrence for years and uh, can tell you he's a community leader and cares about the city that he lives in and grew up in. Cannabis is medicine, and it would be criminal to keep medicine from the people in the area who need it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to ask the um, translators to, for one last time, re announce that this is the last call for public comment. Uh, if you're in the chambers, please come forward. If you're calling in re remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. This is the last call for public comment. 咁而家咧係最後一次作公眾發言噶啦。咁如果你係需要公眾發言嘅話，你就要誒點誒撳星號三舉手啦，誒作公眾發言嘅。好，這一次是這個最後一次公眾發言咯，哈，這是最後一次機會了台前咧就係最後一個機會，安群咧公眾發誒發表你嘅意見噶。如果你係愛群嘅話，意響你咧，你就出來；如果你係誒網上咧，你就可以劍啊依個劍個頂同埋個三度，或者你按你嘅誒熒幕鈴鬼燒，可就得啦。Thank you, appreciate that. Let's take the remaining remote callers. Let's go to our remote callers. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Uh, my name is Jane. I'm uh, adamantly opposed to this dispensary opening. Um, my question for you, the planning commissioners and the city, uh, by allowing this business to have a consumption lounge, um, will you or the business owners be responsible for any accidents? caused by your clients or customers who walk out of the business or drive uh, while high. Will you be responsible for that? Does that conclude your comments, ma'am? Um, I also want to address the woman who mentioned that the Chinese have used uh, cannabis for 
consumption uh, for herbs. Um, they have used it, but not in the way that uh, the community in San Francisco wants to use it. Um, it was used for <laughs> uh, other things, not for um, the consumption of-, of Thank you, uh, ma'am. That is your time. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hansen, and I approve the use of this building for a legal business that will bring diversity to the downtown. There's a high vacancy factor in San Francisco, and if we don't fill the buildings with people that go to the office and bring people to the area, we'll have more small businesses that will not survive, and we'll have an even more white in the area. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, caller. Thanks for having me on. My name is Michael. I'm a local resident, and I am calling in support of this application um, at 100 Broadway. Uh, I think it's incredibly important to have safe access to medicine, and it's been proven to be a medicine for people with PTSD, people who are addicted to strong pharmaceuticals, and provide safe access, especially at a time where illicit black market drugs are more dangerous than ever is really important. Uh, we also need more economic stimulus in that area, and I think this would help bring jobs, it would help bring local tax revenue up, um, and it would increase foot traffic in that area, which would be a positive thing. So thank you for having me. Ms. Peng. Oh, hi. Am I on? You thank are. You. Oh, thank you. I thought I was not allowed to. Okay, thank you. Well, I think there is a happy compromise somewhere. Now, if a person requires medical marijuana, it, obviously I, we are in support of it. The concern is somehow the marijuana, because of the facility to use, the young people get hold of it. And there is the claims that they get it from the home or through illegal means are not supported by any strong evidence. However, the strong evidence is the adverse effects on youth, marijuana in a cognitive development and academic performances are well published and irrefutable. So I urge the commissioners to consider the well-being of our next generation and not allow marijuana dispensaries to be so close to youth-serving facilities. There has to be a happy compromise to satisfy both parties without upsetting local residents. So Thank you, that is your time. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, that concludes public comment. DR requester, whoever wants to go first, you have a two-minute rebuttal. Anybody Ed, representing Mr. Sue or representing YMCA wants to speak for two minutes? You have a two-minute rebuttal, if you care to use it. The person if who you, requested discretionary review wants to speak. We have two DR requesters. Ma'am, you got up and you wanted to speak. Go ahead. 
You have a this two is your time. Rebuttal. You have two minutes. Yes. Actually, Elite asked Miss Magazine. I know there will be high pay taxes, benefits for government, and also Mr. Magazine also have the his business success. Success, but please. Ask me, ask us, uh, please tell us what you really want to bring to our community. That's the key issue. You cannot sacrifice our life to fulfill your business success. It's unfair. And also most of us is seniors, women and children there. If they just leave us anxiety, panic, Please leave us alone. Please just just choose another fateful location for his business. Of course, we support the med medical use of marijuana, but not this place. Please change to another one. Since, my dear commissioner, since since Mr. Michelson, the business sponsor, they violation the regulation, the good po labor policy, they didn't finish that because if they finish that, they will ask us what commitments they should make for us, but they didn't. So that's the proof. They didn't finish their good labor policy. They actually, they didn't finish any communicate with us. Before this commission, before this hearing, there's, there's two meetings between the sponsor with us. One is September 16th, 2022. Another one is 10, 27. And one is held by YMCA. Another one is held by CCDC. So, and the sponsor- Thank you, ma'am, but that is your time. The last sentence. The sponsor denoted an unwillingness to meet with us proactively. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Okay, second DR requester. I don't know if there's anyone here representing the YMCA anymore. Do we know? No. Okay, DR requester, you have a two minute rebuttal. I think, I think we're gonna have to go back to the sponsor. I don't see anybody for the second DR. Right. Oh, yeah. You said, if you said DR requester oh, I'm again, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Like, so, Mr. Michelson, uh, if you and anyone from your team wants to have, you have two minutes to respond. You have a two-minute rebuttal. Thank you. Um, thank you again, uh, Planning Commission. Um, thank you, Madam President. Um, for Thank you for taking all this time today um, to hear all of us out on behalf of this matter. Um, um, there's not really too much more I could say except what I've already presented today to you guys. Um, I've really put my best foot forward. I've done my best to reach out to the community um, on multiple occasions. Um, there were issues with mailers. Um, uh, as soon as those issues of mailers were raised to me and uh, Andy Chu requested that I meet, um, there was actually no delay at all of my phone calls to Andy, my phone calls to Maggie uh, with the CCDC. Um, I was very prompt with my response. I was very prompt to host a video call. I was very prompt to attend a meeting um, per request. Um, I reached out to multiple um, other buildings, such as the, the Gateway, the Barbary, and hosted many meetings and many opportunities for the community to speak. 
Um, I really hope that the Planning Commission stand behind the rules that have been set forth as a city, as, a super, as supervisors in our district, and that we move this project and approve it um, with the three conditions that were provided to me earlier today. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, with that, that concludes the public hearing portion. And this matter is now before you, commissioners. Thank you. Before we go much further, I do just want to thank all of our interpretation staff um, for doing excellent work today. We really um, could not do this without you, so thank you so much for your time and your efforts. And um, you're becoming familiar faces here, so um, we're, we're happy to, to certainly have you all here. Um, commissioners, I'm happy to start us off, but if anyone feels moved to, I'm willing to let anyone kick us off. But. All right, it's not seeing anybody jumping um, at the first bite. I will uh, ask a few questions of the uh, perhaps staff first, Mr. Foster, if you could help convince me that DPH rules are sufficient to clean the air that is going to be filtered out of the smoking lounge. Tell me a bit about that. I'll do my best uh, reciting chapter and verse of the public health code, not the planning code. It's uh, public health code chapter 8, subsection A. The layperson version is there are there are technical metrics by which the air has to be fil filtered to a very high standard. There are public health experts that work in public health that actually do these monitoring uh, tests, uh, mitigation tests after the fact, after the permit's actually been approved. Um, I will note uh, consumption lounges, uh, albeit somewhat rare, you don't see a lot of them in your your in this chambers. Um, they're actually reviewed on an individual basis by the director of public health. So there's an extra level of scrutiny there and. The code articulates in very specific, I mean, I can chap, recite chapter and verse of their code. Can you describe maybe at a summary level the monitoring that happens post-construction? Is that ongoing? Is it just one time? How does that happen over time? Do you well, know? Well, in, in terms of the, the permit issuance, so an actual uh, Department of Public Health uh, staff person will actually review the plans to review the HVAC equipment that's being proposed on a very, very specific, we're talking building permit level, construction drawing set. Um, if that, is, if that meets the actual merits of what's being proposed and actually will filter the air at the sufficient, again, high threshold level, that will be permitted. Once it's, once it's actually permitted and post-construction, typical inspections are, are conducted by both DBI and deep in uh, public health. Does it happen as the, as the um, dispensary is operating, though, or is it just kind of like you know, one sign-off you know, in the future? Is there any checkup or maybe complaint-based or something? Yeah, I, I, wanna, I would, would not want to say something erroneous on the record. My knowledge is, at the very least, it would also be complaint-driven, but you know, if you so choose to want to add a condition to have a spot check at a six-month mark, a one-year mark, um, again, I can pull up the actual public health code and okay. Just, we stay, in our, we stay in our jurisdiction and we let our colleagues do their job. But Great, thank sure. you, Mr. Foster. Mr. Michelson, I have questions for you about the filtration. In your slide presentation, the image that you showed seemed to indicate that the vent is in fact, based on the images I could tell, venting near to or into the courtyard. Could you explain that location um, of the vents that would be attached to the smoking lounge? Correct, so that is um, an exterior vent. Um, that is not the vent that will be used to exhaust um, the smoke or um, vapor from the smoking lounge. So um, the fact that it is positioned at, um, in the back area of 810 battery, um, this will not be the actual vent of where that smoke will come from from the smoking lounge. Where would the lounge vent? Um, we have not yet finalized our uh, mechanical and engineering plan, but we will make sure that is not one of the access points for that. 
Okay. I mean, that may be something else we consider commissioners is thinking about, you know, no way can it go into the courtyard by any means. It would be my um, two cents on that. Um, okay. And then this, let's talk about your display cases. Um, actually, if you can sit down, Mr. Foster, question for you around the displays. I was curious to see that the plans as presented have the displays along the window. And I thought one of our regulations was that we cannot see any product from the windows. And I walked by the site the other day, and so it just seems like that location would be primed to view, especially if they're glass-topped cases, to view things. Now, granted, if you move them across the way on the opposite wall, then maybe you can still see it um, because we have also transparency requirements. So I'm just wondering how we are understanding compliance with the code if the display case are oriented uh, adjacent to the windows. Sure. Thanks for the question. So it's not actually a code. It's, it's more of regulation. So we have, we have much like our storefront transparency guidelines, we have, trans, we have transparency guidelines and operational guidelines for cannabis use. Um, <clears throat> said simple, there's a transparency zone that is four feet above grade to whatever the height of the, the, the top of the first floor is. That is the transparency zone, and that must remain free and clear. That's actually measured from an active use standpoint in terms of the total linear building frontage. Four feet to grade can actually be blocked by any number of obstructions and so forth. Um, by, by virtue of actually having display cases turn their back, if you will, to the street and to show product not to the public and to patrons that is actually desirable. Um, I had advised the project sponsor to actually push them further away from the actual window of the storefront itself by at least four feet, hopefully fenestrate it with plants or something that maintains active use. Um, we could certainly work with the project sponsor on that. But there's sort of a balancing act there between meeting our very emphasis strict active use requirements of the planning code, which we, that's something we fight for all the time because we want to be able to see into storefronts. But you, to be fair, we have sort of, I would argue, competing guidelines and interests here where we have a use that is somewhat not normalized, and so we're trying to provide privacy for patrons to go in there. Um, I will note the consumption lounge very clearly in the public health code very specifically says that the consumption lounge shall not be visible from the public. We interpret that to be the public realm, hence why we ask for a 42-inch pony wall with opaque glass, which allows for light and air, but also provides pri privacy for patrons who don't want to be viewed from the public realm. Great. And while you're here, can you talk sure. to us a little bit about the public noticing? We did hear some comments about that. Certainly the project sponsor's own uh, mailer, which I think is not necessarily required by code, but sounds like something we're doing to promote. That's one thing. But what did we send out as a department? What are our translation um, policies with our notices? So to my knowledge, the, the 311 notice went out, met all of our legal standard definitions and guidelines for standard noticing, uh, trilingual notice. The, the use is pulled from a, a pre-selected bucket of uses such as office, cannabis, residential, and so forth. Um, it's in my, Miss Wadi can correct me if I'm mistaken, and I think it's very intentionally short and sweet to not sort of over embellish our, you know, the English language into other languages, non-English languages. Um, so it absolutely met the letter of the law in terms of notification for 311 purposes. Um, if the project sponsor provided additional supplemental not notification to, comp to community members, staff was not aware of that. And if there was obviously a translation issue, um, I. I would imagine that wasn't the project sponsor's intent, and obviously it's unfortunate, but. Great, thank you, I'm satisfied with that. Uh, Mr. Michaelson, another question for you, please. Um, could you talk about the necessity of the lounge, and you know, if the lounge were to not be included in this project, would this project still be viable? Yeah, definitely. So um, the primary focus of the lounge was definitely based on my analysis of the neighborhood. Um, the neighborhood, which had a tremendous amount of apartment buildings. Um, and condo buildings. Um, there's not a lot of single-family residential homes there, 
where people can consume cannabis, whether it be medical purposes, whether it be recreational purposes. Also, one of the biggest challenges that I saw and faced in the area was that, you know, we did hear about preschools and children that do walk the area and do walk by. Um, with the abundance of the amount of cannabis that is smoked outside and consumed because there is not enough smoking lounges in San Francisco, um, this was our really presentation to most of the community. Most of the community was definitely a little bit um, taken back by um, um, a dispensary in, in their kind of area. Um, and after several months of explanation about cannabis and education, a lot of people in some of these buildings don't know too much about cannabis, um, either from um, um, different countries, either um, age. Um, and so I, I did quite a bit of education around cannabis and its benefits. And once people kind of had a better understanding of cannabis who weren't aware, were extremely compelled to have this ability to smoke not in their home, to consume not in their home, which they could potentially be forced and evicted and kicked out in that area. So I, I think it's a key part of the dispensary um, in that area, considering It's a key the, part, but is it still the business still viable without the lounge? I, I believe it will be very challenging. I, I believe that's what will draw the local community to there versus, um, you know, like a DoorDash or something like that, that would um, be able to come from outside of San Francisco and not support our local economy. Okay. I do want to point out that's somewhat different than what you told me. You said that the lounge would be, that, that you felt the lounge was kind of an add-on and that no money was to be made on the lounge. No um, money is to be made on the lounge. We don't charge uh, people to come and sit in the lounge or smoke in the lounge. So it's not an added um, revenue stream for us but I think it's a key benefit to the community in that particular area. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Um, commissioners, I'll just summarize my comments to say I'm a little bit divided here. Certainly, um, you've heard me say many, many times that I, I, uh, I think the buffers need to be adjusted. I have concerns around preschools and other youth serving activities being nearby to um, cannabis dispensaries. Nonetheless, we have approved and I have supported the approval of many dispensaries that were um, in proximity to youth serving activities and to um, preschools license and otherwise. That said, uh, you know, that's the law that we are administering today. Um, this is a code compliant area. This is actually in a green zone. It's not even a, a CU, which we commonly see here. And so even the threshold for considering that I think is a little bit different. I would say, you know, I, I would welcome your thoughts on whether or not the lounge is amenable to you and acceptable in this. And I could force, I would support not having the lounge, but I also could, you know, hear arguments for it. Um, certainly, if the lounge is there, I think we need to specify something around the venting. I think that courtyard has got to be completely off limits in terms of anywhere that any kind of vent can be connected from that lounge um, because it's just, you know, that's into the residential area. It's nearby to the, the play area for the kids. I also would support pushing the display cases. Maybe it's three feet, five feet from the window so that there is kind of a buffer zone and uh, requesting plantings or something else to kind of make sure that the product is not visible from the street, um, but continue to have the display cases facing uh, the same way, just push back a little bit um, in the storefront. Um, so those are my initial uh, thoughts. In addition to, of course, I, I think overall, you know, as staff had recommended now, taking DR in order to adopt the added conditions of approval. Um, and I, I guess I would only add, you know, one thing that had crossed my mind is, you know, if there are some concerns around folks consuming cannabis and then exiting the facility, perhaps there could be a time limit on the amount of time folks can spend in the, in the lounge. And maybe it's an hour long limit to try to limit the amount of cannabis that could be consumed in that time and kind of create some, some buffers and some limitations on um, the level of uh, perhaps cannabis that one could consume at the lounge. So those are my initial thoughts and I'll turn it over now to Commissioner Imperial. 
Thank you, President Tanner. I think you brought up really good issues as well. Um, in terms of the, um, actually one of my question to the project sponsor in terms of the community relations staff, um, is the community relations staff um, bilingual or are you planning to, or it looks like Daniel Golick, um, are you, is, is this uh, person No, she um, is not bilingual, um, uh, speaks English. Oh, okay. Um, but if we do need translation for something, we're more than happy to, you know, um, uh, find translation yeah. for certain benefit or for certain members of the community if needed, and we'd be more than happy to do that. Yeah, I would suggest to, um, to hire if Daniel Golick is going to be the community liaison to also have a translation um, on site, whether on site or as part of, you know, if there are complaints or, you know, part of communications. So perhaps invest on the translation as well. Definitely, just we'd be more than happy to do that. And then um, mm -hmm. just, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the, um, actually, I am supportive of the on site lounge. Um, have, Oh, no, I don't have any question for you. Um, I'm actually supportive of having the on-site lounge in um, in this you know in this area, given that the um, also the size of this you know of this space as well. I mean, I think it is um, equipped for that. Um, and also, I share with the other sympathies of other um, of the people who live nearby as well. Um, it is, you know, prone for eviction as well in terms of non-smoking. So I do think that it is beneficial for the community to have it. Um, I would um, do share concern in terms of the vent um, with you, Commissioner Tanner. I think um, if the um, if us in the staff works with the Department of Public Health into relocating some of the venting where it is not um, you know, um, it's not close to the courtyard area of the nearby preschool. Um, and so I, in terms of the, the product, I think that is something that um, kind of, I'm not sure how really to, um, to balance that. Um, there is part of us that, yes, it is an active use that we need to have that. Um, so yeah, I don't necessarily have a preference for it, but in general, I do find the good neighbor policy actually extensive, and and I think the, um, the you know the project sponsor in actually putting more than what usually other dispensaries would put um, in terms of adequate lighting, um, adding more um, signs as well. Um, again, in terms of the, the good neighbor policy, um, it looks like, and I think I, you know, in terms of the, the, um, the Chinatown YMCA comment about, you know, it's not just the business that they, you know, okay, that's good that you're providing um, security or, you know, um, committee ambassador in your business, but what about the nearby? Because it looks like the Chinatown YMCA is one block away from you, so, um, you know, um, I'm not sure if there's a committee ambassador around this area, because usually there will be committee ambassadors um, that would walk around this, you know. In South of Market, I know there are committee ambassadors that walk around. Uh, I'm not particularly, um, you know, well aware about this, but, um, you know, I would encourage the prop you know, property sponsor to also perhaps in, in the next block or two to provide that kind of like walking around as part of the safety plan too. Um, so that's my comments. Um, I mean, general support of this. And yes, 
Um, I think we've had a lot of discussions for the public to know that we've had a lot of discussions about the feet and you know the the um, the vicinity area around the childcare centers and that we do think that it needs to be more than 600 feet. But I think we're also, I, I remember we have these discussions in looking into, um, you know, um, possibilities on that. But that would be more of a legislation that is not within the power of the Planning Commission. Um, also, it would require further, further studies as well and outreach. So those are my comments. Thank, Thank you. you, Commissioner Imperial. Commissioner Diamond? Thank you. Um, I have to th say we need to focus on the context in which this is coming to us. It's not a conditional use permit, it's DR, so we have to ask if there are exceptional and extraordinary circumstances um, that dictate in favor of taking DR. Um, it's a code compliant project, correct? Yes. And the issues that are being raised, while they're being raised by many more people than we generally see, the issues are no different than we generally see which is um, primarily the 600 feet and the anxiety about uh, smoke in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, you know, this issue about preschools being included in the 600 feet comes up at every single hearing. Um, and I'm wondering, what is the process by which we ask the board to consider whether or not they want to continue with the 600 foot um, well, I should say whether they want to continue to exclude preschools from 600 feet or change their minds. How, how do we specifically, you know, instead of just raising this each time, what is the process yeah. by do which we have to we write a letter? resolution? What do we do? Or you could, you could ask us to propose legislation, you know, on your behalf to do that. I think some of the problem is preschools come and go or, you know, preschools, you can have a preschool open where you have cannabis retailers exist now. There also hasn't been a ton of analysis to show that these buffers help or hurt, right? That that you know we're actually exposing children to yeah. these retail spaces just because they're adjacent to it. You know, I can speak for myself. I have three kids. They see a lot more cannabis at school than they do, you know, at the cannabis dispensary. So I get it. That's you know, but but I, we've never really had an analysis to show whether that. That that exposure, you know, that that distance is helping or hurting anything. Thank you. Please keep your comments to yourself or leave the chamber. Thank you. Continue. So I, you know, it's something we can recommend or ask. It's something you can ask to to incorporate. It also will impact the the zone where cannabis is allowed. It's fairly limited now, anyway, and. You know, if, you, if we start to put preschools, which there are many, it may just limit where where we can ultimately so my have under cannabis. My understanding in having this conversation with Michael Christensen on this subject is that if one of the reasons that preschools were excluded is that if we included preschools, there would be very few spots that were available for right. uh, cannabis lounges. So uh, I don't have a recommendation about whether or not we should include this preschools in it, but I do think we should study it um, so that we can, you know, this question comes up every single time and that we ought to be able to say we did the study, we looked at it, and either we included them or we didn't for the following reasons without, you know, because at the moment all we say is they're excluded under the current legislation. If you don't like it, change the legislation. Yeah. And it feels like it, it, it is 
um, it comes up so frequently that I, at least I think that we should be looking at this question and coming up with a recommendation. I, I don't have an opinion about whether we should include them or not. I do have an opinion that we should look at this in more detail. I would just add to that that we are at a point where we do have lots of dispensaries that are open. So assuming that we're not closing any that are within a buffer of a preschool, I think it's part of it is going forward looking. Do we just continue yeah, how, to approve how them? The greens are, right, how, exactly. how much we're limiting exactly. yeah, the exactly. ability of cannabis to expand in the yeah. city? Okay. The second thing is, um, so when I first joined the commission about three and a half years ago, we had several proposals in front of us for cannabis lounges. And there were a number of questions that were raised at that time by the commissioners who were then on the commission, Commissioner Koppel and, and uh, Moore would have been the two that would have been there that I remember most distinctly, um, about whether you really can figure out a way to keep the smoke from um, going out of the building. And since then, we have really haven't seen many proposals for cannabis smoking lounges. Um, they've been cannabis dispensaries, type A and B, I guess, but not C. And they've had restrictions. We've put restrictions on it that have said no smoking on site. Um, but I have, over time, become quite concerned that we are, um, you know, we have a lot of apartment dwellers in the city where smoking is restricted, and you can't smoke on streets and in public spaces. So, um, are we really being equitable if we, you know, aren't approving lounges? Uh, and we're saying the only way you get to smoke is if you own a private residence. Uh, and that and that just doesn't seem right to me. So, I think um, in this case, I would be in favor of a lounge, um, but I am continue to have the same concerns I had three and a half years ago, which is how do we know for sure that the smoke isn't escaping? So I really like the idea, Commissioner Tanner, that you raised about testing after the fact when it's in operation to make sure that there really is no, and it shouldn't have to be complaint driven, that I feel like we need more experience as a city and working with DPH um, and planning, that if we as planning are going to approve cannabis lounges, that you know, we have confidence um, that DPH has come up with a way of ensuring that none of the smoke is escaping. So I would be in favor of adding a condition um, to the uh, DR that says that we should um, test. And maybe it's twice, once at six months and once at a year. I don't think we need to continuously do it. But so I, I put that out for your consideration. Um, Third is, and I've raised this a number of times, we now have standard language that we put into um, the conditions, and I uh, talked to Mr. Foster about it, and it's one of the things that he included in the handout today is that upon each sale, the uh, vendor should be reminding uh, the purchaser they may not smoke on the streets. I also wanted to add the same language to this. It's in a condition that says there should be a sign on the exit that reminds people, um, again, in a very posted in a prominent place, they can't smoke on, on streets. Um, and then finally, um, an allegation was made by one of the commenters uh, today that I haven't heard made since I've been on the commission, and it's deeply disturbing to me. Um, and it was a woman who said that it seems like secret money is being paid. Um, and I find that an incredibly distressing comment. I will say I have no idea why she would make such a serious allegation. I know of no reason, um, or I know nothing that would give rise to such a serious allegation. 
I believe that the public should be able to express deeply held opinions um, without calling the integrity of this commission um, into effect by making such an allegation. So I, I just didn't want to let that comment go by um, without remarking on it because I believe that it was uncalled for that this commission um, and each of the commissioners takes their job extremely seriously um, and looks at each case on the merits. So um, just to summarize, I do think we should take DR in order to um, go forward with the project, but add the conditions that were handed out to us today, um, plus add in the additional conditions um, that have been suggested in the comments so far. Thank you, Commissioner Diamond. Commissioner Braun? Thank you. Um, I have a few different questions to start off with. Uh, I wonder if we could start with, with Mr. Foster. Um, some of these you might not be able to answer, but you are, are the closest thing to our resident um, expert on, on these uh, storefronts and these lounges. Um, so my first one is on the, on the question of consumption and the smoking lounge. Um, my understanding is that, so we, we have approved a number of um, cannabis stores in which there's on-site consumption, just not smoking lounges allowed. Is that, is that correct or am I getting that wrong? Well, I think, <clears throat> broadly speaking, consumption includes the, the universe of vaping, smoking. Edibles? Uh, I believe edibles as well. I'm not sure why we would exclude okay. edibles. Okay. I'm not so, sure what vapors would even be emitted from con consumption vis-a-vis. -vis. So today, even edibles, not the consumption's not allowed on site? And I, I believe that's the case, correct. Approved. Okay. So lounge would be pretty unique um, in that regard then. Um, so then... Getting on to the ventilation requirements for a, a lounge with um, on-site uh, consumption that includes smoking, which is really, I think, the key issue in a lot of ways because you know marijuana smoke has a very distinctive and strong odor, and even you know far beyond any potential health concerns or anything like that, you know, you're at a great distance from it. it it's just a smell, but still, that smell is very prominent and it's very notable. Um, I know that the project sponsor spoke, and I'll give you a chance to answer this too, but spoke about the ventilation and filtration requirements. Um, I'm just curious if you know, Mr. Foster, I mean, in the city's experience, has, has, have those requirements actually filtered the odor completely out of the, the smoke? I mean, is, is, cause the smoke is one thing. I have an N95 mask here that, you sure. know, on a wildfire day, I can wear this and, I, and the smoke's not getting me, but I still smell it. So I'm, I'm curious. Um, if you have anything to say about that. It's a great question. Um, <clears throat> through empirical evidence, I don't have a, a direct response to that. Um, I will reply that upon asking this very question to, to Mr. Christensen, who has sort of, you know, handily guided the, our cannabis uh, use operations over the last couple of years for the, from the planning department, uh, to his knowledge, there have been zero complaints mm -hmm. um, lodged at DPH regarding the, the cannabis lounges because there are, number one, there are very few of them, and number two, they're incredibly emphasis well-regulated. So the HVAC systems are working. Um, the smoke versus the odor, it's a very fair question. Um, I did pull up uh, uh, Commission President Tanner, and I will not read chapter and verse because we'll all fall asleep at this point, but it's uh, section 8A is an alpha, that six operating standards. Um, it is in the wheelhouse of DPH, just like it would be for any business operation under under the um, the guise of DPH, be it a bar, a restaurant, a limited restaurant. So um, they can be shut down for any number of reasons if they're found to be in violation, whether it's leaving 
meat out above a certain temperature or not having proper heating and cooling and so forth. So it's the same sort of public health um, sort of jurisdiction that, in my own opinion, honestly belongs to that those technical experts, not planners. I'm a land use planner. I'm not a yeah. so. And okay. Commissioner Braun, just to, to add on to that, um, I know for sure, at least I have a list here, that there are seven um, consumption lounges that have been approved in the city. Um, so, uh, you know, a couple that probably see nearby in this greater area include Barbary Coast and Mo Greens. Um, and I know I can at least be, speak for, um, personally, I walk by Mo Greens on my commute every single day. Um, and that is not the smell I smell when walking by. There are many other aromas <laughs> on that part of Market Street, going to Civic Center BART. But um, anyhow, they, they seem to solidly be able to contain the scent, um, just in my own experience walking every day. But there are at least seven that have been authorized by the city. Okay, thank you for that. Thanks. Um, let's see, I think that, oh, my other, the other area I wanna to touch on is um, the windows, and I know that you brought this up, President Tanner, but the, uh, I am curious, just actually, I think this is a question for Mr. Foster again. So I'm curious, like, if, if we were to put forth a requirement that no cannabis product, products of any kind can be visible from the street, which is, I think, a more extreme um, requirement than some of the other stores that we've approved, um, what does the planning code say about still requiring some sort of transparency or something that's there behind the windows that's not just a blank wall sure is there something already in the code that would address that yeah i think the, the the code itself in conjunction with the storefront transparency guidelines which i referenced earlier so this is the four foot datum down to grade <clears throat> you can have you can have obstructions of the actual uh, storefront there but four feet to the top of the finished floor height that needs to be open um, just by virtue of this dais here I, if i'm not able to see behind it there are products facing you the commissioners that is exactly the intent there so i could be passing by on the public right away here, and I have no idea what's going on behind this this line here, but it's this line at four feet to and probably nine, ten feet above grade. That is the visibility zone. I have a, I have a graphic if you're of interest, but it's that that height by a depth of about four feet. That's the recommendation. The verticality is actually hard coded in our code section 145.1. I forget the exact subsection, but that's pretty hard coded. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So so it seems like with that in mind. Well, I'm curious. I mean, do we need an additional requirement to for, to push back the display cases further, or do anything that would make them really not visible from the street? Just kind of at the end of the day. So long as they're not encroaching the four foot datum, there they're they're compliant with the code. Um, I had again recommended the project sponsor that a buffer zone of planting or some sort of other uh, they can have blinds if they want, so long as they're open during daylight hours. Um, that's something that's behind the, the glass plane there. Um, a, to sort of make it inviting and visually of interest to passerbyers. That's the, that's the sort of genesis and tenor of active use. Um, by virtue, it's not requiring non-transparent walls, which is just an obscure, jargony thing in our planning code, but the idea is that you could actually somewhat have an experience with a storefront there. Again, this is a land use that we're trying to normalize and to sort of have more visibility into the use itself while also protecting um, persons and patrons who don't want to be seen because it's still a taboo land use. So it's, it's, a, it's a very tough pill to swallow okay. from a land use perspective in terms of regulation. And okay. I would just say, Commissioner Ron, my concern is not so much that they would see the display cases, but see the product in the display cases in thinking about you know youth exposure to seeing the product. So I think 
part of the sponsor's kind of response is saying, well, the back is facing, and you're just going to see art. You're not going to see what's in the case from the vantage point of the street. Okay. That, that's my main concern there because of all the concerns raised about um, you know, exposure to children and, and being able to see the products. And, yeah. Um, you know, and that's also why I was very much interested in the smoke issue and the ventilation issue as well. Um, I think that's actually all my, my questions. Um, so I, I'm generally uh, on board with my fellow commissioners have spoken uh, in terms of thinking that we need to apply some uh, additional requirements uh, for this lounge in order to make it um, cooperate or uh, work better with the neighborhood and to address some of the, the concerns that have been raised. We're not, I'm not definitely not saying we go so far as to completely block it, but we try to make it a better neighbor for the community. And so um, just to, I might be missing some things that have been stated here, but you know, I'm definitely in favor of taking DR both for the, the good neighbor policy um, uh, to uh, put in a condition that any ventilation system stays very far away from the school. It might be on the roof of the street or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how we phrase that, but at the very least, definitely not anywhere that meant to the um, anywhere close to the school. Um, time limit on the lounge. I yeah, I, I could get on board with the idea of the time limit on the lounge. That one I'm a little less sure about. Um, ensuring that the products can't be seen from the street. Definitely. Uh, and the idea of having the sign at the exit reminding patrons that they may not use products in the street. I'm also in favor of that. And I might be missing something, but... I think you um, had everything on my list. Testing for the smoke, and I would say, I mean, I don't know if this is something DPH can do, but odor as well, but, yeah. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Braun. Commissioner Moore? I want to thank the community for showing up and passionately sharing their thoughts with us. It's extremely important for us to hear it. You are not the only ones who have stood in front of us really strongly expressing the opposition. I want to put your protest a little bit into perspective. Uh, Mr. Foster, uh, how many dispensaries do we have in the city? Let me let me dial a friend, if you will, <laughs> Commission President. Are <laughs> uh, we about 120 or something? I think it's next? I think it's north of 100, 120. Yeah, it's, it's in the hundred. Uh, Correct. Uh, just to, to put it into perspective for all of you, uh, I've been on the commission since we heard the first one, mm -hmm. and the opposition to the majority, almost exclusively all of them, has been as verbal and as strong as yours today. In some cases, there were fewer people. In some cases, there were more people. However, the opposition is uniform. However, voters have approved uh, and legalized the use of marijuana, and we are dealing with regulations that we have to apply equally to all. And that is not always easy to do because the circumstances in which cannabis dispensaries occur are quite different. Sometimes they are on the ground floor of a two-story building with residences above. Sometimes they're on a, on a small street away from everybody, people very much afraid of crime and uncertainty rising when you have remote locations. And over the years, as far as I, cons uh, as, as, far as I remember, 
And I think Ms. Wadi uh, reinforced that there were not more than four lounges. However, as we're increasing the amount of uh, cannabis retail, we got to find a place of where people can use it. You're not allowed to use it in uh, rental uh, residences. You're not allowed to use it on the street. You're not allowed to use it in the hotel. You're not allowed to use it in parks and open spaces, and, 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 and. So I think we are at a critical point of where we really need to figure out metrics of where lounges are appropriate or not. And as much as it has been a difficult issue for me not to listen and clearly take into consideration the voice of the community, I would share with, as my commissioners do, that this is actually a very good location. Partially because it is a low density area where residences are not right on top of it, as we have many times when we have cannabis stores. Uh, the residences that are speaking to us are either slightly uphill or they're further away as 7,000 plus units in the Golden Gateway. So we have a critical mass of people in reasonable location based on topography and on distance, i.e. the Golden Gateway and its other uh, units, that will be greatly benefiting from this lounge. Remember, the Golden Gateway, for those who, of you who don't know, uh, are rental units uh, that evict people uh, should there be anything that doesn't fit uh, the regulations of rental units. Uh, and that holds for you, and I think you should be actually, in a way, comfortable of supporting this as a, as, as, as a refuge for people who do use marijuana, and there are quite a few people, uh, that this is nearby. I think the industry is very strongly self-regulating. And I have witnessed, as I said earlier, at least 120 plus applications over the years, and each time, People from the industry are there in support and very carefully monitoring who is having a license and is doing what. And that has given me personally a little bit more confidence uh, to support uh, cannabis stores as well as um, in this particular case a lounge. Uh, as a DR, there are no exceptional and extraordinary circumstances. Nobody sits really right on top of this facility and I've heard presentations by the Health Commission in the past, and it was a while back, that the equipment that is being used is highly calibrated for the use uh, of preventing odor, smell, etc., to f affect anybody. Uh, what I would suggest is that we may be at a point that we need to find means to control the community, not to smoke on the street, because that can be actually quite uncomfortable. Uh, particularly if you are exposed to it, the effects are immediate. Uh, and I think perhaps that is the other flip side of the coin here, although I'm not interested, I'm not going to be using the word policing, etc. I think there has to be a self-regulatory, supportive way of how we deal with each other smoking in public spaces when it's not allowed and when it really affects others. Uh, I believe that this project is... Um, addressing all concerns. I believe that the commission's additional uh, comments to, uh, to the um, motion uh, helped me to feel comfortable of supporting this project. Those are my comments.
Thank you, everyone. I want to appreciate um, your thoughtful comments and just um, you know rolling up our sleeves and thinking about it. I'm going to read back the list that I think Commissioner Braun just read, just to see maybe by nods or or if you have a, a comment, you put a light on. Um, adding conditions that staff presented today um, and that which include the good neighbor policy. Um, asking for testing six months and one year after operation of the lounge. So this is not just like. You know, with building approval, once the thing opens, um, six months and one year after operation of the lounge, venting of the consumption lounge to not be into the courtyard or anywhere near the preschool uh, play area, a time limit on lounge patronage, possibly one hour. We didn't hear a lot about that, but that was on the list. A sign that's posted at the exits reminding people they cannot smoke um, cannabis or consume it on the streets, and then ensuring the products cannot be seen from the street, perhaps we're maybe working with staff through a possible two or three foot buffer zone that pushes the display cases back from the windows that could have plantings or other things that comply with our transparency guidelines. Commissioners, any comments on that or additions or deletions? I'm not sure what you're trying to accomplish with the time limit. Tell me what the goal is. I think with that, it was just, you know, concerns around, you know, I guess I could see folks being concerned that, you know, folks might be there for a while and consume a great amount of cannabis and leave the lounge very high, essentially, and, you know, what that could be like to experience that. So um, we don't need to necessarily do it, but just trying to think of ways to respond to the community's concerns that have been expressed. Um, but I don't feel strongly about that. If we're going to have the lounge, then perhaps it's up to the operator to regulate it and make sure that folks are leaving... I guess in a, a manner that is is acceptable. But. I wouldn't know what time period to pick, yeah. and we don't do that in bars. Um, so I, I feel a little uncomfortable treading yeah. into that yeah. area. That makes sense. Particularly, the, the, uh, there are guidelines for driving under the influence now, including not driving. Uh, uh, the other regulations to take care of it. Before. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think we're getting a little bit out of our territory, trying to put an hour or whatever onto it. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes sense, Commissioner Braun. Actually, I'm, on this point, I, I am curious to ask the project uh, sponsor. I mean. There aren't that many consumption lounges in the city, as we've been saying, but what is the practice? You know, at a bar, if you get overserved with alcohol, mm -hmm. the bar doesn't let you keep drinking, right? Yep. And so in a cannabis lounge with on-site consumption, what happens if somebody just seems really, really stoned? Yeah, um, um, just like alcohol, um, you know, driving under the influence of any substance is illegal. Um, if they are walking um, and we feel and our staff would be monitoring um, you know, the behavior of our patrons inside the store, if we felt like somebody had overconsumed, um, we would probably take the position to call them an Uber, call them a taxi, uh, make sure that they get home safely and don't just go out into the street by themselves, especially if they're driving. Um, I used to run a nonprofit that was specifically around getting people home from bars in their own vehicles um, about 13 years ago. Um, and I would actually go to the bars and drive people with their car back home to make sure that they don't accidentally get in their car, not accidentally, but intentionally, or because they're overserved, get in their car and drive home. Um, I've worked with Mothers Against Drunk Driving um, for that. Um, I've worked with a chain of bars um, in 17 cities across San Jose to San Francisco um, and help provide this service for the community. Um, I will gladly be, minus me driving myself, but I will gladly uh, make sure that our staff is um, acknowledging if somebody is behaving erratically or it seems like they overconsume. Um, I wouldn't set a limit 
to its one glass of wine or three glasses of wine. Everybody has a different tolerance of what they can consume. Um, and so I think we would take it on a case-by-case -case basis. If we felt like one of our patrons was unable or unfit to drive or walk out, we would call, escort, or get them help to make sure they get home safely. It is our responsibility as a business owner and yes. as a community member. And ultimately, it would certainly re reflect very poorly on your business if uh, you did allow people to leave after overconsumption or to drive away and in that state. That, and that is so correct. there is some incentive for you to avoid that. Monitor that. And then yeah. just one additional comment I wanted to make about the smell. Um, as we know, there are seven smoking lounges that do operate within San Francisco. Um, I believe if we do check public record, um, there probably won't be a nuisance complaint for the odor um, because of the strict requirements on the uh, ventilation and the exhaust. Um, but that can be checked as well. And um, I do support the decision of um, a smell test or, um, you know, uh, carbon um, you know from the actual smoke uh, I think that's a great idea and something that should you know happen m from now and kind of moving forward as well for other projects thank, thank you. you Commissioner Brown do you have other comments I see Commissioner Imperial has her hand up yeah I just want to add the in as part of condition to be able to provide translation as part of the community relation mm -hmm. yeah provide translation interpretation to community provide um, translation as part of the community relation program. activity program. Yeah. Yeah. In what sense? In the written documents and in personal? Translation and interpretation. I think it's because they have, they have a liaison and the, I, the concern that is that someone calls liaison Ms. Golick and then she can't speak with their language and so how are they actually going to relay their concerns? So being able to interpret and um, translate mm -hmm. as needed. Okay. If I may, Ms. Imperial, Commissioner Imperial, I think it's like an on-call, on as-needed basis for staff. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which may be advisable. Maybe some of your future staff will be bilingual, and that will be great to have that <clears throat> in the dispensary. Okay. Is there a motion, Commissioners? So moved. <laughs> okay. So let me let me see if I've captured that because it was read in second. <laughs> I'm gonna text it to you, Jonas. Hold on. I yeah. think I, uh, my notes hopefully are well, helpful. Well, what I have is um, approve, excuse me, take DR um, and approve with conditions that include the amended conditions submitted by staff to include Department of Public Health testing for odor and smoke six months after operation and one year after operation. Yes. That the venting not be uh, toward the courtyard or the preschool playground uh, to include no smoking signage and a two to three foot buffer zone from the exterior windows of the display cases and then finally translation services okay yes. very good then commissioners on that motion uh commissioner braun aye commissioner diamond aye commissioner imperial aye commissioner cop excuse me commissioner moore aye and Commission President Tanner. Aye. So move, Commissioners, that motion passes unanimously five to zero. Okay, Before we're going to take a brief one second. Oh, so I don't want to leave hanging the yeah. question about the study with preschool. Is yeah. that something staff can look into? I still look at kind of a buffer. If, a, if, we, if we had a buffer around preschools, what that would do to the, to the green zone? 
I think it would be interesting sure. to at least bring back a couple iterations of mapping to say if licensed preschools were included at 600 feet, at 300 feet, whatever, like what do we get, end up with? Like don't yeah, yeah. do, you know, don't but go crazy. I think crazy, if we have the broader discussion about exposure to schools, like we should talk to DPH about their education program and the schools about their education program because I think that's where yeah. you get at this issue. If you can please be quiet, we're still maintaining a hearing here. Please leave silently if you're leaving. Thank you. you. Know, we can have a broader hearing, not just about this, whether it's close, but what we're doing, you know, broadly to educate youth about cannabis. I think it would be good to have some maps in that discussion. Just to, I know we've heard about the mapping and the buffer zone challenges, so it would be good to just illuminate that, look at it on the screen, just talk it over. Yeah. And we can send you a memo with the, with the buffers. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, with that, commissioners, this item is concluded. We're going to take a brief recess, five minutes, and then we'll come back. Thank you all for coming, and thank you again to our translation and staff and interpretation and, uh, staff. And just so people know, we are going to be taking the California Street DR out of order. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
Okay, thank you and welcome back to the San Francisco Planning Commission hearing for Thursday, March 9th, 2023. I apologize, um, I was confused. The request for interpretation is for Lake Street, so we'll be taking up that matter next. Under your discretionary review calendar, commissioners, item 12, case number 2022-006186-DRP for the property at 1550 Lakes through 1552 Lake Street, a discretionary review. And good evening, commissioners. David Winslow, staff architect. The item before you is a public initiated request for building permit application 2022-0404.1725 to legalize the demolition of more than 75% of existing interior walls that exceeded the scope of work under building permit application 2019.0125.1296 the removal of chimney from the property's northeast corner and the construction of a new stair penthouse not visible from the street to a three-story two-family building. The DR requester, Jerry Drattler of 4017th Avenue, an adjacent neighbor to the north, is concerned that the proposed project has been hampered by unpermitted construction, inaccurate plans, and building permits submitted with false costs. His proposed alternative is to revoke all building permits and seek a new master building permit that encompasses the entirety of the work. To construct a code compliant third housing unit, complete seismic upgrade work and other life safety work to make the fourth floor penthouse safe, uh, repair the exterior stucco and approved interior and exterior modifications that are consistent with the historic homes on Lake Street and north of Lake Street. To date, the department has received no letters supporting and no letters opposing the project. Staff supports the project as the current building permit is seeking to include all work of the original permit 2019-1107-6710, which, which, which was revoked, and legalized work that, ex that exceeded the scope of that permit. When a notice of violation is issued, the department usually offers the opportunity to remedy approvable work through a new permit. This project, the project sponsor has been working diligently with staff to correct the permit. The project complies with the planning code, the residential design guidelines, and historic review criteria. Most of the work is interior only, including removal of more than 75% of the interior walls, which planning code section 311 requires a neighborhood notification um, when more than 75 of the interior walls are removed. The proposed stair penthouse is minimally visible from the public right-of-way and within the buildable envelope and adds no habitable space to the existing building. Therefore, staff seems, deems there are no exceptional or extraordinary circumstances and recommends not taking discretionary review and approving. I am joined here by, uh, with, Vin with Vincent, Vincent Page, the enforcement planner who is um, intimately familiar with the enforcement um, and permits related to the enforcement action. Thank you. Thank you, DR requester, you have a five minute presentation.
Could you turn the computer on, please? SFGov. 2,900 square foot duplex is on a corner lot. The fourth floor penthouse mirrors the design on the top of the bay on Lake Street. The arrow calls this out. The duplex is currently an eyesore on a heavily used slow street. The property owner illegally demolished more than 75% of the first three floors. The penthouse addition I highlighted was present when we moved in next door in 1985. I've been told the addition sits unsupported on what is a third floor roof. The building permit scope of work includes expanding the penthouse but not addressing the structural problem. The north half of the duplex has been on crude shoring for years. The duplex is currently a fire hazard because there are no internal walls to contain the fire if one was to start. The structural work in the picture is unpermitted and has not been inspected. Why do the proposed plans lack the seal of a structural engineer whose name is on the building permit? 1550 Lake Street is one of two units. The single unit is not 2,852 square feet. Both units are 2,852 square feet. This is a clear indication the submitted plans are inaccurate. Excuse me. The submitted first floor ground plan depicts a bedroom and a laundry room on the north wall of the duplex that do not exist. I took the picture through the window on the 17th Avenue side of the duplex where the orange arrow is. I support construction of a legal third unit of housing. The property owner wants to legalize a non-existing basement unit for a third unit. Let's follow the planner's recommendations. The four steps listed on this slide are all that's necessary to get this project on a sound footing. The duplex could be a contributing asset to the neighborhood. Currently, the duplex is an eyesore on a street that's heavily used by skaters, bikers, walkers, and runners. The project has had compliance problem. The property owner's building permits and plans do not address the compliance problems. The two building permits the planning department asked the property owner to cancel remain outstanding, and the property owner has not responded to the plan check letter comments and the notice of enforcement. The property owner has done nothing to address the compliance problems on this screen. The building permit scope of work does not address the illegal removal of exterior windows and the $50,000 permit cost requested is $107,000, less than the same permit the Board of Appeals revoked. How did the cost decrease $107,000 for the same scope of work? The property owner was represented by a Reuben Junius and Rose attorney at the Board of Appeals hearing 20 months ago when the same permit was revoked. These pictures on the north wall show windows that were illegally removed and are not in the current permit scope of work. They should be. The picture on the right is the enlargement of a window opening to create exterior door for the proposed down unit. The 110-year-old floor plan is gone. The property owner has a blank canvas to work with. 
new construction needs to be code compliant. Adding a third or fourth unit of housing is not an imposition on the property owner because all the housing units have been demolished. The planner for this project is recommending a legal third unit, which I support. The level of permit and plan deficiencies on this project is truly extraordinary and is necessary to discuss the major policy issues that are being overridden. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, project sponsor, you have a five-minute presentation. Hi, uh, good evening, Commissioner. My name is Han Chen, and um, I'm here with my father, Fu Chen, over there. Uh, we are the owner of the 1550 to 1552 Lake Street. Today, we come before you as a homeowner whose American dream has been shattered by a series of unfortunate events. We are here to plead for your understanding and support in granting us the building permit we need to move forward with our lives. We came to the America over 20 years ago with the dream of working hard, contributing to society, and achieving success. We have been working toward these goals, putting in countless hours of hard work and dedication. Finally, five years ago, we achieved our dream of purchasing this duplex family home with the intention of renovating it and moving in with my family. However, we have been faced with numerous obstacles and setbacks that have prevented us from moving forward with our plans. Over the past five long years, we have met with opposition and delays that have caused significant financial burden and emotional distress for our family. The daily stress of this situation has been a constant source of worry and anxiety, wearing heavily on our hearts and minds every day. We have had to ensure the added financial burden of having to pay for temporary housing while waiting for the permit, which has scratched our resource to the limit. We are now at a critical junction, uh, juncture, I'm sorry, where obtaining our building permit is the only way forward to rebuild our shattered life. The urgency of this situation cannot be overstated. We acknowledge and take full ownership of the for the errors that occur during the construction and permitting process. We have taken the necessary corrective action to ensure that mistakes we made are not repeated in the future. The permit we are seeking today would correct all the issues that the building and planning department has identified and would allow us to move forward safely, efficiently with our renovation project fully compliant with all the building and planning codes. We understand the gravity of the situation and the importance of rebuilding trust with the community. We are dedicated to take the necessary steps to make things right and regain the public confidence. We take full responsibility for any mistake that were made and we will do everything in our power to make things right. Moving forward, we are fully committed to complying with all building and planning code and regulation, and we will actively engage with the building and planning department to promptly address any concerns that may arise. Granting us the building permit we need will enable us to make our American dream a reality. 
while contributing to the beautiful neighborhood that we are proud to call home. We acknowledge the disrepair of their poverty and its impact on our community, and we deeply regret any security instability that our situation may have caused to our neighbors. We sincerely hope that our neighbors can forgive us for the inconveniences caused, support us as we work to make things right, and welcome us into this beautiful neighborhood. Dear commissioners, we humbly ask for your support and understanding as we move forward, and we plan to work tirelessly to earn and maintain our neighbors' trust. Thank you once again for your time and consideration. Thank you. Thank you. Um, members of the public, this is your opportunity to address the commission on this matter. You need to come forward if you're in the chambers. Good evening, President Tanner, fellow commissioners, and planning department staff. <clears throat> Although I don't reside on this block, some of you will remember me as one of the project sponsors of the infamous Bay removal on this block on 17th Avenue. After approximately five years of a job being shut down, this commission gave us the opportunity to restore the bay and move forward with our remodel and the construction of a new home next door. While it would be easy to blame Mr. Drattler for all of the trouble he caused, ultimately, it was a poor decision on my part that opened the door to the ensuing chaos. As I told the Board of Appeals, given the opportunity again, I would have made a different decision. I can tell you that all is relatively quiet on the Western Front. What is before you today is a project that I can assure you has been evaluated through a microscope from the Planning Department. The project is compliant with all Planning Department requirements, including residential design guidelines. I will agree with Mr. Drattler that this vacant building has been nothing but an eyesore for more than five years and in its current state is a blight on the neighborhood. The demo calcs in this project needed to be completed three times to come up with a number exceeding the demo calc finding. I respectfully request that you afford the applicant and his family the same opportunity you gave me, let them show the neighbors around 17th Avenue that given the chance, they can be good citizens and good neighbors. Please deny the DR and approve the project as submitted. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak with you tonight. Uh, my name is Andy Taylor. Uh, I live at 1600 Lake Street uh, with my uh, wife and children, uh, so we're directly across the road from 1550-52. Can you uh, move the mic closer to where you're talking? Do I yeah. lift it? Mm -hmm. How's that? Uh, Mr. Winslow, I did actually uh, send you an email of support for this project, so my apologies if you did not receive that. Um, so. Uh, my family and I fully support this project. We would like to see it go ahead. Uh, we believe the removal of the chimney, addition of the stair, penthouse proposed, 
has little impact on the neighbourhood, and the sightline drawing in the plan showed that the small stair penthouse would not be visible from the corner of 17th and Lake. Um, as you've heard already, this project is just in a terrible state of repair. Since we moved into our home in March of 2020, we've witnessed numerous attempts to break into it. People use the Unlake Garage entryway as a place to sell drugs and smoke crack. It'll, it attracts a lot of attention. I have personally made two 911 calls. One was to stop a very large and aggressive man from breaking into the property with a crowbar, and the other was when a group of men sat smoking crack, playing music uh, in that uh, unlit garage entryway. Um, so in its current state, 1550-52 is a blight on our neighbourhood. It does need to be repaired and occupied to alleviate the nuisance it is causing in our neighbourhood. Uh, my wife and I strongly support this project and hope that you will deny the DR tonight. Thank you very much. Any other member of the public in the chambers wishing to speak? Seeing none, let's go to our remote callers. Good evening, commissioners. I'm Stephanie Peake and I've lived across the street from this duplex for 36 years and watched the building suffer from unpermitted demolition and recently absolute neglect. For the last few years, the house has been empty except for the occasional squatter. Not only is it an eyesore at 17th Avenue and Lake Street, but it is a fire hazard too. For months, broken glass was left all over the sidewalk under one of their broken windows. And as I remember, the other window was covered with wood or cardboard. The developers demolished the interior, most of the interior, without permits. I spoke out against their legal behavior a few years ago, but nothing has been done. The owners submitted false plans and false estimates of the cost to do the work. Obviously, money is not a problem for them since they have hired one of the most expensive real estate lawyers in town who represent all kinds of developers. I support this DR and request that you take it. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Ozzie Round with San Francisco Land Youth Coalition. Um, I just want to point out to you that this DR is not about not in my backyard, anything that interferes with my view. This is simply about compliance and upholding the laws and planning code in this town. The owners claim that they didn't know and they were just innocent people arriving here, didn't know about this and that. However, as other people testified, including people that support this project, this building had been abandoned for years and they didn't do anything other than demolishing the inside of the building without proper permits. So what we're asking is for you to look at the history of this building, history of the complaints, and what they have done without the proper permits. And we're not asking for you not to allow construction. What we're asking is to ask them to submit real plans, not the fictitious one that they have submitted so far, plans with the signature and rubber stamp of the engineer and architect that drew them, as well as adding units to the site. This should be actually three unit, a three-unit project as the planner, as the original assigned planner recommended. So we're simply, we're having a very simple ask. Require the owner to submit 
real plan, not the fictitious one that they have submitted, and require them to build three units. This is not an issue with views, fourth floor, none of the usual garden variety ERs that come before you. This is a matter of compliance with the planning and building code. So we really appreciate it if you ask detailed questions about the history of this project as opposed to just Thank you, Ms. Rahm, that's your time. Okay, last call for public comment. Again, if you're in the chambers, you need to come forward. If you're calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Seeing no request to speak, commissioners, public comment is closed. Do you request or you have a two minute rebuttal? I need the computer, please. SFGov, can we go to the computer? First off, I think everyone is in violent agreement. The project needs to go forward. The question is, what project? So why legalize a portion of the illegal work today? What prevents the department and the commission from addressing all the duplex problems today? Is addressing only the illegal work on the building permit a good use of city resources or an example of a job half done? The total cost of the April 2022 and the March 2019 building permit is $170,000. Can you reconstruct 2,900 square foot interior for $170,000 or $60 a foot? Why would the commission approve a permit knowing the plans and the permit cost is wrong? The commission should accept DR to discuss some valid citizen concerns. Should the department accept plans from unlicensed individuals without a detailed review of the plans? There is no penalty for exceeding the 75% demolition threshold. Current planning department policy encourages demolition. Why not change the policy? Allowing the property owner to reconstruct the illegal demo without constraint rewards the property owner for their illegal demo. Is this good policy? How will the city achieve its housing goals if the planning commission refuses to require construction of a third housing unit? Thank you. Project sponsor, you have a two minute rebuttal. Um, dear commissioner, we made mistakes in the construction of the project and in the permitting process. We have been very responsive in addressing any concerns city staff has raised. We take responsibility for the errors made by our contractor who has been dismissed. In gaining approval of the permit, we comprehensively address and resolve any potential and actual violation in coordinating with the city staff. We are truly looking to make amends and complete the unfinished construction by obtaining the permit. The permit aligns with the appellant's objective in the appeal. It legalizes any work that was previously done without a permit, while also including all the previously approval work from earlier permit into one comprehensive permit. The appellant has expressed a desire for the renovation work on this project to proceed quickly, safely, and to be fully building and planning code compliance. 
We share this gold and want to restore the property's former glory. The permit is fully building code and planning code compliant and would allow that both parties and city staff desires. As such, we respectfully urge the commissioners to allow the project to proceed. Thank you very much. Thank you. With that, commissioners, it concludes uh, the public hearing portion, and now it's before you. Comments, questions, or motions from commissioners? Anybody want to take DR or not take DR and approve the project or not approve? Commissioner Moore. Uh, throughout reviewing the project, I fully understand perhaps uh, linguistic or other difficulties which created a number of errors. What I'm concerned about is that the set of drawings that in front of us is somewhat inconclusive of what is really being asked for. What I'm personally concerned about is the fact that there is no registered architect, no licensed contractor, or anybody really advising on this project. And as the applicant just said, the uh, contractor was dismissed. So getting a permit is not enough to deliver this project in a manner that meets all of the requirements. It requires a full understanding about the next level that goes from the type of drawing we have here to taking it basically through the set of type of informational pieces that makes it a code compliant project. And that's particularly that gap that I'm concerned about because I do not have any guardrails to feel that we're on the right track. I fully emphasize with uh, all the things that have gone sideways uh, and uh, if one is not really embedded fully in how things work around here, I can understand that mistakes happen, but the consequences of this project, since it has been around quite a while, since it has been appealed and the appeal denied, I think it makes a stack and the responsibility for us to embrace it at its current stage uh, very difficult. And I'm just interested to hear what you all say. That is my own reaction, really struggling with these drawings, where there are a number of misstatements and misinformation embedded, and kind of leads you down a rabbit hole and to realize, oh, this is not really what it's meant. There's, for example, a key plan that clearly is to explain for you how these units come together, which is almost like a Rubik's cube. And I worked with that only to realize that in the end, that diagram is actually incorrect. It puts the uh, the unit that's supposed to be on the first and third floor in the wrong position and you misunderstand the project. So, so that is just like a, a certain feeling of unease I have and I talked at length with Mr. Uh, Page who is indeed the person who saw the property. I asked him about the still pending permits and perhaps he can explain it to us but it is basically the state of the drawings by which we are supporting this project, which leaves me personally uncomfortable. I wonder if uh, Mr. Winslow and or Mr. Page could respond both to the drawings and kind of the level or lack thereof of professionals engaged in preparing and reviewing them and then also to some of the history that um, Commissioner, Di um, Commissioner Moore was speaking to. I don't know who wants to go first, but. <laughs> I was gonna nominate you since I think a lot of the untangling deals with the kind of process of unfolding what was done wrong and what was done to rectify that. And Mr. Page has prepared, I believe, a, well, 
has been involved with and has prepared a detailed timeline of what has gone on. So then. Maybe Mr. Page, you can think, you could just explain to us kind of where this would go from here in terms of well, the next steps if it, this project were to be approved as presented today. Uh, sure. Um, the permit before you is the permit to abate the violation. So, you know, work started at some point without permits. Planning was not involved when that happened. Um, you know, I, I am both the enforcement planner working on this case and also the staff person who is processing the permit to abate. So when I came in, um, it was just the allegation was a lot of work without permits. There's initially a permit filed without plans that um, under which I think the original contractors did a lot of the work. That permit without plans was not routed to planning. Then there was a permit with plans that was routed to planning, and that one was the one that was eventually revoked at the Board of Appeals. So this just kind of a Tetris of a lot of different moving parts. Um, I think there, there was a concern about two permits that remain issued, as in not yet not suspended or revoked. Um, one of those permits is a no plans permit, and so from the perspective of planning enforcement, not important to the overall scope of work. Like we generally don't go around revoking or going to the trouble of asking the zoning administrator to sign a revocation letter um, because it's very, for a no plans permit that wouldn't have been routed to us anyway because it seems maybe outside of our purview and really the building department should handle that. The other permit that remains issued is the permit that the permit before you is revising. So the drawings show that scope of work as approved by planning, um, the as-built condition which encapsulates all of the unpermitted work that's happened to date, and then if approved, this permit would allow the property owner to, uh, it would capture all the unpermitted work that's happened and then would tie everything together. Um, I also visited the site several times and I know the drawings are confusing. It is partially because the proposed project is abnormal to have two different flats share a basement level with multiple interior staircases. It is confusing, but I've walked through the site and can confirm that it comports with the drawings as submitted, as deficient as they may be in how they were prepared. Thank you. Mr. Winslow, do you have anything to add about the drawings and the professionals perhaps engaged in preparing um, them? Well, without specific allegations about what's deficient about them, um, it's an interior remodel primarily. There's, uh, it's not clear whether there's structural work being done or not, right? So there's the question of whether or not an engineer or licensed architect is necessary. Typically, the De Department of Building Inspection intakes drawings and permits. When they do so, they determine through their triage whether or not a licensed professional <coughs> is required to prepare those drawings. We get the drawings as we, we get them from routed, you know, being routed from the DBI. Um, in this case, the drawings are sufficiently clear. They appear you know, are they the best drawings in the world? No. Are they the worst that we've ever seen? Neither are they that. Um, they're sufficient, I believe, for the work to remedy the issue at hand, which is the legalization of demolishing 75% of the interior walls, right? Um, <coughs> other than that, I can't speak to, like, what are they missing? This is a site permit to legalize work that's already been underway. Um, with that permit comes certain responsibilities that the Department of Building Inspection incurs, which is inspecting electrical, plumbing, fire, safety, dimensional requirements, light and air. Um, those are all beyond typical things in the planning department's purview. What we're looking at is, does this comport with our planning regulations? And 
we have sufficient information in these drawings that it does. Um, there's limited exterior work. They're replacing existing windows in kind on the exterior, and they're relocating interior walls. Now, whether those walls are moving some bearing, you know, bearing walls, and that's, you know, to be done or not to be done, that's not planning department's role and responsibility. It's the building department's ultimately. So you're kind of saying that at the next stage, possibly that would be part of the development of the further plans. Um, I mean, I think, you know, to the project sponsor, to the extent that this is approved or some version of this has to be approved, as we all know, we've got to go forward with something uh, eventually at this site. It seems like getting some professionals who are skilled and seasoned in San Francisco construction would be highly advised to help make sure that you are able to carry forward your work. Uh, thank you for that, Mr. Winslow and Mr. Page. Uh, Commissioner Diamond. Mr. Winslow, just so I understand, you're saying that the level of detail that's in the drawings that you have is within the zone of what uh, you have accepted previously and are comfortable with? I recognize that they could be much better, but um, yeah, they're not. Yeah. They're within the zone of acceptance. Yeah. And I mean, there's a type of. Commissioner Moore spoke to something about um, transposing units, um, 1550 and 1552. So on one page, there's clear demarcation of where 1550 is and where 1552 is. And on another diagram, which is on sheet A1.3, which is a, um, uh, it's a unit diagram. It's not a functioning working drawing, but they've kind of pulled an old switcheroo. And I, you know, it's equivalent to a typo. You know, if somebody were really sharp, they just switch those numbers back and to make them consistent with the rest of the drawings that do identify those unit numbers per the, um, you know, where the flats are. There's a third story flat that connects to the ground. There's a second floor, a second story flat that connects to the ground. And they've just switched them in one drawing. Do, do you know if they have yet retained a licensed contractor? I, I do not. Could, could the project sponsor approach the podium? Could you come forward, sir? Thank you. Uh, yes, we... Could you tell us what professionals are working with you currently? We don't have anyone because the house has been vacant for five years. So we just have to wait until the permits approve then we can find a contractor. Great, so you have no architect that you're currently working with and you're not in discussions? Uh, um, sorry, one second. You have no architect that you are currently working with? We do have an architecture, but just not a contractor. I see. Yeah, the architecture is the one to provide the, all the floor plans material, but it's been five years, I can't, tell the contractors to wait for me for, I don't even know how long yeah. would that be. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I think if, the only thing I would just point out is, and I'm sure you know, you need a, you're gonna need a licensed contractor to pull the permits when you're actually pulling them, okay. Okay, so Commissioner Diamond, if you wanna continue. No, okay, Commissioner Moore. Are the people who did the drawings here in the room Sir, is your architect here tonight? No. Um, no, they're not here. 
from what I understand is the drawings are done by a drawing service and uh, un until a licensed architect or a licensed contractor is aligned with you, no building permit can be issued. That is basically a requirement. In addition to that, the contractor has to have a San Francisco business license and I think so does the architect. So there are additional steps that I think we, we need uh, our applicant to be aware of because this approval itself does not get you anywhere. No. It may just get you to sell the building and saying I have an approval, but there is really no substance <coughs> to it other than you get in the start block and do the rest of the things. Uh, and Mr. Page, did you have any comment here? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure why the drawings are not stamped, but it's been the same firm that I've been dealing with the whole time, and I see them at the public counter frequently. Um, I think that they are—they don't often bring projects to this body, but um, I'm not sure why this set isn't stamped. But it has been one consistent firm. Okay, well that's, that's good, certainly good to hear. I do, I do wonder about um, because this project's already taken so long, making sure that we do have stamped and accurate plans. Uh, however, that comes back to, or we send staff to do that. But I, I think we need to make sure that there are not transposed numbers and that things are stamped and that this is the accurate plan set that we are approving. And then that goes forward into its next and sounds like still probably long and torturous phase to construction. Commissioner Imperial. Yeah, that's, I think my concern here is that if we approve this is that it's still gonna take time and it's still gonna be a blight in the neighborhood. Um, I wonder if we can take a condition in terms, are, are we allowed to take conditions in terms of making sure that the project sponsor get um, a licensed contra contractor and work with a licensed architect? Can that be part of our? I'm not sure if we can require them to hire have a, professionals have a timeline, of certain Having kinds. a timeline in terms of that? Well, I think our permits already have timelines of associated with before they expire. So I don't know if mm -hmm. we can, I guess, use our discretion to change the timeline, but I, I guess I would say, commissioners, I, I am, given the challenge of this product, I'm looking for a way to make sure we have stamped in plans that don't have any errors in them that we would approve. And I don't know if that's that we have it come back or we you know approve with the condition that the plans come back or what have you. But um, I share the hesitancy that, that you're expressing as well. If, you know, how, is there a way to also get a little bit further along? Commissioner Braun, do you have a bright idea for us to solve this? Just want to get you in. I know you haven't spoken yet, and then we'll go to Commissioner Diamond. Sure, thank you. Um, no bright idea, a question that might lead to maybe not a bright idea, but um, I, in my time with this body, we have never continued a discretionary review application. <laughs> um, is that something that's possible with the direction that we receive stamped plans and that Yeah, it could probably come back on consent, I would imagine. The plans would be an attachment. We could approve it. I think we've done that before the other items. I don't know if it's with DRs, though. Um, while we percolate that idea, maybe Commissioner Diamond, do you want to chime in? Looks like the project sponsor wants to respond to what we're talking about, so I'd be interested in hearing where they are. Sir, do you want to come forward to the microphone, please? Uh, we used to have the licensed contractor before to work for our project, and right now, I don't know that we are waiting for the planning. So it took like five years already. Um, are we, how do we supposed to get a contractor be next to us to wait until it finished? So okay. isn't that we should get the permit ready and then we look for a contractor and then they pull out 
go to the DBI and then um, put their license on it and then to stop the contract, to stop the construction, right? Yeah, but I think it's just not a yeah. question about the contractor. This is a question about having um, the architect with, you know, approved license stamped plans. And I, Mr. Winslow, I, I'm really deferring to you here. Is this unusual? To, is this because I, I am eager for them to move forward as quickly as possible. I understand why they don't have a licensed contractor yeah. yet. I don't know. What do we gain from a continuance? But I, you know, I do think it's important that everybody knows what plans they're building from. There used to be a sign that when I when I would walk into the Department of Building Inspections to submit a drawing set on my own you know, with my own private practice, there used to be a sign at the counter that said, we'll, "We will not accept plans for any projects of two units or greater from an unlicensed professional." Right, which by default means that I think by the California State Architectural Practices Act, non-architect, a non-licensed professional can submit drawings for a permit for up to two units. In this case, it's interior work for an existing building that's two unit, happens to be two units. And I'm not 100% sure that's why I'm kind of being caveating this. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that this may not actually require a licensed professional to submit for a permit. If it were a three-unit building, surely. There's a different level of life safety protection in the code that's embedded that requires the licensed architect. Um, and I'm, you know, a little rusty on my California Practices Act, so I was trying to dig up that definitively, but that's my common sense understanding of where we're at right now. So I'm not sure if asking for that light, that stamp from a licensed professional is something that would be required. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Moore and then Commissioner Braun. that he frequently sees the, the forum which produces these drawings at DBI, which is great, a great, great comfort. Why in this particular case uh, did this particular forum not stamp these drawings if that's what they typically do? I think that would be perhaps for you to shed some light on it. Perhaps these, these plans weren't quite executed the way the forum would have liked it to finish them executed. Perhaps they were yanked off the deck, uh, desk and these people ran and brought them forward without knowing that they're not quite finished. How do we understand the missing stamp on these drawings? Uh, it may be because um, the submittal is for, was for public notice and for this hearing. Um, I'm relatively sure that the original permit that was filed does have a stamp on it. Um, but this set you know, was submitted just directly to me by email for the public notification. Uh, I, I actually, from my perspective, would like to ask that we postpone this by a week or two, that we indeed get the drawings which have the stamp. This project is quite complicated, quite unusual, and I, I'm not trying to put any unusual difficulties in, into the uh, way of these applicants. It's fully understandable that mistakes have been made, but for us to sit here, I think we need to apply the same types of standards as we do to everybody else. Uh, and so I, I make a motion that we continue uh, just a week or two and Mr. Winslow and Mr. Page uh, get indeed those particular pertinent drawings with a stamp and uh, call it a day. I would be amenable to that if the project comes back on consent. 
and that we can see the stamped plans and other things in the packet. And uh, I, I'm prepared to, I'm absolutely prepared to do that. Again, okay. we have to have a certain kind of level of consistency of how we deal with information to be as clear as it can be. And there are lots of many, many back alleys uh, in, in those types of things, but that is a minimum, I think. I also think due to the interest in this project that having such assurance in the public record will be of benefit to this body and to the applicant to move forward expeditiously as they can with this project with some we, certainty. Would it be sufficient if you received those stamp plans electronically? Uh, yeah. Because, it, because essentially if we do a one-week continuance, that wouldn't be able to happen, but we could certainly yeah, provide them electronically yeah. in, in the record. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that the, I'm sure the architect that yeah. they're working with would hmm? do that fairly quickly and next week's very light in case it does fall off. So. Okay, that's that perfect. I second that motion. Commissioner Braun, did you want to add something? Uh, I guess I just have a quick question for the project sponsor. Um, so you still have, you still retain the services of your architect, is that right? And yes. So, okay, so it should not be, you should be able to very quickly do what we're considering asking, which is to uh, get a set of plans from the architect that is uh, corrected for the error that's been raised here. The, and the name, the, the street number. Okay. Yes. And that also uh, actually has their their professional stamp seal on the on the plans. Oh, okay. Yes, so that's possible to yeah, do pretty possible. quickly. Yes. Okay. We may even already have them. It sounds like from Mr. Page. Okay. This staff, but the correction may need to be made um, on those plans. Okay. Thank Thank you very much for that. So, um, having heard that. Uh, I, I'm okay. It's I don't want to delay this project or work any more than necessary. It looks like this is still something that might be challenging to for the sponsor to bring to completion, and I don't want to throw another um, obstacle in the way. But if it's just a week or two um, continuance to get the plans, one then week. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Mr. Owen, you said one week, right? We yeah, I believe so. it, it sounds week. like they can get in order. If they can't, we'll continue it again. Okay, that's, that's great. There is a motion, commissioners, that has been seconded to continue this matter one week to March 16th with direction to the project sponsor. On that motion, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. And uh, Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, commissioners. A motion passes unanimously five to zero <clears throat> and will place us on item 13 for case number 2021-011909-DRP for the property at 2652 California Street, also a discretionary review. Thank you. It, it depends on the sponsor, if he can get this stuff together. Great. Uh, good evening again, commissioners. David Winslow, staff architect. Uh, the item before you is a public initiated request for public uh, discretionary review of building permit application number 2021.1116.2539 to construct a horizontal and vertical addition to an uh, and to add a new second dwelling unit. Co add front facade improvements, including new windows, doors, metal balcony, exterior finishes, and removal of existing decorative plaster to an existing three-story single-family building. The existing building is a Category C, no historic resource present, built in 1922. The DR requester, Jose Medio, Medio of 2719 Sacramento, an adjacent neighbor to the north, is concerned that the proposed project should be considered a demolition rather than a remodel of existing 
and that the existing structure, which is non-conforming and out of character with the neighboring buildings, should therefore conform to the current front setback requirements. His proposed alternative is to redesign the entire project as new construction and conform with current setback requirements, front setback requirements. To date, the department has received no letter supporting and one email opposing the project. Staff supports the project as it complies with the planning code and the residential design guidelines. Per planning code section 317, this is under the threshold of tantamount to demolition. As an addition to an existing legal non-complying structure, the non-complying portion is allowed to remain. The addition sensitively responds to the adjacent site conditions and the proposed addition at the rear does not extend farther than the adjacent buildings and accommodates their property line windows with light wells. Therefore, staff deems there are no extraordinary or exceptional circumstances and recommends not taking discretionary review and approving. Thank you. Thank you. Diori Questner, you have five minutes. I'm speaking on behalf of the group of our concerned neighbors. Can you speak That's into uh, the microphone more, sir? Sorry. Thank okay, you. sorry. And my name is Jay Van Dorn, actually. So uh, <clears throat> I'm just wondering if you all have the same packet that I do uh, with, with plans for the We project. have the packet that's provided to us via the agenda. So okay. and we have this letter that uh, I believe you prepared. Thank you. Um, OK, so my name is Jay Van Dorn. And uh, I am a neighbor directly behind uh, the proposed project. And I'm one of many neighbors who uh, are extremely concerned about the, um, the project because I think there are certain exceptional circumstances uh, involved in this application for a building, building permit. Uh, we believe that the applicants have quite likely knowingly um, mischaracterized this project as an alteration and rear addition. The demolition calculations included with the plans we received are egregiously underestimated to make it appear that these calculations fall below the threshold of what will in fact qualify the project as a residential demolition. We have consulted with a local structural engineer, Marianne Phipps, and you should all have her response to uh, the, the plans that, that we have. Um, you can read that in more detail, but in brief, uh, after examining the proposed plans and calculations, which we've all received for the project, she has stated that according to the city and county of San Francisco existing building code, the proposed modifications would be characterized as substantial structural alteration. Accordingly, the existing building would have to be brought up to current seismic code. To achieve the required lateral force resisting elements in the front of the building, the facade will require substantial demolition and reconstruction. The plans submitted do show removal of the rear facade. However, they, they indicate that the existing front facade will remain with minor adjustments. So the plans don't properly address the demolition which will be involved, which as we heard earlier in this session is a kind of a common problem that um, often what is proposed as a, an alteration becomes a demolition just by the fact how much is of the, of the walls are being removed. So back to uh, planning code 317, um, with this 
being defined, demolition being defined as a major alteration of a residential building that proposes the removal of more than 50% of the sum of the front facade and rear facade and proposes the removal of more than 65% of the sum of all exterior walls measured in lineal feet at the foundation. I believe that's what we're looking at here. And uh, as per the determination of our structural engineer, it certainly appears that the necessary work will push this into that category of residential demolition. So <clears throat> the demolition of the existing structure, which extends completely out to the street, uh, I'm, this is the uh, proposed, which is basically, I should do this. So, um, yeah, in 1922, they were allowed to build all the way out to the sidewalk. These, uh, the people who are proposing this project are trying to hang on to that existing 1922 building and sort of uh, have you believe that they're going to be able to put this addition on the back, which is twice as big as the, uh, the building that goes out to the street, and so maintain all of that uh, square footage. And um, they are proposing two luxury condos, and we are all in favor of doing something with this project that will add one other unit to the city's, uh, you know, the city's uh, available units. So um, let's see. So basically, we request that the building department, planning department, and everyone involved with allowing this permit should require more uh, thorough um, engineering notes and plans and review those with a realistic structural calculations before any permit is issued. If the results do determine that this qualifies as residential demolition, then it follows that the plans for the proposed project would need to be changed substanti you, substantially and they would have to... That is your time, but you do have new, a two-minute rebuttal. Completely new building permit. Thank you. Project sponsor. Can, can we get copies of whatever was submitted? We haven't seen anything. I have not been submitted. Project sponsor, you have five minutes. Any, anything that was submitted, because we received absolutely nothing. There's nothing okay. in the packet from the DR. Project sponsor, you can have minutes. my copy if you'd like it, um, Mr. Ionan. Anyways, can we continue with the hearing, please? Sir, this is your time. That is well, I, I understand, here. but this is sort of DR by ambush. There's nothing in your packet. Sir, if you would like and to we begin your testimony, I anything. suggest I'm that you give begin it. To the architect I suggest that you begin your testimony, sir. Your time is running. You can use it as you please. Good, after, uh, good evening, uh, President Tanner, members of the commission, Steve Williams on behalf of the project sponsors. Um, I also have the project architect here, Tom Taylor of Taylor Lombardo Architecture. Uh, he's also here with me to respond to any technical issues which may uh, come up. And we weren't told anything or given anything. You don't have anything in your packet uh, for us to respond to. Uh, there was no brief submitted, no sort of response at all. Uh, and they, they wouldn't come to a meeting uh, after being invited by Mr. Winslow. Uh, to me, uh, this is a project that gets everything right, uh, in my opinion. Uh, as someone who's, who's often been on the other side of projects uh, with negative impacts on uh, neighbors and neighborhoods, um, 
this project adds an additional unit of housing, uh, but it's also incredibly sensitive to the existing neighbors and to the neighborhood. Um, uh, right now, the building's an, an outlier, if you will, an anomaly on this block. Uh, it was built in 1922, uh, and it's an example of uh, you know, Italian Renaissance revival architecture, or whatever you want to call it, using arches and columns in the facade. All the other buildings are Victorian in nature and were built 30 or 40, uh, some even 50 years earlier in the 1880s and 1890s. Um, uh, many of them are listed in here today. Many of them are listed in the, the city's historic uh, survey from 1976. The project complies with the code, needs no variances, satisfies the residential design guidelines. Uh, in regard to the, the design, the project not only adds another unit of housing, it improves the design and the appearance of this building uh, to better fit in with the block face. Uh, staff made the request about the facade changes and recommendations. All of those changes were incorporated into the project uh, by the project architect. Uh, not only is uh, this building uh, an outlier in design, it's also an anomaly in its placement on the lot. Um, if you look at it, it, it is much more shallow than everything around it, extraordinarily more shallow than everything around it. Can I have overhead, please? Um, it, it sits forward on the lot, but the rear lot behind it is virtually empty. Um, the adjacent buildings exceed this building by 54 feet. I mean, that's, that's, that's longer than the building is deep. Um, and so adding a new unit is really the only solution uh, at the rear of this building, which is dark because it's on the north side and it's a dead and underused rear yard space. And so it, it really brings it up to compatibility and conformity with the, uh, the remainder of the block, which is all built out completely. Um, there, this, this project has been really sensitive, extraordinarily so. When I first was asked to represent them, I was shocked. Um, there are numerous lot line windows in both of the adjacent buildings. Here is a side photograph of the building to the west. There are six or seven lot line windows there, and there are four or five in the building to the east. And extraordinarily, this project sponsor set up a series of light wells to accommodate every single one of those lot line windows, which they did not have to do. Here's the roof plan. And so there's uh, five different very large light wells to accommodate just an, you know, a, a numerous uh, variety of lot line windows. And so uh, they did that voluntarily. They also held the rear extension in voluntarily. Both buildings on the adjacent buildings go back further. They've reduced the height of the building voluntarily. Um, and they uh, did a sun study which showed little or no impact on the buildings around them, including uh, on the uh, building to the west which has solar panels. Uh, the adjacent neighbors don't oppose this project and um, did not follow DR. This is a DR from someone to the north 
uh, on Sacramento Street. And we can, since there's been no communication or outreach, we can only assume it's to protect views over the top of the project. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay, members of the public, if you would like to comment on this matter, this is your opportunity to do so. Please come forward if you're in the chambers. If you are calling in remotely, you need to press star three or raise your hand via WebEx. Hello, Commission. Uh, nice to be here. Thank you for having us. Uh, I'm, in regards to the project on California Street, as he says, all the neighbors, he's made everybody happy. That's quite the contrary. He didn't show the back of the building as well, but the back of the building is quite the eyesore. It's full height. It looks into everybody's window on the street up above. And uh, for him to say it's a better design and that the neighbors are good, it's not a good design. It doesn't match the neighborhood. The back is as ugly as can be. The, uh, what I want to say is the, the proposed addition doesn't meet demo calculations. They're inaccurate calcs, deficient drawings. Another example, like you guys have been dealing with all night tonight, in regards to what people are trying to do without demoing the property, trying to get an addition. This is an exact example. The ongoing pattern of developers using this to, do, to build mega mansions, like you guys said, you need to revisit this. Uh, the project in question is trying to use the front wall and leave that existing just so they can build all the way to the street. They can't leave the front wall with all the, with all the steel and what have you up. There's no possible way. I've been in construction my whole life. There's no way they can do that. The project doesn't blend in with the existing homes and will most likely affect our property values. The sheer size of it. He didn't show the back. He showed the front. The sheer size from the rear. There's another addition on the top. You can't see it from the front. The sheer size along with the absence of the front or rear yard. There's no yard in the rear. In the rear, we have a beautiful green belt. There's one tree right on the property line on their back. They say they're going to leave it. When they root prune down 16 feet, the tree is gone. And if they root prune it and decide to leave it, it's most likely going to drop into one of our houses on Sacramento Street. In addition to trying to oppose, um, appease the neighbors, that's all they're doing by trying to leave that tree in the back, which, which is definitely going to have to go. But they're trying to tell the neighbors because of what an eyesore the back of the home is that they're going to leave that tree. Um, I, I really hope that you guys consider. Uh, I'd like to see something there, but not what they're planning. What they're planning is just way overdone with the neighborhood. It doesn't blend in. There's no reason to do what they're doing. Going all the way to the back of the property, they're not telling you they're going down 16 feet. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Any other member of the public? Please come forward. My name is Susan McBride, and I'm a neighbor, and I live on Sacramento Street. This has nothing to do with my view. I do not have a view. It has to do with the scale of what they're building on the back. And we do have gardens in the back between California and Sacramento. And they are really important. They're important for, I know this sounds silly, they're important for birds, they're important for everything that exists. And in building what they're doing, they're taking every inch of the land away from this project. And the tree that we're talking about is not just a tree. It's a very large magnolia tree, and it can't be replaced. And if something happens to it, you can't just go get another magnolia tree. So I am opposed to the project. Okay, last call for public comment. Seeing none, excuse me, DR requester, you have a two-minute rebuttal. 
Okay, so I'm just going to flash this back up on the screen. And uh, we just question if they're, I mean, basically they want to have their cake and eat it too, which is maintain this non-conforming huge volume out to the street. And they claim that they'll be able to do that as an alteration, bring it, bring it up to seismic code and current seismic code, and then attach, you know, two thirds again, that much in the back. So we don't object to them doing a project, a two unit project, but it's just kind of monstrous. The the redo is worse than what's existing. Uh, and it's totally not conforming with the neighborhood. Also, as both neighbors mentioned, the tree in back cannot possibly survive with, they've, they've put this 16 foot deep well that's subgrade that's up like seven feet from the base of the tree. So it's serious concern for everyone behind. So I'm just, I really hope you will like revisit this and make it more accurate, the structural calculations, et cetera, before granting a permit. Thank you. Project sponsor, you have a two minute rebuttal. Thank you, uh, Steve Williams again. Um, the, the demo calculations are uh, what they are and they're on the plans. Um, it's, it's impossible for us to defend somebody who just stands up and says the calculations aren't accurate without actually pointing anything out. Uh, they're on the plans at uh, sheet A2.02-D. Um, and again, we haven't received anything uh, in opposition uh, or saying what the problems were uh, until the, this evening. Um, the, the tree will be shown, uh, saved. It's, it's shown on the architectural plans. Uh, the plan is to save it, uh, to get an arborist in, to make sure that it, it does survive. Um, and this idea uh, that the project is extending into the shared green space is just not so. Um, as I showed earlier, they're only building in their rear yard. Let me show this again. Um, the, the adjacent buildings exceed this building by more than 50 feet. And so they're, they're actually stopping short of the adjacent building's depth into the rear yard. Uh, they're only building in their own yard. They're not building in any of the shared open green space. And the folks that are here tonight live up here. This is an extremely steep hill, uh, way above these buildings. And so I, I, I can only assume uh, this is, is about views. Um, the the uh, drawing that was flashed, that is not the current design um, by, the pro by the DR requester. That is an older design uh, that was changed by uh, collaboration between the architects and staff. That's no longer the design, uh, but it, the building's actually being changed to be more compatible with the block, not less. And uh, I just wish that they had reached out to us earlier uh, because we were reaching out to them uh, without result. Uh, this is a good project. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, with that, commissioners, matters before you. Mr. Winslow, could you help me understand a little bit about the rear yard required for this project? And I understand that I believe there's averaging when you have neighbors that have a great depth as they do. Could you review that a little bit for this project? and how much rear yard is remaining uh, in this project? Sure. So the basic rear yard in an RH2 is 45% of the lot depth, but that is allowed to decrease by virtue of averaging adjacent neighbors subject to um, certain um, 
two stories or 20 foot height rear walls greater equal to or greater than 50% of their width lot width um, which in this case um, does look like it applies they are using averaging to extend the building but not as far as their adjacent neighbors great thank you for clarifying that and then again to kind of understand a little bit about our process at this stage we are having our architectural drawings we are not having the structural information that some of the dr requesters are asking for at this stage correct right so just in direct response to this exhibit that the dr requester submitted from the structural engineer um, basically it's what it says is that when you add a second unit and add a certain percentage of new construction that it triggers upgrades of seismic and other structural, mainly seismic and other life safety uh, for the entirety of the building, um, completely understandable. And at this point, not necessarily, at least in the site permit drawings, those are not technical drawings that are typically submitted with the planning approvals. Um, so yes, true, but tr not yet provided. Yeah. Thank you very much. And if I just could go one yes, step further, certainly. because the allegation was made that just because these structural requirements would be imposed, that therefore there would be incre uh, additional demolition. That's not the case. The way the demolition works is you're taking walls out of service, either by removing them in their entirety, not removing parts of them like the sheathing or the interior finishes or the exterior finishes, but the structure of the wall. And in seismic retrofitting, it's commonplace to put a layer upon another layer of an existing stud, existing stud wall to, to strengthen it. it. Yeah. So that's not mutually, um, you know, disagreeable. <laughs> they can do both, retain that existing wall and structurally improve the building. Thank you. I would say, commissioners, this is certainly a unique project, an interesting project, one we may see more of as we have, again, more additions of housing units. Um, the second unit is quite large, but again, that's not against the rules. Um, the first unit, the existing unit, obviously has no setback and it does stick out compared to its neighbors, but that's a pre-existing condition since 1922. So I don't really see how that is subject to really needing to change at this point in time. So I do not see any uh, exceptional, extraordinary circumstances, certainly unusual and unique, but nothing that would require taking discretionary review at this time. Commissioner Braun. Yes, um, first of all, just note to the project sponsor's representative, um, the packet was most definitely online and linked to from the agenda for tonight um, because that's how I get my planning materials for these hearings is from the same website everybody else can review. Um, I have one question about our, our procedure. Uh, so let's say that the site permit, this moves forward to DBI and um, that's when the structural engineering kind of happens and they look at that. Does our process now you know, we've been talking about the fixes to our process to avoid the tantamount to demolition situation. Do we now have a feedback loop in that process in which for some reason it turns out they're gonna to have to demolish more than what was shown in these plans and then it comes back to planning to, you know, redo the demo calcs and approach this as a demolition instead? Yeah, I think we do. Uh, you know, process is a constant improvement and I think um, we have been working on this better communication with DBI to where, when they look at something and they know what what is going to trigger us uh, or be triggered by us, um, that they will route it back to us. Now, is it 100% certain? No, but in this case, this is kind of, you know, my experience. The demo calcs are not even close, and so if they had to significantly alter something from these plans 
in the addenda that DBI gets and reviews, I think it would be a great enough delta that would be a red flag for DBI to realize that they probably wanted to send it back up to us for a, for a recheck. So. Okay, thank you. I think that's good for everyone with the project coming forward to the Planning Commission to be aware that the process is improving and with, with any luck, we are going to be catching more tantamount to demolition situations before they actually become tantamount to demolition situations. So, certainly, um, certainly. Uh, but having said that, I, I also, Oh, I see Commissioner Diamond uh, has a comment, so I'm going to hold back a motion until then. Maybe before Commissioner Diamond, I would just piggyback on your comment just to Mr. Williams to advise your clients to ensure that if there is any more walls that need to come down or things that come down, please do not take them down before you get permission from planning or from the building department so you don't end up back here as our previous case has and many previous cases today and other weeks um, due to exceeding the building permit. So we would appreciate that. Commissioner Diamond. Yeah. Two comments along the same lines. One, uh, Mr. Winslow, is it possible to flag this project for uh, uh, DBI that when they're looking at it, um, that if it does involve more demolition, that they should bring it back to you to take a second look at it? I mean, in theory, I know you're creating processes to formalize that, but they've raised a question. So, I mean, I don't want to punish them now because of some letter we got today that says, you know, it will no doubt be tantamount to demolition. That seems unfair, but it does seem like we should be watching it carefully. So can we, can you flag that with DBI? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Second, I'm sorry, did you want to? There's just, just additional information kind of apropos of the general idea of flagging. When we have demo calcs and they're within 10% or less, of those thresholds, mm -hmm. that's when we kind of get suspicious. Like when somebody comes in with yeah. 49 percent, you know, then we write, then we make a mandatory letter that goes on those plans that says, you know, everybody's aware, DBI, project sponsor, contractor, that if you, you know, exceed these thresholds, blah -de blah blah, you know. So um, that's our typical trigger when something's close. Yeah. This one isn't. Um, but I think we can certainly kind of make an exception and put it in the PTS notes for this project to just make sure we're vigilant and keeping an eye on it. Okay. I would appreciate that. And the second question is the picture that I'm looking at that's online um, of the facade is significantly different than the picture the DR requester just showed us. Um, I assume the current design is the one that was online. So I have no idea why the DR requester showed us the one they did. Uh, this is the current design in the packet. Yeah, question for the DR requester. Was there some reason you showed us that old or no longer relevant design? Um, I'll show that to you one more time. Can you just, yeah, just speak into the microphone. Sorry, sir, and it's then, hard to and hear. And then one. I'll show you the one that is in the smaller packet. It was just a bigger picture with very small, very minor changes. Sir, if you can speak into the microphone, just, oh, it's I'm hard so for sorry. us to hear you. So I, this one was uh, a larger picture, and I, I didn't even realize that it was changed because they're so similar. And okay. But just to confirm, so, the, yeah. what we're approving is the one that was in the, well, actually not what we're approving. The one we have to decide whether or not we want to take DR on is the one that's right. in the packet. Right. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I, Com Commissioner Moore? Oh, sorry. Did you have more questions, Commissioner Diamond? Okay. Commissioner Moore? I am comfortable with the project, including the follow-up with the department and DBI. 
just to start on a slightly more secure way uh, how we move in the future and avoid uh, <laughs> demolitions. Uh, <laughs> I did not want to take the thunder from Commissioner Brown. You were about to make a motion, so I'm going to turn it back to you to do so. <laughs> Happy to do so. Thank I you. take a motion to not take DR and approve. Second. Second. <laughs> There's a motion that has been seconded not take DR and approve the project as proposed. On that motion, Commissioner Braun? Aye. Commissioner Diamond? Aye. Commissioner Imperial? Aye. Commissioner Moore? Aye. And Commissioner President Tanner? Aye. So moved, Commissioners, a motion passes unanimously 5 to 0. I will just say, Commissioners, thank you for an eventful night, but well managed, and I'm very glad that we're all working together. We are officially adjourned. Thank you, President Tanner, <laughs> for keeping the order. Thank you. <laughs> Trying. Commissioner Tanner, well managed. Thank you.